warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 236. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's mix it, clean it, erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, pushover. Pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yay! <laughs> All right, welcome to episode 236. Uh, we are joined by uh, two of my favorite people. Uh, first off, Scott Schutte, welcome back to the program. How's it going, assholes? It's going pretty good, you fucking shit waffle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, gracias, gracias. <laughs> and uh, first time on the podcast, one of my favorite people again, uh, Dan Hunter. What's up, dude? Hey guys, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's, finally, it's great to finally be on. I know, it's good to have you on, man. Had a good time at C2E2 getting to see you again. We had a great talk there, man. I was probably yeah. drunk. I was drunk, I don't remember half of it, but fuck it, man. I, I mean, I was right there with you too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, let's see here. So, uh, how's everybody doing? Any Anything new going on? Yeah, same old shit. I can't really. We've never had Dan Hunter on. No, he think, always disappears before the show gets started. <laughs> yeah, That's I was on that works. one episode, but wasn't disappeared. Yeah. Did, were, yeah. were you actually on like a, a one hundred or a two hundred, or is this your no, first? No, I wasn't. No, I went. I was. I was going to try to be, but then I was like. Had plans come up those both times for that. So. Oh, you had bigger to, plans yeah. than our fucking anniversary. Yeah. Episodes. I'll wait till three hundred and Dan, then try to find something better to do for that. Dan messaged <laughs> me. He said, "I gotta, I gotta wash my hair tonight." <laughs> He pulled, he pulled that classic line. He's got a standing date of tiddlywinks. Tiddlywinks. Does anybody even know how to play tiddlywinks? Tiddlywinks sounds like something that you do to, I don't know, like some, something that you do to like your balls, right? Yeah. Tiddlywinks is pretty fucking fun, I think. I've never played tiddlywinks. I've, I've no, massaged like, my balls, though. Like it's the, like uh, little plastic chips, pieces? and you uh, push one against the other and make it bounce into a cup. Yep. Okay. 
it's, it's pretty fucking fun. Yeah, yeah like before the internet, Tiddlywinks was the shit, yeah. man. That we didn't have anything else to do other than scratch our balls and then play Tiddlywinks. You know, yeah. you may you may also know this game as Pogs. Oh, that's true. I never played Pogs either. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, poor sorry son of a bitch. I don't know. I just never, I never got in the tiddlywinks and pogs. I was, I was doing the lawn darts, man. I was throwing darts. <laughs> uh, that explains so much. Yeah. Jarts. Jarts. You can still yeah. get those down here, by the way, in Florida. You can in find Florida, it. Of course. I still see newspaper articles about them all the time down there. Yep. I'm always reading articles about Florida man with a jart stuck in his head. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, I, you know, I what I hold out slowly. You'll be all right. We are talking over each other like a motherfucker. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. this is just uh, wow. Would you rather have me get some pretzels? There we like, go again. There we go again. Just, just, just rolling over each other. Just a steamroll of words. This is going to be fun. <laughs> oh man, uh, words. Throw them in a blender. You have PCL episode two thirty six. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. I uh, I stabbed myself in the hand this week, guys. What? Yeah. Stab- On purpose? No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Were you playing the knifey game? I, yeah, I watched Aliens, and Bishop was going nuts with his hand, and I was like, I'll try that. And uh the- mean Mumbly Peg. The name of the game is Mumbly Peg. Oh, that's the Jesus Christ! Tiddlywinks, Mumbly Peg. You have any other <laughs> games that you want to throw out? <laughs> wow! No, I want to hear all about your hand, though. I was uh, I was slicing open an avocado, and we're gonna get to the advertise advertise content, people. Whatever. <laughs> um, but I was I was cutting open an avocado, and uh, you know how the avocados have like the big fucking like what do you call that? A seed or a pit? Is that a, a pit? pit? I believe. Is it a pit? I know peaches have a pit. Is it an avocado pit? Yeah, it's a pit. All right. And uh, so, yeah, the pit was in there. And usually the pits, they come out pretty easily. You know, I can slide them out with the knife sometimes. Sometimes they just pop out easily on their own. Uh, This one, I'm trying to slide it out with the knife. It's got a filmy layer on it, though. Like it had been kind of like inside the avocado and absorbing the avocado juices and it had like this filmy layer on it. You know, like when you, when it's a hot day, you're walking around and you, uh, with jeans on and you get that filmy layer on your balls. Yeah, I'm talking about balls a lot, but you know, you get that filmy, gunky sweat slash film on your ball sack. You know what I'm talking about? Exactly. It's kind of a slick type filmy layer. <laughs> You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. I call it hour four of PCL. Yeah, hour four of PCL. Like (laughs) when you take your pants off, like you can just let it kind of like air out, but it takes like a lot longer than usual. (laughs) So like if you don't go straight to the shower and yeah, this, it had like this filmy ball layer on it. And so when I took the knife to kind of like pop out the pit, it popped into my fucking palm like deep. It hurt. I was bleeding like a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah it sucked. It fucking, Stitches? No. I was like, yeah, let's see it. Let's see how this works out on its own. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I uh, it was bleeding all over the place. I'm like looking at this blood. I'm like, ah, shit. I went to the bathroom, started to like rinse it <laughs> off and stuff. And, and then I found out when I made like a fist, when I, I, I pressed my hand together, it 
gave it like it had enough pressure to where it wasn't bleeding. So I just wrapped it up with some ace bandages and went on about my day. <laughs> Did the injury ruin the food? No, I still made that fucking shake. Yeah. <laughs> I I add it to a shake and it makes it like creamier. You know what I mean? I don't like a, a thin shake. You know, and I so I, I add the avocado because it makes it creamy. It's just so so good. But it's uh, a healthy fat too. So wise choice. It is a healthy fat. It's a healthy fat. Wise choice for a wise life. There we go. That's the there you go. Peace. PCL brought to you by avocados. Yeah, for your health. <laughs> Did you get a little blood in your shake too, because a little bit, a little bit of extra protein there for you. Or? Yeah, I called it my vampire shake. No, you know what I actually put in That's my shake. That's a great shake? idea. I, I put beets in my shake, and it, everything turns red with the beets. You know what even turns red when you eat a beet? You eat a whole fucking beet. You're pissed. Uh, you know, <laughs> the first time I ate yeah, it. Yeah, I've had that. Not that scary. <laughs> it is scary. You think you're pissing blood. Like who? Oh my god! Who did I fuck like a couple months ago? You know. So you don't you don't know what's going on there for a moment. You know, one minute you got fucking yeah. you got this film on your balls, the next thing you're like pissing blood. You're like what the hell? Oh, I'm just sweaty and I and I'm just sweaty and I ate a beat. Okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sponsored by beats. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's jump into iTunes reviews. It's one star five. We don't give a fuck because we really love to hear just how much we suck. Guys, Chris Dubach and your host is a jerk. I'm an opinionated asshole whose dick don't work. Yada yada blah blah fuck you too. These are iTunes reviews. I listened in the within the first five minutes. He's talking about a film on his. Balls, and <laughs> he cut his hand. I didn't. I didn't care for it. This is a, a toss it. One star. And these reviews come in so fast now. I know. It's like it's like it's like real time, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've got like one of those fucking CNN head, like one of those clickers at the bottom, those tickers. Yeah, tickers. <laughs> it's like whoa, they're just they're coming up as we record. Uh, we got one here from Terrapin Rex. Terrapin Rex. It's uh, titled "Great In Depth Show" and it's a five star. And uh, I found this show after Ready Player One. Love the show. The hosts know their stuff, and their banter feels organic. Only wish they'd spend the first twenty. I, I only wish they didn't spend the first twenty minutes blowing themselves over iTunes reviews. <laughs> Otherwise, a great pop culture show worth listening to. <laughs> <laughs> what was the star rating on that one? Five. Wow. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna we- say. Go Jealous much? Sounds, you know. Nah, 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 nah. I, it's just what you gotta understand, buddy. Nah, nah, fuck you. I'm not calling you buddy. Um, <laughs> you gotta understand something. Like, we're not, I'm not, I'm not Joe Rogan. I'm not Kevin Smith. I'm not any one of these big podcasters that can just like get on here and just like yak it up and then expect to get iTunes reviews. So we take the time because people took the time to write them to read them on the show and let other people know that if they do fucking write them, we're going to read them. Okay? That's what it comes down to. That's really what it comes down to. Honestly, what episode do we blow ourselves about them? I feel like 80% of the time we're cringing about them. He doesn't like them. 
You know, and, and, uh, and people, at all. people are in, people are conditioned that, that in this world that if you complain enough, you're going to get your way. You're not always going to get your way when it comes to something like this. I'm not. This is not a. Uh, this is not a fucking Chick Fil A where you can start a change.org and a bunch of people sign a fucking petition and Chick Fil A is not going <laughs> to do something. That they're going to that, with their chickens. They're not going to put them in cages and all this other shit. Okay, I'm, you know, I mean. We're not gonna have range-free chickens running around on PCL for you, asshole. It's just we're gonna we're gonna fucking we're gonna fucking we're gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna read iTunes. I hope we get more. You fucking blumpkin loving son of a bitch. I just yeah. Blum, <laughs> blum. I mean, he must have liked it enough because he sent he sent one. So I mean, yeah, five stars too. Yeah, five yeah. stars. I just I, the yeah. complainers. He must have, yeah. Just the complainers. I don't He's know. Adding fuel to the fire. Huh? Dan, you sound like shit. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like, really wish that we all had nothing but one star reviews to read. Aren't those our favorite ones? I, it get it yeah. get old. It get old. It's just like I'd pack it up. I mean, literally. I mean, one stars they're they're fun every once in a while. But if it was just literally one star after one star after one star, I'd pack it up, Scott. I'd be like, all right, time to move on. Let's move on. This is this is enough abuse. Like, I want to know I'm doing something good. Like, I want to piss off the occasional person. Absolutely. You know, like every one out of ten I want to piss off. I don't, I don't, I don't want it to, I don't want it to like just destroy my self-esteem altogether. <laughs> yeah, I'm more one out of four, but I'm with you. Uh, you know, he's a glutton for punishment over here. <laughs> and here's another one that thinks we suck. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Terrapin Rex, if I'm going on way too long about this. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll move it along for you, buddy. Now we're, we're blowing ourselves about oh, Terrapin Rex. Wow, the irony. Oh, oh Jake. Oh, oh, God. He gave us a five star. We're the best. Uh, hold on. You need to clean that film off your balls before I keep going, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see here. Uh, next one comes from uh, Dartronus. Uh, it's titled The uh, Perfect Time Waster, and uh, it's a five-star. A true Tupperware party of a podcast that helps me get through boring shifts at work. And that comes from Dartronus. Hmm, that's very pleasant. At least he's not pissing and moaning about something fucking trivial. I you know, <laughs> blowing themselves, listening to them talking about their iTunes reviews. <laughs> Straight to the point. That's good. I like it. I yeah. like you, Jartronis. You're a breath of fresh air after that asshole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just wish that they wouldn't spend the first 20 minutes blowing each other, you know, over <laughs> iTunes reviews. Oh, God. <laughs> the thing I like about the five stars is that the stars have sharp points on them so he can shove them up their up, up, up his ass and the points will just jam into his anus um that didn't come out the way i wanted it but fuck it um well, here we go one one star show five star rating and it's a five star from dino or dino would you say dino i like i like dino better it's dino 3198 dino 3198 says great podcast uh, love the interaction between the host and the guests i love the passion they have for the topics and enjoy listening to this on my commute to and from work keep it up or don't. I'll still listen. I wow. Love that last line. Or don't. <laughs> That's great. I like how he, when he says don't, it's like we'll just suck and he'll still listen. Yeah, exactly. He's not talking about you know us blowing each other over iTunes reviews. 
and stuff like that. He's like, you know, do whatever the fuck you want. I'll still listen. I don't care. I'm a man of simple means. <laughs> yeah, I like or a that lot one. of time on his hands. <laughs> Hello. Hey, what's up, dude? Oh shit, you can hear. Let me try. I don't know how to mute this. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, Dan, you're killing it, that. man. <laughs> <laughs> that was his agent calling. Here's a quarter. <laughs> Call your mother. You'll never be a podcaster. Yeah, it looks like something better just came up for Dan, and he's got to go. Yeah, guys, I'll, I'll uh, talk to you. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Um, next one comes from J Dave one seven one one one. I like to listen to PCL podcast after watching the movie they review. They notice everything and often have background information that I wasn't aware of. Keep up the good work. That's from J Dave. It's a five star. So thank you, sir. That's yeah, a nice one. I like that. Appreciates the the work and the passion we have. Yeah. Your movie review um, episodes are some of the best on the internet. I mean, uh, and I'm not trying to blow your, you know, blow smoke up oh, your God, ass. Oh God, we've had thing, enough. But... We've had enough, had enough fucking fellatio on this episode, Scott. Yeah, I, I understand that, but that that Infinity War review that you guys did was was spectacular. Um, and actually, you know, having listened to everybody else's fucking Infinity War. Uh, review after that it was just like I, I actually got sick of infinity war reviews because yours was so good i mean all right i don't need to listen to this one i don't need to listen to that one um but you do a really nice job you should feel really good about that thank you Jeez. appreciate that scott you give good head i do <laughs> oh man when scott was talking there i was just leaning back <laughs> that, that was my entire that, that, exactly as you should <laughs> all right here we go Next one is uh, titled Popping My Review Cherry. It's a five-star, and it comes from DC2SW Hill. I never have wrote a review for a podcast and seldom have I read them, but I felt I should voice my thoughts about this show. My attention span is short. That's where it ends. Jesus Christ. I got you there. Wow. I picked up what he was doing. Yeah, you get it? You got there it? You go. yeah, that's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, no, I always no, love no. it when we get uh, iTunes reviews from Star Wars robot stuff. Uh, DC two SW Hill. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, I'm not done yet. He didn't. That was my joke. That wasn't his joke. He's not that clever. Uh, um, okay, he might be that clever. I have no mm. idea. My attention span is short, but I find myself a bit unhappy when they end. Even. Four, even after four hours, <laughs> even after four plus hours, they run long time. The uh, ugh, I'm having a hard time reading this one. The long run times could be double, and I would still want more each week. The entertainment and knowledge mixture provided by the host and their guests is top notch. No place on any medium do you find such a show. I am so happy that I discovered this last winter. My first episode was i believe right after one of the hosts had injured himself and again shit i did it again buddy fucking stabbed myself um and uh was feeling no pain thanks to some great meds i felt i had to subscribe after that just to see if he was like that all the time uh, <laughs> i was not disappointed and didn't look back 
Thanks to the host for a great show. Wow, that was a personal thank you to me for taking pen, pain medication, basically. <laughs> that, I love that review. <laughs> I hope the host still stays as fucked up as he is while he takes pain meds. <laughs> <laughs> and he was not let down, apparently. So, yeah, that happened. <laughs> This next oh, one. man, the more and more sober you get, the like less stars he's going to give us. He'll go and adjust that. I drink every episode. I have to anymore. I have to. I, I, I'm nicer when I drink, <laughs> I think. Unless it's tequila. <sighs> I'm just a cunt on tequila. Anyway, last one. Last one, Terrapin Rex. Oh, man. Whew. First world problems. Hey, right, buddy? Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, it's unbearable. How are you managing right now, man? Terrapin Rex, you holding up, buddy? You doing all right there? Anyway, uh, it's titled If I Could Turn Back Time. It's a five star and it's by Whore for Thor. Uh, I hope, I almost said that like Sylvester. Whore for Thor. <laughs> 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 Surprised you could even have that as an iTunes review name. Uh, yeah, yeah, Horror for Thor, and he uh, uh, he goes on to say, "I hope you get to make sweet, sweet love to share. Then I hope you make a four-hour podcast about it. I'd listen." So that comes from Horror for Thor. Thank you, Horror for Thor. Mm, I will not co-host that one with you. Do you think Horror for Thor's <laughs> favorite band is Tears for Fears? Mm, I think it's a good guess. Yeah. I would not be surprised. Yeah. I was thinking. <sighs> anyway, you guys ready to move into Good Pop, Bad Pop? Surely. Yeah. All right, there we go. Time for Good Pop, Bad yeah. Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be <laughs> want you to know our rating system. I am so out of it this week. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, I want to talk about, I want to talk about, I, got, I, I watched a shit ton of fucking movies this week, guys. So I got a lot. I got a lot I'm going to have to go through. So I'm going to knock out a few movies and then I'll pass it off here. But I did want to talk real quick. I did watch, um, I finished, actually finished this a couple weeks ago and I forgot to mention it on the, uh, on the podcast. I finished Barry season one, the Bill Hader series. Oh yeah. Has cool. any, was that, has anybody else watched the, the season or gotten into the show? Just the first two episodes for me so far, but I plan on going back and finishing it out. Yeah, you've raved about it, but I haven't had time to jump on yet. Yeah. Um, it is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. This is a Tupperware. I, I love this show. It was, it's really, it's so good. And, and it's, it's just insane that Bill Hader is able to pull this role off. Um, just the comedy and the, the mix of like the romance and the, and the drama and the tension. And I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, Henry Winkler's great in it. Um, one of my favorite scenes is like <laughs> uh, Bill Hader gets into a situation where instead of killing a guy that he did a job with, he ends up joining up with them and they end up going on kind of like a mission together to 
kind of uh, that, that involves a kind of like a Mexican drug cartel, and things get out of hand to the point where the guy is driving a truck like full speed at this Mexican cartel while playing Pantera's Cowboys from Hell at like full blast. And it is one of the oh, nice. craziest and funniest scenes uh, that I've seen in a show. And this is, it's a Tupperware. I, I forget if it was like, I think it was like eight or 10 episodes, but um, really easily digestible to watch and just a fun show. And I, it's a Tupperware. So it's on HBO. Check it out. Next thing I want to talk about, I went and saw uh, a movie and they only played it one fucking day in the theater <laughs> at one theater. And I was the only person in the showing. So it was like, okay, um, I, this is cool. I got the whole theater to my fucking self. Um, I went and saw Social Animals. And uh, it's it's about uh, Zoe is stalled, stoned, broke, and stuck in a series of one-night stands. While salvaging her failing business, she falls in love for the first time with Paul. There's one problem. Paul is married to Jane. Through inspirations only Austin could provide, Zoe learns what adulting really means. And what they mean by Austin is that the setting for this uh, movie is in Austin, Texas. And uh, it takes place in, like, this strip mall. Um, the, the movie's written and uh, directed by Teresa Bennett. And she produced a movie called Petunia, which I haven't seen, so I don't really know anything about Teresa Bennett. Uh, this is kind of like – this is an indie film, but it has Noel Wells. She plays Zoe, and I hadn't seen her in anything before. Josh Radner plays Paul. He played Ted on uh, How I Met Your Mother. It's also got Aya Cash. She plays Jane, and she's on FX's You're the Worst. And she was also – she played um, Leonardo DiCaprio's, like, secretary in that uh, Wolf of Wall Street movie. Um, it's got Samira Wiley. She plays Lana. She's from Orange is the New Black and The Hand- Handmaid's Tale. Uh, Carly uh, Shaken plays Claire. And then Fortune Feimster. She plays this character, Sarah Beth, who is absolutely fucking hysterical in this movie. She's so funny. Um, it's, this is an R rated, like dark romance comedy. And you've got the main character, Zoe, and she's never been in love before. And she's really just kind of like, just very promiscuous. And she takes, she has sex with these guys. And like, before they leave, she like snaps a Polaroid of them and then like throws their picture in a box. She leaves like a description of their name. And when the movie introduces a new character, it shows like in animation, not really animation, just kind of like a, a picture, like a drawing of their favorite sex position, which is kind of like hilarious in a way. And it kind of like cues you in on like how this person is, you know what I mean? Like, if they like doggy, they're very controlling or if they're like this, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It's a really cool movie in that aspect. Um, now Zoe, she, she's a, she's a small business owner. She owns like her own like waxing parlor where she like gives women Brazilians and she waxes people. And, and there's Paul played by Josh Radner and his marriage is falling apart. He's got uh, three kids and he's, he's really trying to do what he can do to like keep the marriage together but his wife, basically, you can tell she's miserable and she's she's definitely clearly depressed. And she says, like, out of the blue, like, maybe they should start affairs. And it kind of, he kind of sure. like, you know, like, it kind of crushes him. But it, 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 and it doesn't really sink in in that moment. But um, Paul works, has a business in the same strip mall as um, Zoe. And he owns, like, this 
failing video store across the street, which is like DVDs, Blu-rays, and even like even like VHS. And um, this movie is super fucking cool. It's super funny. The dialogue dialogue is like really sharp. Um, it's kind of like a mix between like like Kevin Smith's like Chasing Amy meets Reality Bites. It's but it's set in our time period. It's not like the 90s or anything. And Fortune Feimster, her character is absolutely hilarious in this movie. She ha- she conducts this um, blowjob class using these cucumbers. And it had me laughing so fucking hard in a theater all by myself. It was – I was literally <laughs> fucking howling at this scene. This it is so funny. And, like, the ratings on this, it's not doing well. Like, critically, it's not doing well. I don't think it's doing well with audiences. I don't know who's watching this movie and not loving it because I thought it was absolutely fucking fantastic. Uh, it's a Tupperware. I loved it because it's just – it's sharp dialogue. It's just interesting characters, and I mean, it's kind of like a, it's a. There's some twists and turns, and it's just a, it's a really cool dive and a look into the the small part of these people's lives and like, you know, like why some people are unhappy and like you know sometimes sometimes not everyone's gonna be happy. It, it's just it's a it's it's so it's such a good movie. So it's called Social Animals, and I really really like this one, and it's like. It makes no sense why it was only out for the the one day. I mean, is, is will it be wide release later, or are you just gonna have to wait for VOD at this point? Probably think, for our listeners. I don't think it's gonna be wide wide release. If this is gonna be released anywhere, it's gonna be in a, in select chains and in like big markets, and probably not for that long. So it it was at it was playing um, at a theater. It was playing at the Ovation, and that's I saw it. At a, on a Monday at five o'clock, that was the literally the only showing they have for this movie. And I was the only one in the theater, and I, I absolutely loved it. It was just super fucking cool, and um, I don't know, like, it's cool that it took place in Austin because, like, I believe Austin is like a lot of a lot of people, like a lot of filmmakers and a lot of people that love movies live in Austin. I think Austin has like their own Alamo Draft House there. I think it's the Alamo Draft House that actually where they opened the VHS store within the Alamo Draft House. You can you can rent VHSs for movies that they don't that they didn't make on DVD or Blu-ray, and if you don't have a VHS player, like they'll rent them to you. So like, wow, yeah, wow. Austin's really kind of a cool city like that. I love Austin. I've never been to Austin. Is that where they have like the Salt Lick Barbecue? Did you yeah, go- they've got that, and they've got the Bat Bridge. Have you heard about the Bat Bridge? <laughs> okay, no. so there's a bridge going into Austin. Of course, you have to go down 6th Street. That's where all the bars are and whatnot. You'll find that real easy. But every night, there's this, the bridge going to town. They call it the Bat Bridge. Underneath the bridge, Brian, is, i got to guesstimate, like close to a million bats. Holy shit. Live underneath this bridge. And when the sun goes down... They all leave the bridge at once. So what people do is they hang out down by the park by the bridge, or and there's plenty of restaurants that do it, and they have these boat tours, too. You can go on a boat and watch it. But literally it takes 20 to 30 minutes for all these bats to leave underneath the bridge, and it you know they fly and cover the sky and it gets all black and shit, and you feel like you're Batman. It's just really one of the most – 
amazing things you could see. So when you go to Boston, make sure you hang out for by uh, by the Bat Bridge uh, for sundown and watch that. It's just really, really, really cool. I'll make sure to get my rabies shot before I do. Oh, that. for sure, absolutely. <laughs> and they're handing out vendors with you know with the cotton candy, and then the other one's got the rabies shot, and you know, so we're good to go. Yeah, what do they got? They hand out like uh, guano favorite <laughs> flavored cotton candy. <laughs> oh. Nobody, they they all just leave to go hunt because you know bats are nocturnal. Yeah, I don't want to get too much. This isn't the Bat Bridge show, so I'll shut up. But you got to check that out. Oh, I'll hear about oh. that in the next iTunes review. Probably. <laughs> Quit blowing <laughs> yourself about these bats. Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for that old fucker talking about bats, yeah, I know. Yeah, it'd be a five star show if they were rambling on about the old Bat Bridge. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I watched a uh, movie actually last night. I had to drive out to the art theater in Champaign, Illinois, and I saw Oh Lucy. And I was like, I had seen, I've literally seen everything. Like my movie pass, I've watched every movie in the theater around me locally. So I'm like, I kind of want to get out and see. Like maybe the art theater's playing something. And so I watched the trailer for Oh Lucy, and I made up my mind, I have to see this movie. Uh, it's a it's a drama comedy. It tells the story of Setsuko Kawashima. Um, a lonely chain smoking office lady in Tokyo who is past her prime. After deciding to take an English class, she discovers a new identity in her American alter ego, Lucy, and falls for her instructor, John. When John suddenly appears, uh, disappears, Satsuko earnestly sets out on a quest to find him, eventually leading her to the outskirts of Southern California. This movie has like won some awards at TIFF, uh, the Toronto International Film Festival. It's done quite well for itself. It's just, it's an independent film and it's not being released everywhere, unfortunately. It's written and directed by Atsuko Hirayanagi, uh, and Adam McKay and Will Ferrell are executive producers on this. So that's another wow. reason I was kind of interested in in watching this film. It stars Shinobu Terajima, and she plays Setsuko Kawashima, or Lucy. Uh, and then Josh Hartnett plays John, her English instructor. And basically the movie is, you've got this, you've got this woman, she works this office job. And it's just like, you know, the boring office job and everybody talks about everybody behind their back. Everybody like, you know, she, she sees like this retirement party and everybody's acting so sweet to this woman that's given 42 years of her life for this company. And in the back of her mind, like, and it's real revealed later in the movie, like they talk so much shit about this woman. Like they fucking couldn't stand her and they couldn't wait for her to leave. And so like Sitsuko sees like, um, her life going like the, down the same road. Now she's got this, um, niece named Mika who, uh, Mika can't take this college class that she pay, paid for. And so she can only get her money back. It's non-refundable unless somebody takes her class for her. So she begs her aunt to take the class. And so her aunt takes the class and so Satsuko goes to this class. Like when she walks into this school, it's like they're playing like dance club music. Like it's and it's got like a club kind of scene to it. It's fucking weird. Like I didn't know if she like walked into. It doesn't look like she's walking into like a college. It, or, or you know, it looks like she's walking into a place where people meet for weird sexual encounters. Like it is so bizarre. Um, and she goes into the classroom and there's Josh Hartnett. 
and Josh Hartnett like gives her like this big hug and he starts teaching her American English and he's just like the cool fun teacher and he is fucking great in this movie like I've never been a huge Josh Hartnett fan like you know I know some people watched him in that Showtime show he did the horror show or whatever what was that called you guys remember Mm -mm. no I can't remember either Okay. Yeah, I, I can't remember yeah. the name of that one. Like, I watched a few episodes of it. It was actually, it was decent. But uh, I've never been a huge Josh Hartnett fan. And, like, I'm on board. Like, he was so fucking fantastic in this. But um, this movie is funny. Um, basically, Josh Hartnett, his character ends up disappearing after the first class. We find out that he's been dating Mika. And he takes Mika to America, and then the whole story is about Setsuko and her sister, the mother of Mika, going to America, and, like, Setsuko, like, she's there to not, not like, her, the mother is there to get Mika back, and, like, Setsuko's there to, like, profess her love to John. It's just, it's, it's such a, and it's like, the movie is full of, like, comedy, dark comedy, uh, uh, like there's a lot of um I don't know it's it's a lot of drama in this one too. I was like really surprised at how amazing this movie was. There's a really cool cameo with uh cameo scene with uh Megan Mullally in it, which I was just like, "Wow, they got her in this. That's really cool." Um but uh this is a Tupperware. I loved I fucking loved this movie. It's called Oh Lucy and um if you can't see it in theaters, then definitely wait for this one to come out on like video on demand or Redbox it. But um, this is a great movie. I re really enjoyed this, and the director she she did a great job. This was I've never seen any of her films before, and this was just fantastic. I thought it was just a very cool collaboration between like. American talent as far as like your executive producers of like Adam McCain, Will Ferrell, and then of course Josh Hartnett, but then, you know, then we've got like these Japanese actresses that I think did a fantastic job, an even better job. So yeah, this is a Tupperware. I highly recommend it. Yeah, that's really cool that they executive produced it rather than saying, oh, I like this screenplay. Let's star in this and just alter everything and make it our own vehicle. Yeah. Like it seems like they let it be what it was trying to be in the first place still and help finance it. Yeah, I think that they had some, um, you know, of course they had some connections. I'm, I'm sure like maybe Josh Hartnett jumped on board because of these guys. Definitely the Megan Mullally cameo, I think, was yeah. kind of like they pulled that strings. But like, yeah, I, this 100% felt like the director had free reign to kind of like do what she wanted to do. And it didn't feel like, it didn't feel like Adam McKay and Will Ferrell comedy. Like there was some funny shit going on in the movie, but it wasn't like, oh, that's like classic Will Ferrell, Adam McKay shit. You know, so it's not like you're sitting there watching like a funnier die sketch the entire movie. So, and I'm not saying anything against those guys. I mean, they've made some funny shit, but um, I, I I loved this movie. Um, yeah, it's a different style of comedy, funnier yeah. die than what you're describing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's move. Hey, Scott, what do you got, man? Okay, um, boy, lots of groovy stuff. Let, let's start with uh, Killing Eve on BBC. Has anybody watched Killing Eve? Uh, Killing Eve, I, like, they had the first season, and I was, I just actually saw something, they were promoting it on, like, IMDb, and, like, people were going nuts over this fucking show. Oh, it's, uh, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, it's got, like, in the high 90s on the Rotten Tomato Meter, uh, I think IMDb's close to, it's like 8.6, 8.7, which is extremely high. 
Um, Dan, have you, have you seen Killing Eve? Anybody else? No, I haven't. Okay. So b- typical BBC, I you know when when BBC when they do something and they do it well, I mean they just knock it out of the fucking park. Um, and this is a, a not an exception. Um, what this show's about? It stars uh, Sandra O. Oh. She was in uh, Greg's Anatomy, um, uh, Jodie Comer, and Fiona Shaw. And it's based on the Villanelle novels by Luke Jennings. I have no idea who this guy is or anything about the books. But it basically, it's a, it's a spy genre. Um, and it, but it's not your typical spy genre. And it's really in line with this whole uh, empowered female movement that we're seeing just tons and tons of really strong female characters. Um, and so it, quick synopsis, Eve is this uh, bored smart security services operative. She works at MI5, which is one level below MI6. MI6 is, is of course, where, you know, all the super spies work at and whatnot. And um, she's brought in on a case where they're they're tracking um, some mysterious assassinations that are going on. And Eve kind of picks up on um, some, some things that are going on. And they're like, oh, well, this sounds like it was probably done by a woman and not a man, and then she gets fired for that, and then later brought into a into a secret role for MI6. And anyway, so Eve is this. I don't want to put it. She she's like I said, she's bored and she's you know kind of smarmy and she's not really confident in who she is. She's very book smart, but not very street smart. And so she's put on a, tr- a team to track down um, this assassin, uh, Villanelle. And Villanelle is Russian, and she works for an agency called The Twelve, um, and she's fucking insane. I mean, she's just – there are some there are some really wicked cool kills that she has in the beginning. It's all just to set up her, her character. Um, she really just kind of kills for fun. I mean, what happens is that Villanelle finds out that Eve is tracking her, and the two of them start stalking each other. So, like, uh, Villanelle goes and steals her uh, luggage and then places clothes that she wishes she would wear in there. Um, there's a couple close calls where she almost gets killed by Villanelle. Um, and a whole bunch of um, things happen. And the thing that I love about this show, there's two things that I love. One is it's not tropey spy shit, right? So it's not your typical spy versus spy cold war kind of thing um there's some really great story being told here in a genre that is really tired right so a lot of it's really fresh and new so i really loved that um there's some twists that quite frankly i didn't see coming and that was really amazing um but more importantly like it's only eight episodes you can easily get through it that's not the issue um but in those eight episodes, the character growth that we see in Sandra O's character of Eve is fucking phenomenal. So she goes from this really timid, bored, kind of book smart person into someone that's really confident um, and goes out on a limb. And she's it's just it's really hard to explain. You got to watch it. And I swear to God, like my mouth hit the floor in the last 10 minutes of the show because they did a twist and then they did another twist and then they did another twist twist and it was all based on on character development and then it just kind of fucking ended and uh, so we know season two is going to come but I was just I was blown away I, I highly recommend Killing Eve you can get it on BBC America um, I think you can 
holy, I think I think you can get it on on demand too. Like I have PlayStation Vu. That's how I get my channels. You can you can get them all on demand on BBC America and, and watch it all in an afternoon. It's it's that good. So there's my my first one. That's awesome. Yeah, it was one of those. I happened to jump on IMDb and you know, like on the front page, they'll talk about you know things that are popular, what people are watching, things like that, and. The, it ha- they happen to be talking about uh, Killing Eve, and I was like, I've never even heard of this. Like, I hate it when a show like comes out like that that's so fantastic, and like you've got to hear about it through word of mouth because nobody's talking about it while it's actually happening. Nobody is talking about this show, and everybody should watch this show. Yeah. I mean, I had so much fun watching this show. Well, that's, so that's, sometimes uh, you, yeah. you you get that kind of shit, Scott. We get shows like that. And they get canceled in the first season because nobody's watching. But it's like one of those great shows. And it's like, you know, like to market it better, find your audience. Like, I don't know, pay for more advertising or something to to put this in front of people. Because like I'd noticed like they'd finish the season and I'm just hearing about it. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I tend to go. So a lot of times see the problem today is there's so much good television on. Right. So in a world where I can get and watch whatever I want, there's no room to put out crap anymore. You know, you we all grew up or at least three out of four of us grew up in a world where I had three or four channels and that was it. Uh, and a lot of it was just garbage, but I had no choice. So I watched incredibly terrible shows and and that's OK. <laughs> right. But today, I, I you know, if you my time is precious, so you got to create good shit. There's so much good shit. Yeah, and so like, this has been happening forever. Like. The first season of Cheers almost got canceled. Right. Cheers and Cheers were, Cheers was ranked number 77 as far as television when they were ranking them. It almost wow. got it that the network had to step in. Somebody had, for the network had to like go to bat for Cheers. Yeah. So, Same thing I, with, I love Cheers but that first episode the first season was really really good but I think it really got into its stride. You know, like in two or three. I'll be you know honest with you. The first, uh, the first two seasons are brilliant, in my opinion. Yep. The third season was the season where Coach was having his um, health issues. Yep, and it suffered. And as much as I love Woody Harrelson, and I think Woody's great, I don't think the show ever quite recovered when they lost Coach. They're, 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 when did- yeah, when did Christy Alley come on that show too? Wasn't that the, on, around the same time? No, uh, Diane Shelley Long left in season five. Yeah, it's Cheers talk. Fuck off, people. Um, <laughs> t- uh, Diane left after season five, and then Christy Alley came in on season six. Yeah, and it I, ran. That's a, still one of my favorite endings to a television episode ever. Is when. Uh, Sam Malone's waving to Diane and she's leaving. He's he's like she's like, I'll be right back, I'll be back in a year, I promise, whatever. And he's like, Have a good life. Mm-hmm. And you know he'll never see her again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one of the last things that he does when he leaves the bar is he straightens out the picture of Geronimo on the right. wall. And that picture would hang in Nicholas Calasanto's dressing room. Uh, who played coach on the show. So when he passed away, they put it on the set. And when he straightened that out, that was kind of like his way of saying, you know, goodbye to coach and goodbye to, you know, cheers. 
I thought that that was a nice touch. What a, what a fantastic show. I mean, I'm just, I've been doing a Cheers rewatch recently. <laughs> right. And just kind of like going like down Cheers rabbit holes as I'm watching the episodes. I, the, Vera, Norm's wife, her, we hear her voice in one episode of the show and I found out that it's actually George Wentz real wife's voice in that episode. That's all. Awesome. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Bernadette Burkett is her name. And, uh, God, I'm, Cheers, it's, oh gosh, I, it's so fucking good. I'm not, I'm not gonna keep talking about Cheers. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. But I was gonna say, where I go, I tend to go to our Rotten Tomatoes and, um, when I wanna find something new for the Wife Night stream, I'm gonna go there first and I'm gonna see what's hot and trending. Yeah. And, you know, they've got a section on what's hot and streaming and, and you can get some, some really great shit that I've never heard of yeah. or that people aren't talking about. Um, and that's where I found Killing Eve. It was right at the top of the list. I'm like, ooh, I got to check this out. Um, and again, it did not disappoint. I, I was so happy I watched it. And again, only eight episodes, so it's not this 13 episode, you know, where where they string a story along too too much. I think they gave us just enough where I really want I want more. Where, nice. where the fuck you left me here? What? You assholes, give me season two now. So it was really good. I wonder, do you know who, you might not know, but do you know who the showrunner is? Oh, I have to look it up. Give me, give me 30 seconds. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Um, did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about while you're looking that well, up? Well, I know that we're going to be talking about two movies that, that, uh, oh, that yeah. you saw. I actually saw Ocean's, Ocean's 8 last night, so I'm huh. sure you're going to go ahead and bring that up. So yeah, that's if you want to jump into that next, we can. You want to jump in the Ocean's Eight? Yeah. The only other thing that I was going to bring up was: Have you guys talked about Thirteen Reasons Why season two yet? No, I watched no. season. I watched season one, and mm-hmm. I have not even started season two, and I don't even Our, know if I really care to. That's probably really smart. Did you, Jake? Did you watch any of it? No, no, I, I'm good on it. I mean, I, I get it, but it's okay. nothing I need to see. Uh, Dan, did you watch any of it? Uh, no, I heard a lot about it from a lot of people, but yeah, I haven't watched any of it. All right, then let's not talk about it because it really is – it's too fucking long. It's really pretentious. I, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep kids talking about issues. That's great. Um, I don't need any more of this fucking story, and I don't need any more of a lot of other stuff. So we won't well, get it's, it. I, yeah, it's like when do you stop? I mean, I thought the first season was really daring, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic, and I felt like let's just end the story here. Like, yep. you know, like if you want to send a, if you want to continue to send this message, come out with something new, um, bring something new to the table, maybe a new uh, a, a new book. I'm sure there's plenty of like uh, YA adaptions of uh, teen suicide that you could. Um, greenlit, and it doesn't have to be 13 Reasons Why Season 2. Now they're talking about Season 3. I mean, oh, it's... God, please. Yeah, it, oh, no. Of course there are. So, mm-hmm. but... Um, Again, I, I applaud what they're trying to do. Sure. I, I really like what they're trying to do because it gives you a gap for parents and kids to talk about shit. But don't just create a story so you can have that discussion. You've still got to have a compelling story, which is why I loved the first season. The first season was fantastic. And yeah, yeah. I think I was on the show when you mentioned there's going to be a season two. And the very first thing I said is, God help us, please. No, I don't want any. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I watched it all. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I was I just have not I have to be in a certain headspace to kind of watch that, you know, and I and after the first season, I was like, man, that. What a great season. There's no way they're ever going to be able to live up to that and do it in a second season. There's just no need for it. And so I was just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch it. 
And so I'm yeah. glad I'm hearing that it's not really all that it's uh, that they were hoping it was going to be cracked up to be because I I won't even start it now, based I, on what you said. Watch Killing Eve instead. And you'll you'll thank me for it. Oh, yeah. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. I, I, that sounds good. I. That's one of those that uh it's now it's on my radar. Like I saw that and I didn't I didn't notate that oh Brian you need to watch Killing Eve. Now it's on my radar with you talking about it. So that's cool. Um program creators Phoebe Waller Bridge. Do you know who that is? That's uh L337 from Star Wars Solo. Really? Yes, uh Phoebe Waller Bridge is the voice of L337 in Solo. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, she's L3 37 yeah that was that was fast that you just pulled that right off the top of your head i had to look it up i didn't have to look it up man i, I heard yeah, that's that name. pretty badass <laughs> <laughs> dude that's why that's why i'm the showrunner man that's why i do this and, and and you're not the behind the curtain showrunner that, that's awesome off mic producer <laughs> off mic producer that's a deep cut um let's you want to talk yeah. about oceans eight let's talk oceans eight all right uh, so go ahead i was just going to go through uh all the uh synopsis and all that stuff here do it debbie ocean gathers an all-female crew to attempt an impossible heist at new york city's yearly met gala uh written and directed by gary ross uh who, who was the writer and director on um sea biscuit and pleasantville and he was also a writer on uh big the tom hanks movie big he was a writer for big and the hunger games the first film it stars sandra bullock kate blanchett uh, Anne Hathaway, Mindy Kaling, Sarah Paulson, Aquafina. Is that her real fucking name? <laughs> is, is she like a YouTube yes. star or what? Yeah. I mean, Aquafina is her real name. No, sh- shut the fuck up. Are you serious? Yeah I, yeah, I looked it up on on uh, IMDb when I I was doing notes before the show too, and I'm like, that's a real fucking name. Wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, it stars Rihanna and uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Um, so yeah, let's talk about this. Is um, Kind of, it's set in the same world as the Ocean's 11, 12, and 13 films. And we've got uh, Sandra Bullock playing the sister of Danny Ocean, who was George Clooney in the uh, Ocean's films. And, uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on this one, Scott? Okay, <clears throat> so let me start off by saying I love me some Sandra Bullock. I think Sandra Bullock is... Amazing. Jesus Christ, that I'm fucking hoping that's phone. her calling me right now. She heard you talking about her, and she's calling me. Dan Hunter, are you involved in a telethon? What's going on there? What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Pyramid scheme. Yeah, it's like, are you, are you taking donations for Jerry's kids? What the fuck is going on over there, buddy? <laughs> that's a good, I found the mute button, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, I was, I was, I was daydreaming about Sandra Bullock and how much I just, I just think she's beautiful. I, I I overall love her films, and so that's that's great. Um, I love heist movies. I, I think heist movies are fantastic. Um, it's one of the things I loved about Ant-Man, one of the things I'm really looking forward to, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, I really, really loved Ocean's 11 and 12, and I will watch 13. If it's on, I'm going to watch it. I saw it in the theater, loved it. I thought it was um, – I thought those movies were all just brilliant. The thing that was great about – the Oceans series was just the the um, all the chemistry between the characters. You know what I'm saying? They, they just all had such great chemistry. And the thing that 
also was a nice thread through all of them is they had these big wacky plans on how they were going to steal this and f with other people and it was always great and those plans always went awry you know what i mean and so you you would sit there and watch this carefully laid out cool plan kind of go sideways and how they dealt with it once it went sideways or what they had to do and people almost getting caught and that that created real nice tension in the theater which was awesome and i would love to say that ocean oceans eight has all of that too but it kind of doesn't and so i i don't know i i i had a good time but i i feel like even though they have all these great actresses in there there's it, and Brian, I would love to hear what your thoughts are on this. But for me, and I had a packed house, and there were a lot of women in this movie theater. A lot of women went out last night and saw this film. My wife wanted to see it, so we went and saw it. Um, there was like a couple moments where I laughed, so there wasn't a lot of humor. Um, I, I didn't get a real sense of connection between the characters. Um, there wasn't a lot of tension in the heist. I mean, they pull off the heist. It's great. Um, there's some really awesome cameos that show up and some nods that show up. And I hope that they continue to bring that forward as they bring the series forward, which I know they'll do. But ultimately, I just kind of it, it was an OK time. I'm going to say it's a solid middle of the road. Taste it. Or maybe we'll just call it a solo taste it for right now. I'm like right there. Taste it down the middle. OK. Yeah. Um, I, I love heist films, too. I'm a huge fan. I I, I was a big fan of uh, Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve. I didn't really care for Ocean's 13. Not the biggest fan, but I love, like, National Tre- Treasure, the first one. I oh, love yeah. that movie. I love The Italian Job, both, <laughs> both versions. Um, with, you know, I love the Mark Wahlberg one. Um, wasn't the first one Steve McQueen? Michael Caine Michael, was in the, uh, okay. the first Italian job. But, uh, yeah, I watched that one with my dad as a child and I really enjoyed that one. And then the score with Edward Norton. Um, uh, I love that movie. Um, yeah, De Niro's fantastic in that one. And I loved Ocean's 8. I loved this movie. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It was fun. I felt like the heist was smart. There were plenty of twists and turns enough to keep me engaged. Um, Rihanna was fantastic in this film. I loved her as the computer hacker. Um, Sarah Paulson was so charming and cute and funny in this movie as like, she's basically like the mommy who on the side is like running like this eBay scam and has like this garage just like full of like inventory of all these different products. And I, I loved her character and I thought all the women were smart. Kate Blanchett just fucking reeks of super fucking cool. She's, Oh, she's great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I felt like all the cons and heists that they pulled off were really well done. And overall I felt like the humor was there. I, I, I laughed very, very much, and I laughed quite hard at a lot of different parts. Um, I really, really loved this film. I thought Sandra Bullock was great in it. Um, it's it's different. Like the Ocean's films, like they all take place in Vegas, which is a super cool place. But like, I really enjoyed. Even Helena Bonham Carter was really good in her role in this as that uh, fashion designer. And oh, she was um, fantastic. Yeah, and I. I really like this movie. Um, Ant-Man, huge letdown for a heist film. Um, this did it for me. Like this, this itched my heights, my heist scratch. And, um, I, 
I know it's not the popular opinion for this movie because, like, I don't want to see any. I don't want to see these movies get remade. And why are they remaking all these movies with women? It's like I get it. People are saying that, and like, typically, I'm kind of like there with them on certain things. But a good movie to me is a good movie to me, and this is a good movie to me. It has nothing to do. With, I just, I really felt like the chemistry was there and the humor was there. I guess. I was, I really like, I love this movie. I thought it was, I'm glad you, hey, it's 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. There are people who love the film, and yeah. I'm not saying I hated the film. I, I don't hate oh, the I film. Know. I, I know. I know. I'm watching the film. I, and I, I'm with you. I want Ocean's Nine because there's a thread, right? So yeah. they, they clearly lay out that there is a thread between these films. Yes. And, you know, there's a character that I hope shows up. And this person isn't supposed to show up. But I'm kind of thinking this person is going to show up. You know who I'm talking about, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. I know who you're talking yeah. about. I, I wanted this person to show up at the end of this movie so bad. It would have, I, you know, that would have made the entire movie for me if that individual showed up at the end of this film and they, they didn't. And I'm like, okay, you're saving uh, it. You're saving gotta, it for yeah. something else. You've got to save that in your hip pocket for a sequel. You've got to. You've got to, you, you got to but save if it. They, if they teased it, they gave me a little lick on the end of my knob, just a little, just a little taste. Mm-hmm. I still would have been like, ooh, cause I, you know what I'm saying? No, I hear you, man. I hear you. I hear you. It's just, you know, even if they give you that tease, you can, people are going to come to their conclusion. So going, you might talk me into, into a higher rating on this though. No, just, no, 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 no. I mean, the love of this movie makes me think about some things that I really do appreciate about the movie. Cause I think you're right. Um, Rihanna was great as Nineball. Oh, God, she was so great. I love Nineball. Oh, she was so great. And, again, I can't remember the actress's name who was the the uh, washed-up designer um, who uh, they brought in. Yeah, uh, Helena Bonham really Carter. I can't remember the name of the character. But, yeah, she was – I loved the way – like she, she's not even a con artist. And that she's she starts to come into her own. And the way she starts talking to Anne Hathaway in the movie, I'm just like – She's really good at this. She's like she she knows how to talk to these models. She knows how to she knows how to feed their ego. And I and I was like, oh my god, she's really she's becoming a part of the team. I'm really enjoying this. And fucking Kate Blanchett is just so goddamn super cool in this movie. Like at the end of the movie, she shows up looking like a goddamn disco ball, and it was amazing. <laughs> um, I didn't think they gave her enough. They do. didn't. They didn't. That was my complaint. She's the Brad Pitt of this movie, and she's but she's amazing. And um I loved her character. Um Mindy Kaling working at the uh you know the jewelry place in the beginning. Was, I loved like all the different backgrounds of these women uh and like what they could bring to the table and then when they kind of like have it all like come together for the heist, it worked for me. Each one had their own individual job, each one used their skill the way that you wanted to see it play out, and they kind of like when they do run into bumps in the road, they kind of work it out on the fly. And then there's like twists on twists on twists at the end of the movie which i kind of enjoyed even though you see them coming in these oceans movies because we've seen these movies before you even though that they do them you're still like 
okay, um, you give me that twist and you give it to me in a fun, interesting way, which I think they did when they threw out a certain thing that happens during that one of those twists. And I was right. just like, holy shit, that happened in the background and that's awesome. Um, but man, I, I had a lot of fun with this one and it's doing great in the box office. It beat out solo. It had a $41 million weekend and check this out per box office mojo. Oceans eight grossed 41.5 million over the weekend unadjusted for inflation. This is the best start for a modern oceans film topping the previous record of 39.1 million from 2004's ocean 12. I know that, that, you know, this is, it's unadjusted for inflation, but still that's a pretty damn good weekend for oceans eight. Wow. What was your uh, theater like? Oh, did you have a, was it, I'm sorry, was it like mine? Did you have a, was there a lot of, uh, ladies in the audience? It was mostly ladies. Um, yeah. and, uh, it felt like, um, you know, I had a, I had a younger, uh, woman behind me and me and her were laughing at all the same parts. And, you know, just, there's, there's, <laughs> I, I loved the insurance adjuster, the insurance guy at the end. James thought, Corden. James Corden. Man, he was, he was really hilarious in this. And, uh, Aquafina, she's really funny. I liked her character quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I really liked the way this movie came together. It was a, it was a fun heist for me. And, and, um, the music is great. Music was really super cool. I think Gary Ross is the, this director. I think he, I think that he made a good oceans film. I, I really enjoyed it. So cool. All right. Yeah. Let's see here. Um, Jake, what do you got, man? Oh yeah, I'll blab on for a bit. I um, oh, excuse me. I watched a movie on Hulu last night that I want to talk about. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not. It actually came out in 2012. It's a, a documentary called Room 237. Yes, I started it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, this yeah. is a um, exploration of various interpretations of the Stanley Kubrick film The Shining, and basically what this movie is is there's about seven to nine different people. And they describe to you the meaning and significance that they got from the movie The Shining. And it sounds really basic, but man, this movie just really fucking blew my mind. There, I've seen this movie so many times, The Shining, and the stuff that they were saying I had never even considered. And I mean, from the really smart, like noticing context clue stuff to the totally out there stuff. I mean, there's one guy that thinks that Stanley Kubrick used this movie as a way to say that he faked the moon landing, that this is his admission that he did that. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that rumor that, yeah. you know, there's people that think the moon landing didn't really happen. Well, one guy has, and I don't believe that that's true, but man, the lengths that this guy has gone through to pick out all these puzzle pieces from this movie, it starts to make you crazy to see it. It's like a lot of this stuff. I mean, maybe it's not accidental. I mean, that maybe that's not what he meant, but just that, there's so many different explorations of this movie. Um, another guy figured out that if you take the movie and you have two reels of it and you put the reels on top of each other and then you play the movie forward and backwards at the same time overlaid on top of each other, that the movie actually syncs up multiple times like that as if Kubrick intended it to be eventually played that way. And they show clips of this and it, it just blew my mind. Like the moment in the hallway where all the blood is there matches perfectly up with Jack's face to where 
the blood is not in his eyes, but running down his eyes and down his lips, but not actually on his lips. And just all different kinds of little moments like that where it syncs up being played forward and backwards at the same time. And there's just so much to this movie. Um, a lot of people know that Stephen King really hates this movie. It's one of his least favorite adaptations. And they go into that a little bit. I guess in the book, um, the family drives a yellow car and in the, or they drive a red car. And in the movie, it's a yellow car. And right away in the movie, you see a semi that's destroyed a red car on the road. And it's basically, it's basically Kubrick giving Stephen King the middle finger in the first two minutes of the movie and saying, fuck your book. I'm doing whatever I want with this adaptation and I'm making it mine. And I mean, obviously Stephen King had to have noticed that symbolism just right there at the beginning of the movie. And yeah, this is amazing. If you've ever seen the shining, you owe it to yourself to watch this movie. There's just so many cool things. And I, don't even want to like spoil some of the even more outlandish stuff that I've said because yeah. it, it, it was just mind blowing. I, I needed to go to bed and I just kept watching this fucking movie till like two in the morning. I'm watching that tonight when I get done recording, dude. It's really cool. It makes you watch The Shining in like a different like way. Like now, like all that stuff. Like there's some stuff like all these details. Like some scenes you just like will focus on the background and like you don't even really worry about like what the characters are doing because you're so like focused on like the details and like where stuff's placed. Wow. Yeah, it, it's bizarre. Like, it, I, I do. It is, it's yeah. Like, this week, I will watch The Shining again because we're watching this movie. Mm-hmm. One lady mapped out the entire hotel according to the movie, and then they kind of trace it all through Danny's, like, tricycle rides through the house and explain what could and couldn't happen, like, logistically oh, yeah. during those tricycle rides, and that was yeah. really mind-blowing. Like, yeah. oh, my God. It's just and so much. Like, okay. oh, go ahead, Dan. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, the, the other stuff in the movie, not about The Shining, like, about uh, Kubrick's other stuff. Like, the one guy talking about, like, 2001. Yes. And, like, his experience, oh, yeah. His experience, like, in the theater, like, where he said he couldn't move afterward. <laughs> Which I found, that, they, I found that really funny. But also, like, I've seen that movie in a theater. And, like, I kind of get what he's saying. And I always thought The Shining was so disconnected from all of Kubrick's works. That's one of the reasons why it's never been one of my favorite Kubrick movies. Like... Mm-hmm. And this really kind of opened my eyes to that it's just as connected, if not more, than any of them. I just never really knew the connections. And that was kind yeah. of mind-blowing. And just so much. And it's like so many different solid interpretations of this movie, from it being a metaphor of the Holocaust, from it being a metaphor of, like, you know, how we took over America and all the, you know, the Indian mm-hmm. burial ground stuff. Yeah. And just so much interpretation that I never had ever even completely picked up from this movie. I mean, some of it I'd kind of subconsciously gleamed onto, but just hearing it all explained and then what everything means and the significance of it all. It's a shame that Kubrick's not alive to respond to this movie. Are you? Cause yeah. it is really, I don't think he would. Do you really think he would? I mean, he'd probably say, <laughs> well, some of it and, uh, but you know, you're wrong. He would just totally troll everybody on it. I would. Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah. Are you guys yeah, all, still be yeah. fun? Are you guys oh, all for sure it'd be fun? Are you guys all Kubrick fans? I'm hit yeah. or miss with him. Like I, I, I extremely respect him. Have you guys but heard of my enjoyment of his movies wanes and waxes, you know? Have you heard of the documentary that came out last year called Film Worker? Yes, Mm-mm. I haven't seen that yet, but I've heard about it. They played it at the theater this week and I couldn't I had to record a podcast, I couldn't see it. But um it it's like the they've played I've seen the trailer played and it looks fascinating when it comes out it's it's one that it's about um Leon Vitali 
and he starred in one of Kubrick's movies and then gave up his acting career to be Kubrick's right-hand man. And basically for like over 20 years, this guy was Kubrick's, you know, right-hand man and like probably knew Kubrick better than anyone else. And they, he opens up in this documentary and talks about the filmmaker and it just looks it looks like an outstanding documentary. Yeah, I would definitely watch that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I don't think I rated yeah. this thing, but it's the highest of Tupperwares. Um, one of the best documentaries about a movie I've seen in the yeah. long... I can't even think of one better. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, The one thing I remember from that documentary, I saw it like when it first came out a few years ago, but like the sound in it is really cool. Like They have all kind of different like sounds, like the editing and the really like well well-put-together documentary. Yeah, I was really scared when I read it because they make a big deal to tell you that it's kind of an unofficial, unsanctioned documentary. And like I've seen the Mm -hmm. Roger Corman one. And a lot of times when you get that kind of thing, the amount of footage you can show is very sparse and it kind of takes away from what they're saying. But that is not the case here. This is just chock full of footage from the movie over and over and over again with things sped up and slowed down and zoomed in and focused out. and, And all the music is official in there. So for it being so unofficial and unsanctioned, I mean, it, the movie's all over it. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I yeah, definitely yeah. got to watch that. I'm going to add that to my list on uh, Hulu. I got to see that. That sounds incredible. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I can't wait till you see it so I can talk about it. Because, I mean, I'm telling you, it just, it's, I, I do want people to see it, and I don't want to just, like, sure, yeah. still, like, take the curtain completely back on what they say about it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to make me want to watch The Shining right after I finish it. So. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Did you have anything else, Jake? No, that's all I have for this week. It, it's inventory for me at the grocery store, so it's been fucking crazy. Let me talk about um, a movie here, and then we're going to take a quick break. I, I still have more good pop, bad pop this week, and we have more that we have to talk about and go pop, bad pop. But I saw um, Adrift. Has anyone seen this movie, the new? Yep, I saw it. Okay, awesome. Yeah, it stars uh, Shailene Woodley and Sam Claflin. Uh, Adrift is based on the inspiring true story of two free spirits whose chance encounter leads them first to love and then to the adventure of a lifetime. As the two avid sailors set out on a journey across the ocean, Tammy Oldham and Richard Sharp couldn't anticipate they would be sailing directly into one of the most catastrophic hurricanes in recorded history. In the aftermath of the storm, Tammy awakens to find Richard badly injured and their boat in ruins with no hope for rescue. Tammy must find the strength and determination to save herself and the only man she has ever loved. Adrift is the unforgettable story about the resilience of the human spirit and the transcendent power of love. Um, I I liked this movie. Um, I'm gonna give it a taste it uh it it kind of the movie it bounces back and forth between scenes that take place five months before he and, and her set sail then the aftermath of the storm and then scenes leading into and then during the storm so it, it bounces all over the place and it's a, it's a it's a tough balance it it does work, but it's a it's a really tough balance. And um, but I think Shailene Woodley, I think she did a really good job, kind of like fil- holding this film together. I thought she was really good in this. I think this is probably her best performance since The Spectacular. Now, which she came out hot with that fucking movie. She was really good, 
And then she did the Divergent set of films, and it was just kind of like, you know, what are you doing? I mean, I'm sure she's done some other things in the interim, but I think this is probably her best performance since The Spectacular Now. And I don't know. It, it's a different way to tell the story, bouncing back in between all these different timelines. Overall, it does work. I, I've seen the storms kind of like done better. Like, um, what was it? The big storm was that what it's called with the the Mark Wahlberg George Perfect Clinton? Storm. The Perfect, Perfect storm. storm. The Perfect Storm. That was fantastic. I think that movie did it better. There's nothing that I hated about this movie, but nothing that I think that was like incredible about it, except for the actual true story of this woman's bravery. I mean, that's the incredible part of this. I just don't think like this movie could ever really do that story justice. The story is incredible. I just don't think the movie kind of like shows us how, what a, what an epic story of survival that this woman went through. Um, but, um, the real life story of this woman's survival is just absolutely amazing. The movie's good. It's a, it's a solid taste for me. Um, and, Scott, maybe you noticed this, or maybe if somebody watches this coming up, if they could let me know, um, Sam Claflin, the guy that plays Richard, one of his front teeth looks orange. I want somebody like give me confirmation on that. Like he has an <laughs> he has an orange tooth, and I want to know if I'm seeing things or if <laughs> Sam Claflin legit has an orange fucking tooth. Uh, I didn't notice that. Um, once but you I'll do, look it up. I'll go find out if he, well, it. he is from the UK, right? Yes, but once you they, notice uh, it, you can't <laughs> you can't get it out of your you can't think of anything else but this guy's orange fucking tooth. Like yeah, when he, I, when he's, I don't know, I didn't notice it. So yeah, and, and quite frankly, I caught on to the gimmick right away. Right, so there's a gimmick in the film, and I caught on to that, and so I would agree. I had a it was a nice, it's a great date movie. Right. So Lynn wanted to see it. So we went um, to see it. And it's a great date movie. But I'm with you. I think that mm -hmm. the way the story is told kind of lessens some of the tension that's going on because things will get tense and then yes. they'll flash. Yeah. And then they'll get tense again. And they'll flash back. So it really kind of takes away from the story and the gimmick in the story. You're right, Brian. I didn't think about this. It really takes away from the incredible feat that this this young woman went through i mean she spent over 40 days adrift yeah. on the fucking pacific ocean and sailed to hawaii that's that's unbelievable um and there's a lot of story to be told there right so uh i almost wish it was instead of her and her fiance it was her and a and a volleyball named wilson i mean that that would have been really awesome too um, probably even more so because i wanted to know more about her Mm -hmm. I wanted to know what she was going through. I want to know how she overcomes stuff. And um, the gimmick of this film kind of takes it away. And I, I, I don't want to say any more. I don't want to, you know, spoil the spoil the movie. Um, well, thank God. Thank God they had the watch. thank God they had the headline at the end of the movie. Otherwise, I would have walked out of the theater like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that headline yeah. kind of saved it for me in a way, because like before that, I was just like, wow, OK. You guys are taking some fucking liberties here with this story. All right. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, I, 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 did you catch on to the gimmick right away? No. Uh, it, I mean, I caught on right away. I'm like, no. oh. 
but you know, then again, I you know I'm a water safety instructor, so uh, you know, many back when I was young and had a good looking body like you, Brian, uh, used to teach kids how to boat and canoe and all that good stuff. So when you see certain things happen, I go, oh, well, there's no coming back from that, and you know, so I picked up on that right away. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a solid taste. I mean, this is one of those that I would recommend you Redbox or if it pops up on Cinemax or HBO, then definitely check it out. I don't think that it's you know don't have to go see this one in the theater. Um, but yeah, if it's a date movie, that yeah, definitely a date movie. If you want to go see it in the theater, that's the way to do this. Sam Claflin's profile picture in IMDb is black and white. Okay, the conspiracy. Continues. No, like so wow. the whole time this guy was talking, it was like all I could think was like orange tooth, orange tooth, orange tooth, orange tooth. Like he has an orange tooth. It was bizarre. <laughs> it was it's like based on a real story, right? Yes, this is based yeah. on a true story. I don't know if the real guy had an orange tooth. <laughs> That's right. Like, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't. Which tooth is he? Doesn't have an orange tooth. No. Maybe they gave him an orange tooth. Be, I don't know. It's his left front tooth. But when oh, it is orange! Holy crap! Okay, um, I'll send it in a, in a picture. I told yeah, you're you. Right. It's, it's fucking um, orange. Yeah, he needs a whitener strip. He needs a new fucking tooth. Is what he needs. That thing. Is- unless it's unless it's perfect method acting. See, a fucking rabbit would try to eat his tooth, thinking it's a goddamn carrot. Like it's ridiculous. I, oh, it is pretty orange. Yeah. January twenty sixth, twenty eighteen. Man, Photoshop. It's a good idea. That's why it's black and white. That's why his IMDb picture is black and white. Yeah, his headshot. That's, uh, of course. Where's it's the black. picture? Where's the picture at? Why am I not seeing it? Oh, I can email it to you. All right. Let's, uh, let's, I, take, let's take a quick break, and you guys can look at orange teeth. All right? I want to see the candy corn tooth. I'm going to go brush my twofers while we take a break here. Candy corn tooth. <laughs> <laughs> take a break. All right. Hey, we are back. And uh, let's see here. Yeah, um... I want to hear from Dan Hunter. What do you got, man? Okay, uh, I have. I went and saw two movie, one movie uh, this week, but it was like a part two of this other movie. It's called Best Friends, but the R is in parentheses. Oh my it's, god, was, you lucky son of a bitch! <laughs> it was a Fathom event, so it was only playing like two nights. Yes, and like I saw the first one like a month ago and i had no idea there was even a sequel i didn't even know that there was a sequel this is insane so i had like no idea what i was getting into and how was it i've got to know i've got to know that oh my god it was was awesome this is uh directed by or directed by uh hold on let me see it's written by greg sestero who uh and starring greg and uh tommy wisu from the room and yeah greg sestero wrote it and it's about like a. It said it's based on like a road trip him and uh, Tommy took in their life or something. But it's directed by Justin McGregor, who doesn't really have much any like anything notable. But it starts out with like uh, Greg, who played Mark in the room. He uh, he's like homeless in like Hollywood, and he's trying to like. He has like signs that says he like needs kung fu lessons or something. Give me money, like some of those like signs or whatever. And he like lives under this bridge. And Tommy drives by and like gives him food. And Tommy, uh, Tommy Wisu in this movie, he's playing a mortician. 
God, he, wears, like, he, he, looks, wears, like, he looks like a dead body. So it's like, I guess, I guess it's, it's fitting. really that he, funny. He wears like a trench coat and like these like heeled shoes, like giant boots and like totally crazy. Like, like what you would expect for him too. But uh, so they kind of become friends and Greg starts working for him and this is like his mortician place. And Tommy, like, I didn't know what to expect going into this. I knew it was like uh, the guys from the room. So I was like, Oh, it might be, they might try to do like, Oh, it's so bad. It's good. Or, or it's like, I don't, I didn't know what to expect, but they like really tried to make a really good movie and the role, like it was really good. The, uh, Tommy, I didn't know that he could give such a good performance that he did really. Cause well, his character is like insane and it's pretty much playing himself, but the lines and everything they have for him and like the crazy stuff they have him do, it like fits him perfectly. So it was like a really good role for him. And they, they, so they're working together in this like, uh, like mortician place and they, uh, Greg finds all this teeth. That hey, Tommy Dan, takes. Dan, real quick. Yeah. Mortician place. It's called a morgue. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> What's in his garage? Oh shit! Okay, I, I understand why you're calling it a mortician place because it's actually his fucking place. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like in his garage. It's like really weird. <laughs> but uh, Greg finds like these bags of teeth that like Tommy takes from these bodies. Does he find an orange one? <laughs> he finds all kinds of them. I don't know. I didn't know. If <laughs> but he's like, why do you have all his teeth? Found Sam Claflin's tooth. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they'll, they'll actually like do really weird things for like Tommy wants to like honor all like the dead bodies that come in. So they do one. They do. They're doing like an autopsy on this guy who was a clown. So Tommy's like, ah, oh, we have to celebrate his life. Let's have, uh, let's have like confetti cake or something. So like in the next scene, they're like eating cake, like. All, like <laughs> kind of like celebrating this guy and Tommy's like real into it. And Greg's kind of like, this guy's kind of weird, but he finds all his teeth, uh, and like these bags and Greg knows like people in like the black market or something. So he starts like stealing teeth from Tommy and selling them. And he starts making all this money and he doesn't tell Tommy about it until he finds out he can make a bunch of money. Cause he finds this like whole other room just full of like bags and bags of teeth. So then he tells Tommy about it. And Tommy's like not too happy about it, but then they kind of like they they get, they get all this money from the teeth, and then they go to Vegas and have like this, <laughs> and that's all. This is all in part one. <laughs> oh shit! And it go, that's like it goes from there. I'm trying to remember because it was like a month ago seeing the first part, but there's like Tommy. They have this ATM that Tommy keeps the money in, and they're supposed to like split all the money and. Greg confronts him about it and he's like, Hey, where's my money? And Tommy's like, Oh, you'll get it. You'll get it. And he had never gives him the money and Greg's getting real like pissed about it. And he, Greg finds his girl and he starts dating and is, he's living with her and the girl thinks he's like homeless. Cause he always tells her about all his jobs and money he makes, but she never sees any of the money. So they decide to like, they, they, they think that Tommy's like courting all this money and doing like stuff with it. So they like make this plan to like, find out where it is and it's like this giant plan they come up with to like sabotage Tommy and they like drive him out into like the desert and then it turns into this like I don't even know like the end there's like five different endings that happen and like it turns into like just weird weird like crazy like surreal things at the end where like Tommy will be dressed as Greg and then Greg's dressed as Tommy and then like it's 
So like, I can't he, even explain it. So Tommy, Tommy Wiseau tries to make it like a, uh, or Greg Sestero tries to make it like Twin Peaks meets. <laughs> it's honestly, yes, it really is actually because it turns into like super surreal, like all these crazy like endings. Like I don't even know how to explain. It. Like yeah, Twin Peaks is a pretty good. Wow, that like David Lynch kind of. How was it? I mean, is this something that you would recommend? Like how would yeah, you rate yeah. this? Yeah, I, I I hope people can like find this and it comes like to like a streaming service because yeah. whenever I was like watching that and then it got to like all the crazy stuff because I love seeing like really weird confusing things in big movies, so like I was like just blown away that like such good performances and like this crazy movie came out of the like some like, these people made the room which is like crazy but whole on a whole different level and then they actually this came out like really good like art and I was like shocked and then it said part two coming soon. And I was like, oh, shit. I have to go. And then part two came last Monday. I saw it. And I remember they played like a TMZ interview with like Greg and Tommy beforehand. And Greg described it as he was like, oh, it's like uh, Breaking Bad meets uh, Nightcrawler. And it actually kind of is because like I could see a lot of that because like the second one's played out, played like a Western almost. And it kind of like gives you like a recap of the first one. And then part two is real weird it like i don't even this isn't spoiling really anything but uh tommy has because it really doesn't have it i don't know it's super confusing but tommy is like greg tied up in his basement and tommy's dressed like like a medieval knight with like a giant like one of those like weird helmets and he's just like talking to greg like like while this while this part two is happening it'll cut to like greg tied up in the basement or whatever and tommy's saying like just the most insane things to him and it really doesn't have anything to do with the movie. Like it's not connected to what the movie is. So I'm but shocked. Like, <laughs> I'm shocked at that. And it made it's so confusing too because I keep thinking about it. I'm like, why did they do any of that? But uh, the second <laughs> was really good because it's uh, it is like a western because they have this the safe that all the money's in and they're trying to open it to see all the money and they can't open it because it's like this old ATM and there's like all these like locks on it. And they go to this one guy who's uh, the girlfriend's like uncle who looks just like Clint Eastwood and they actually make a bunch of jokes about it. And he does like a, he does a few, uh, he did, he did like the dirty Harry. He did a few of those jokes too, which are really funny. And this guy's like crazy. Like this guy is one of like, he's like my favorite part of uh, part two. What are you, you going to rate it? Uh, I took for both of these. <laughs> really? Yeah, wow. Insane. Like I, I'm so happy like it exists and I got to like see it in a theater. Oh, you're lucky. I remember when this was coming out, I didn't, I think I was busy that night and I couldn't see it. And then I did hear news that it was a part two and I was like, what? Because when I saw that it was being played again, I just thought that they were replaying the first film for audiences again. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I almost didn't go to the second one, but my friend that I saw the first one with, he like talked me into it and I'm so glad I went because it, uh, that's awesome. They, they fit so well together. Like, I, yeah. Yeah, I hope this is av- I hope this is available like video on demand or, or like like if Amazon Prime gets it or something like that because like yeah. I'm fascinated by Tommy Wiseau. I'm fucking just fascinated by this guy. He is just yeah. one of the most bizarre people, but he chased his dreams and like look where he is now. It's like you know he's it's just a bizarre. St- like where did he get his money from? Did you see the Disaster Artist? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, in the theater and 
like I'm just thinking like where does this like where does this guy's wealth come from like where like what did this guy do to get this money is he like yeah, a, it's, it's, his yeah. rich aunt died or something <laughs> is that what it it's is almost- Cause like, oh, I don't know. I just made it up. Well, cause it, see, that's the thing. There, there's really not for the longest time. Like, I don't even know if people know how old this guy is. Like, there's not yeah. a lot about him recorded before he like goes to, you know, before he meets Greg, like before like this story begins and like the disaster artist, like he's like independently wealthy. We don't know if it's like from a trust or. Like where he gets this money from, there's just a lot. Like he would lie about his age, and yep. like nobody, I mean, nobody's seen a birth certificate. I mean, this is this guy is just a, a mystery of a human being. He's like an alien. He's like a almost. fucking like a alien. Planet. Yes, like yeah. like he came he came here, and <laughs> I don't. It's so bizarre. He, Tommy was really so, is. is just a bizarre, fascinating yeah. character. I somebody needs to do like an in depth kind of documentary about him but i think like if people do the documentary they want to have the complete story and i don't think we'll ever get to get it out of him mm-hmm. he's just yeah, a- he's even more fascinating and bizarre after like watching him give like the performances he does in this he started a podcast feed he's got like one like really quick kind of like recording on there and it was kind of like a stay tuned kind of thing i might do something with this i might not and he hasn't come back to it so huh. if they start – if Tommy Wiseau starts a fucking podcast, I'm listening because it's going to be the most bizarre shit ever. Yeah. So I just found um, a theory on where he got his money that's unbelievably insane. You ready? Yeah. Yeah, that Tommy Wiseau is actually D.B. Cooper. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> fucking D.B. Cooper fascinates me too, so it makes oh, sense. Yes. Yeah. God, D.B. Cooper is such a fascinating, like, he's a folk hero, which is crazy, too. Like, if you've never watched, like, watch, like, um, Amazon has, like, all the unsolved mysteries on there now. A lot of, like, the original one with uh, Stack, Robert Stack. And if they have the D.B. Cooper episode on there, check it out. Did you watch the A&E, I think it was A&E or History had, like, they thought they had figured out who the real D.B. Cooper was and they had like a whole, you know, like uh, a two-part special on on D.B. Cooper. And, you know, I watched it and, of course, it's like, yeah, I want to know who fu- who the fuck D.B. Cooper is, but they never could really pinpoint it and give us a, an answer. But uh, there was like a Polaroid of a guy wearing the exact same getup as D.B. Cooper and holding a briefcase. Right. And so they think that that was, that was him. But, man... Jake, are you familiar with the whole D.B. Cooper story? I am not. Dude, it is it is fucking fascinating. It was the biggest. 19? Yeah. Go ahead, finish it. No, go ahead. It, it was the biggest, like, like uh, it was an air heist. It was an airplane heist in which, in which a guy gets onto a plane and basically is asking for, like, a crazy amount of money. Like, was it... Was it like $120,000 or was it more it was than that? $200,000. $200,000. And um, he – they basically stop the flight, get everybody everybody off of it. They give him his money and then this guy jumps out of the plane somewhere and is never heard from again. I mean I think the Unsolved Mysteries episode that I saw, this guy like they found – some of the money on a beach years yep. later that had been burned 
and the he's burning money so that he doesn't freeze to death. Wow, that's crazy. Thousands of dollars, but like nobody knows if this guy and the bills were marked. They were all marked and they never got spent. They've never been they've never shown up in circulation again. Like it's it's one of the most fat and he got and like you know you've got that famous picture of DB Cooper the sketch and it's just like he looks like uh Mr. Anderson with the glasses on from uh, right. The Matrix. What were you okay. going to say, Scott? Oh, I was going to say, you know, you had it all right. There's a BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed, and by the way, if you've got um, Amazon Prime, you could watch all these videos. But they have like 15 to 20-minute videos on just unsolved crime and weird shit. And there's a 20-minute video about uh, D.B. Cooper. It's probably all that anybody would ever need to know. And you can find that on um, – you can either find that on the BuzzFeed channel or on uh, YouTube. But I mean, shit, you can go down the rabbit hole on these kind of weird-ass yeah. stories yeah. on uh, Amazon Prime like for hours. It's just amazing. But, yeah, tell me what's so, D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. Yeah, I agree, dude. It's fucking crazy. D.B. Cooper is like one of the – there was a comic book series about D.B. Cooper. Somebody turned him into a comic book character and made like a comic book called like The Adventures of D.B. Cooper or some shit. Like he's a folk hero. Yeah. Uh, so – They made a movie about it in yes. the 70s. Well, yeah. 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 Fucking D.B. Cooper, man. I just posted a link there for you, Jake. You can watch all about D.B. Cooper. Oh, sweet. Thank you. It's yeah, absolutely well. fascinating. Um, Dan, do you have anything else for us? Oh, uh, yeah. The uh, Halloween trailer. Yeah. Oh, we're going to – we're getting in – that's going to be in our news section. Okay. So can we talk about Impulse? Did you guys watch any of Impulse? I did. Mm, I did not get a chance. I did not either. Okay. I did. Scott, you did? Okay. Impulse did. is on, it's, it's a new show. It's on YouTube Red. And it, uh, what are we dropping pens over there? What's going on? Mm, uh, not me. Not me. It's, it's DB Cooper. He's jumping <laughs> out of the airplane. Right. <laughs> uh, Impulse on YouTube Red. Uh, Impulse follows 16 year old Henrietta, aka Henry who discovers she has the ability to teleport. Uh, if you don't have a YouTube Red subscription, um, the first three episodes are free on YouTube Red, so you can watch the first three episodes. Um, the series is inspired by both the novel Impulse by Stephen Gould and the Jumper movie from 2008 starring Hayden Christensen and Samuel Jackson. But um, it's – and it's um, – Directed by Doug Lyman, uh, the first episode, and he, he stuck around as, um, as an executive producer for the rest of the series. He's the, he, he did the Born Identity series, he did Swingers, uh, he did, uh, the Tom Cruise film Edge of Tomorrow. I think he direct, did he direct Go? The, mm, he, he had some involvement in it, I'm not sure if it was director, I'm looking. But, um, the showrunner is Lauren LaFranc. And she's a producer and writer best known for her work on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Hemlock Grove, and Chuck. And if you think that this is going to be really anything like the Jumper movie, you are 100% wrong. It's yeah. It's basically it, you've got this girl, Henrietta, and they call her Henry, and she discovers that she has like this power of teleportation and – she really can't control it. It happens in moments of fear, um, when she feels threatened. 
And the first time she realizes this, she is in a truck with um, her high school's kind of like golden boy, and he tries to rape her. And then she has a seizure, crushes while she's having the seizure. It's basically like the truck is imploding and being crushed like a tin can. And then she teleports out of there into her room and she leaves him a paraplegic. Um, the show then goes on to explore Henry's need to reconcile what her assaulter tried to do with the consequence and her feelings about discovering she can teleport with her feelings about the assault. Uh, this stars uh, Maddie Hassan as Henry, um, Sarah DeJardins as Jenna Hope, um, Missy Pyle plays Henrietta's mother, and then the geeky science guy in the series Towns is played by Daniel Maslany, and he is the younger brother of Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black. And then oh, nice. One of the teachers in the series, I think he's in the first two episodes, is played by Christian Brunn, and he's he played Donnie in Orphan Black. So a little bit of the Orphan Black uh, influence in this with the with the actors here. Um, the series dropped on June 6th on YouTube Red, and it's 10 episodes in this first season. What did you think, Scott? I got through four. <clears throat> I got through episode four. I started episode five. Um, you, you're right. It's not like Jumper at all. No. Although I will say the first five minutes of episode one, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. Like the par- you know, can we talk about that? Or? Absolutely. You know who the actor is, right? Well, it's, uh, Peel, right? It's Keegan Michael Key. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah of, of Key and Peel. Of Key and Peel. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, so that's the thing. So I haven't got past episode five, but you don't. <sighs> So uh, Key is fighting another guy who's teleporting, and they're going from the Antarctic to a subway (laughs) in New York City. Inside the subway. Inside. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and I'm like going, what the fuck is going on here? What the hell is going on? This is cool. This is awesome. And, um, you know, it's this big fight, and it ends up that Key gets – left in the antarctic and he's he's gonna freeze to death right because he's he's in a hawaiian shirt and flip-flops and yeah. such and he's he's gonna freeze to death the guy leaves him there and i'm thinking the whole time i'm like we he just didn't do don't spoil it for me he just didn't do five minutes to do five minutes he's got to show up again I, he's got to show up again it's key so that that was really exciting and really cool and i'm like oh i gotta watch this gotta watch this and then the um the tone of the entire show shifts really dramatically, mm-hmm. you know, from that big, like intense moment to this very, um, oh, it's, it's, it's drawn. It's, it, this is not a, uh, a show where lots of things happen really fast. This is a, a real long journey, um, for Henry as she figures out who she is, what she's going through, why she's going through it. There's a, um, the guy that, um, the other, the other teleporter in the beginning, he shows up. Um, and then again, episode four, you know what happens in, at the end of episode four? That blew my mind. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. It, the, you know, every episode's got a couple, uh, a couple really cool moments to them. Um, but it's not an effects heavy show at all. It's really, well, there's a lot of character. Uh, study that's going on in the show. I give it a solid taste. It. I, I need to get further along. Um, 
if you're and like you like Brian said, if you're looking for action packed jumping and teleporting and you know I'm in I'm in Egypt and I'm in Australia and uh, that shit ain't happening. That that's not happening at all. Um, there's a lot of underlying tension that's growing, but it's not it's not that at all. And so um, if you want a long drawn out character study around. A uh, woman d- discovering her telekinesis powers, and this is a great show. And I, um, what's the character's name again? The uh, the kid with autism, who's really smart. Oh, Towns. Yeah, I love him. I love Towns. He's fucking amazing. Towns is you know? great. And as soon as he yeah. shows up, I go, oh, he's autistic. Um, and he's he has no filter. It's so fucking great. Well, the, he's the, the, so they, great. They dive more into Towns' character. I'd say by. I think it's episode five and six. I, I finished this. I finished it in a course of like three days. Um, really? I'm hooked. I, I loved it. I, I, I absolutely, this is an absolute Tupperware to me. This is, it's smart. It's basically, we were talking earlier about the, the, the first season of the message of 13 reasons why and yep. why it was such a powerful, uh, series. This basically takes everything that you know about, um, kind of like superheroes and the superhero origin and kind of deconstructs it in a way that's comparable to maybe the most comparable thing that I can say about this is maybe it's kind of like unbreakable. It's kind of like unbreakable meets 13 reasons why it's, this is, and, and then you've got this teleportation element in here. It's, it's, this movie is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. You know, uh, the show, teleportation, show. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to stop in here. Teleportation's almost secondary. Yes. To what's going on. Yes. Right? Cause I, I, Clay, I believe, is, um, the gentleman that's now in yeah. a wheelchair. Clay. And yeah. he and her, um, you know, well, you know, he made a move on her and clear, and that rape scene was probably harder to watch than, um, was it Bryce? Is he the asshole in Thirteen Reasons Why? I think he is. I thought that. I thought this one was harder to watch. Well, this was an. I mean, he didn't get to. No, he did. Yeah. Well, he almost. He did. almost. I mean, he, he he was in the act of it, and if she had not reacted the way she but reacted, some of the it things that he says in that scene are just creepy as all hell. Yes. Right. Yes. And I have no relevance to that because I don't partake in that, um, and we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but. The exploration of that character is, is amazing as well. So the the, the teen drama, uh, growing up, um, trying to figure shit out um, nowadays stuff was far more impactful than the I think I have telekinetic powers. Yeah, that, the, at least to me, that's if, how I if, was thinking. If you're watching this and you're wanting to get a montage of her training and learning about her telekinetic, you know, teleporting powers. You're not going to get that this season. You're, you're not getting this montage of like the, you know, the kids that she, uh, you know, that she's working with here, uh, taking her out into the, like the, into the, into the woods and her, and this training montage of her mastering her teleportation powers. I mean, they experiment with them, but there's no kind of like, oh, we're going to master these powers. No, like, there's a whole story here about what happens is this boy that tries to rape her in the truck 
becomes a paraplegic. Well, his dad owns the uh, car, like the big car dealership in town. But on the side, his dad is also involved with the Mennonites up in Canada who, and it's like this whole drug ring they've got going yep. on. And so what ends up happening is that when he, when the boy becomes paraplegic after getting crushed in the car, they think, how could, uh, nobody's thinking that this girl's got powers and she crushed the car. They think that the boy was hit and was attacked by one of the Mennonites. So the father of the boy, Clay, takes Henry and says, I know that the Mennonites attacked my son. I want you to point them out. You're going to come with me. Drives her up to Canada and makes her pick one of the men out there that attacked her boy. She knows that she's the one that did this to her son, but she can't say, I have powers – and she's scared of this man. So just to get out of the situation, she points to the first person she can think of, which is this kid named Amos, which is the son of the head Mennonite. And so now you've got kind of like this conflict between Bill Boone, this powerful man in town who's like this drug guy who's got like the sheriff in his hip pocket. And then you've also got the Mennonites who are very well equipped with drugs and then they, like nobody's ever going to think of them as like a criminal organization. And like it, everything comes to a head at the end of this series. This is a fucking awesome show. It is well written. Doug Lyman fucking killed it. I am I this is one of the best fucking shows I've seen all year. Like if this is the level now that YouTube Red, YouTube TV is like trying to put their name out there and say like, hey, we're going to be a place where you can come and get great programming. If they're going to give a shit like Cobra Kai and oh, this yeah. and now we're going to get after now, now we're going to get a uh, Elizabeth Olsen series. From YouTube Red coming out? If this is the level of programming, these guys are a fucking player now. Like, yep. th- this is, this is great fucking TV. I, I Tupperware the fuck out of this. It is amazing. Wow. By the way, Go is directed by Doug Lyman. You wouldn't believe how hard it is to Google a movie called Just Go. Oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah just uh, Google Jay Moore and then look up Go through his filmography. <laughs> yeah, it would have been easier that yeah, way. Probably. But yeah, Jesus Christ! I you get through this one, Scott. Get through it. I, yeah. I, I, I'm <laughs> well, telling the, you, man. You know, the only reason I stopped was <laughs> um, I wanted to be able to uh, talk about Cloak and Dagger as well. Now I was running out of time, so I did watch that yep. as well. Absolutely. We're talk about that. We'll talk about that in Marvel News. I'll shut up then. Uh, you're fine. I, you know, I'm running the show here, Chief. I got this. <laughs> yeah. truth, that's why I stopped. I'm like, oh, I got to watch Cloak and Dagger. Too. No, you're fine. You're absolutely fine, man. But uh, this is – I could not stop. I love – the actress that plays Henry is – she's fantastic. Um, I love Towns. Daniel Maslany is great. Like, you know, I tweeted him. I said, dude, talent runs in your family. You are – like, he is just – absolutely amazing in this role of towns and they start to kind of explore that character i'd say in episodes five and six and um it was nice to kind of get those episodes too and then they they explore her stepsister as well a little bit more and um man i this is great too by the way i like her a lot she's really good like this is um and it you know the, the 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 it explores the trauma of of a rape victim here and um I think that this can be very, 
I think like not only is it got that cool science fiction element to it, but it also kind of, and after every episode, there's like a phone number that you can call if you're like an abused, mm-hmm. if you, if you've been abused, sexually abused. And I think that that's, that's really awesome that they're kind of like, you know, taking this and, and saying like, Hey, you know, you know, if, 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 if you watch this episode and if you feel like this has happened to you and you need to talk to somebody, you know, please reach out. God damn it. I love this show. It's smart. Doug Lyman. God damn it. It makes you like, I know it's like we joke about the Gambit movie, but it's like, if this guy can do this with Jumper, like what could have he done with Gambit? I'm not saying like Gambit gets raped or something, but I'm saying like, you know, like he could give a great story. I, I, I made a terrible joke about Gambit getting raped there. That was, I'm really sorry about that guys. But like, it's like this guy can't. This guy is amazing. Like Doug Liman's fantastic. Like I can't. Im- I would love to see what he could do with like a Marvel film or something. He's so good. Ugh, anyway. Yeah, that would be great. We almost got that with a DC movie, right? Oh, he he was signed on for Gambit. Oh, got Suicide Squad too, right? Suicide Squad. He, I think he was signed on for a DC film at one time. Like he was batting around the idea. Yeah, I think he was with Suicide Squad, and then him and the other people left, right? Mm. Am I crazy? I'd have to look it up, but I, it feels like there. It feels like he's backed out of both DC and Marvel. But I know he was he was on the Gambit film at one time. His name was attached. He was the second director on the Gambit film. The first director for the Gambit film was the the first director for the first Planet of the Apes reboot film. Which was um, I can't I can never remember that fucking guy's name. The guy before Matt Reeves. I always want to say Peyton Reed, but that's the Ant Man fucker. All right. Yeah, Doug Lyman blames scheduling for DCEU Suicide Squad exit. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, there too. Yeah. You want know, let's talk about uh, Hereditary. You guys want to talk about some Hereditary? Yeah, I'm excited to hear what you guys think. It seems like it's been pretty polarizing. Yeah, this is a new uh, new film from A24 in their horror genre here. When the matriarch of the Graham family passes away, her daughter's family begins to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry. Um, I <laughs> this is a horror film, and um, I found out that the trailer for Hereditary was accidentally shown at a screening of Peter Rabbit in Australia. Yes. Nice. (laughs) In in Australia, they showed the uh, trailer of Hereditary (laughs) before Peter Rabbit. Oh man, no one's complaining about the uh, what was it insulin shots and in that at that screening. <laughs> oh man, um, it's written and directed by Ari Aster, best known for the strange thing about the Johnsons and Munchausen. Um, have any? Have you guys seen either of those films? No. I've heard of Munchausen. Munchausen. I've heard of Munchausen as well. I mean, it's a classic in the horror genre. Yeah, yeah I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's. Uh, I looked it up. It's about. Um, it's a. They say it's a vibrant Pixar-inspired montage in which a mother, unable to confront the heartbreak of her son leaving for college, delays his departure by making him sick. Unfortunately, she goes too far, is helpless to reverse what she set in motion, and is forced to face the unfathomable consequences of her selfishness. Oh, that sounds dark. Um, Yeah. This movie stars uh, Tony Collette, uh, Gabriel Byrne, who I hadn't I hadn't seen Gabriel Byrne 
in I don't remember seeing him in anything for like a long time. Like this guy's stock was like so high in the nineties. Like he had his own sitcom for a while in the nineties. Gabriel Byrne was huge back in the nineties. Yeah, um, you're right. I can't think of anything he's been in lately. He's been in stuff, but nothing I can remember. But like Gabriel Byrne back in the day, it's like he was getting like move like like A lister fucking movies and then he, he they even gave him his own sitcom for a while. Um it's got M- Millie Shapiro plays the girl in this and then Alex Wolf who was most recently in Jumanji and yeah. um and Dowd from The Handmaid's Tale is also in this. Uh, oh, nice. Dan Hunter, um, talk to me about Hereditary, your thoughts, and give me your rating. Okay. Uh, well, I've seen this movie twice, and the first time I saw it, I, I didn't, re- didn't really know what to expect going in. Like, the trailer made it look like it was, like, really cool, but, like, you didn't, like, I didn't know what was going on. So I came, went in pretty, like, pretty open-minded, not really knowing. I've heard it was, like, super scary and all this stuff. It's like, oh, this is the new exorcist for this generation. But normally when they say something like that for, like, a horror movie or something, it's usually not true. So I kind of just ignored that. And I I liked this movie. Uh, I thought I was going to like it a lot more. But uh, it's it was, it was, like, two hours long. It seemed longer than that. Like, it drug on and on. And there were some really, really cool moments. And... The first time I saw it, like I was like, "Oh, this is this is kind of long. They could cut a lot of this out." And but uh, and there was like also some like real tropey stuff in it that like we've seen in horror movies before. And but and I, and also like in the trailer they showed like the dollhouses and everything, and that's like a big thing in this movie. I thought it was going to have like something to do with a lot more with like the movie and like the story. But uh, the the uh, the second time I watched it though, I liked it a lot more. That makes like sense. I was about, yeah, I was going to give it like a low taste it first time watching it, but now I'm going to like bump that up to like a taste it. That makes like sense. Just taste it. That's that's, just that's, like, that's part of my thought in this is like I think this movie deserves a second viewing. I, I, yeah, and I really didn't want to go see it a second time. I was like, oh, it was so painful. Like it was really long and like real upsetting. Like just because of like the story and everything. Like I felt like I had a knot in my stomach for most of it, just because of like some of the, like the stuff that like happens because it's like real like like it's like there's like fun horror movies and then there's like stuff like this and like the exorcist which is just real dark and this yeah. is just like this is dour of, yeah yeah not a lot of joy in it yeah. so i didn't know if i wanted to put myself through that but my friend wanted to go and i was like oh i'm gonna be on pcl so i should see it twice to be probably beneficial and it flowed a lot better the second time like it didn't seem too long and I knew, like, I wasn't trying to figure stuff out the second time. So I kind of just, like, just, like relaxed and kind of experienced everything. Well, and, and you're able to appreciate the the hints. Like, the, 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 there's, yeah. there's things that we mm-hmm. know about at the end of the movie that are actually said in the film. And mm-hmm. when you you can kind of pe- put the pieces of that story together, you're like, oh, uh, oh, okay, yeah, okay. I was looking, yeah, you could see all kind of hints throughout, yeah. like straight from the beginning too. Like, There's and, a, there's symbols in this movie too. Like, there, like yeah. we know that we've seen like the symbol around the chain on the neck. Like mm-hmm. there's a scene involving a, um, like a, uh, a telephone pole. Yeah, um, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a scene involving a telephone pole, and if you look at the pole, the pole actually has a symbol on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, it, yeah. oh god, it's it's almost like 
it's almost like, is there a kind of like a built in prophecy going on here as well? It's yeah. It's yeah, part of the stuff yeah. too that like, I was like, Oh, there's, this is like really tropey. Like we see this in horror movies all the time was like making me second guess that where I'm like, is this actually what they're, or are they doing this to try to like trick the people in the movie? Like it's kind of hard to explain without spoiling. It, it is. But, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's, but, but, but it's a horror movie. We don't want to spoil it for you because that takes away kind of like, mm-hmm. I don't want to yeah, take especially away. Especially the yeah. ending is real good. Like the ending, I was hoping the ending would have been like, real like good like i was hoping they do something crazy at the end and it was it was wild (laughs) yeah scott uh, get into this one i want you to okay yeah i've got a lot i want to say about this film so i'm loving that mr hunter is here and he didn't disappear so thank you dan (laughs) um he's a fellow horror nut like like me i i love horror one of the things that's really important to put out there is you know horror is subjective and the opportunity that i find with horror movies is that uh, you know, people put out, you know, low budget horror films all the time just to make a buck because there are people, there are assholes like me that are going to go pay to go see it no matter what, right? I think about the strangers pray at night. Yeah, you know, I spend good money to go see that movie and that movie. Dan, did you see the strangers? Yeah, too? yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It, it was it was pretty okay. I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't. Is like that it. the? Uh, okay. I mean, I, I mean, I could appreciate it because i i have a soft spot for like crappy slasher movies and it was is, really cool to yeah, see but is that the luke wilson film it's the sequel to the, the the second one that just came out i'm not sure if it's luke wilson or not but i what i'm trying to say is okay. that there's there's a lot of garbage horror is kind of what i'm trying oh, to yeah. say yeah 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 so and, and i there's a lot to come um you think about that what was the last one um you talked about it i gave you a, a heads up the um truth or dare truth or dare right? yeah that, yeah. that it's, it's a shit movie and you just got to laugh at it. Or they had yeah, yeah. Bishop <laughs> last year, same thing, just shit horror. Um, so I, every once in a while, um, and, and people are saying this is a lot like The Exorcist. And the most beautiful part about The Exorcist is that a lot of the scary elements in that film come from how it's shot. And the, the, the audio track, the audio track in The Exorcist, just, if you just listen to the audio track alone, you'll get the heebie-jeebies and you know, you'll be completely scared to death. Um, this film is beautifully shot. And it's shot and directed and acted in a way to make you uncomfortable. And to disturb you. That's where I think the whole dollhouse thing comes in. Cause let's, it, let's admit one thing. Dollhouses are fucking creepy. And I'm a guy that's got a whole bunch of action figures hanging out here. But if I put them in a little dollhouse, that's fucking creepy, right? <laughs> yes. Um, right? So these, the whole dollhouse thing and the fact that the mother's like building all these dollhouses and she's got an art show with them and, and all of them are just wickedly disturbing and give you insights to what's going on to the story. It's just really, really disturbing. And you're left with this feeling of just dread. And, and I can see why that two hours felt long to you, Dan, because it's not fun to watch this film. And there are so many things. And you talk about the telephone pole scene. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I I did not see that coming. And it, it, it 
affected me in a certain way, and my mouth hit the floor for about oh yeah five minutes. Yeah, um, my audience. I I will tell you, I don't know how your audience was. My audience. I had a lot of teenagers in my audience, and they're letting teenagers under seventeen in these movies anyway because nobody gives a fuck anymore, right? And it's so disturbing in some spots that people are laughing, and I got I finally figured it out. They're laughing because they don't know how to deal with it. I don't know how to deal with what I'm watching. I don't know how to deal with how I'm feeling about feeling about what I'm watching, and because of that, I, I I'm gonna laugh. They're just uncontrollably laughing. Um, so that's the first thing I would say is that this movie is just incredibly well shot, and it's more like a work of art from a horror perspective. It just really makes you feel unnerved the entire all the way through. The second thing that I want to point out about it that I thought was brilliant was um, Hitchcock once. Uh, came online and he said, you know, there are two ways to scare your audience. One is I, I could go ahead and have a bomb explode in somebody's office and people <laughs> – ah! right? Right? So that's the jump scare. Oh. Ah! Right? right. What's more terrifying okay. is to let your audience know that there's a bomb in the office but the main characters don't. And <laughs> that just builds tension. And there – I'm sorry, but that last act – was was a great example of the audience knows that there is shit going on that the main character in the moment does not and it's shot in such a in such a way that the audience doesn't all get it at the same time like i heard people go oh, and start gasping in horror and i'm like what what what's going on and then you see what everybody else is gasping about and that made it even more terrifying to me I'm like oh my fucking god holy crap and i just thought like the last 10 minutes were shot so well and and it really subverted our what the fuck is going on in the character main character has really no idea what's going on um I, I Tupperware this film. I think it's absolutely uh, a work of art. I think if you're a horror fan, you need to go see it. If you're not into this kind of shit, you, you shouldn't see it. You won't like it. I, I Well, I, I don't think they'll like it, but I do think it's something that everybody should see. Um, I, I just really enjoy it. My one complaint is the last two minutes of the film. I don't believe they, – they, they give some exposition that I don't think if you were paying attention, you wouldn't need. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not dumb. You don't need to tell me this. I paid attention. Yeah. But yeah. American audiences are dumb, so they're going to go ahead and tell you what's going on. And that I think the film would have been uh, even more powerful if they took that out. Yeah. I mean, we, we read we read that earlier in the movie. So yes. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, it's one of those things where I like I connected the dots, and I'm like, okay, that. Yeah, okay, so many cool. people. Don't they're oh, not sure. paying attention? Uh, yeah, Absolutely. but go ahead, Brian. What do you think? It's slow. The movie. The movie is slow. It's like it's like a sloth giving you a hand job. Slow. It is. <laughs> it's slow. It really it is. is a good hand job. That's the thing. Like it, it's the story is oh. great. The movie uses like st- the story is fantastic. The problem I really have with this one, Scott, is not really the movie. It's really the way that they marketed it in the commercials. Oh, yeah. Um, the way that they marketed this in the commercials, it was like, this is going to be the scariest fucking movie you've ever seen. You're seeing people get caught on fire. You're seeing the, the creepy girl doing the creepy shit, doing the creepy walk. You're seeing the kid being uncontrollably hitting his head on the desk. They're showing mm-hmm. you all these fucking scary scenes. That is why 
this movie is being loved by the critics, but on the flip side, audiences feel like they were lied to, and that's why it has a D plus in the cinema score. Like this is another mm-hmm. movie kind of like where the audience feels like they were lied to going into this movie. And that's the rating is in the cinema score. Like in A24, I was I love A24. I just wish that A24 would have marketed this not to just like make I get it, you did it to make a buck. You want people to go out there and you want people to see this movie, but now people see this movie and they're giving it's got a D plus cinema score because they thought that they were going to see something that was just completely terrifying like we're going to go see like, you know, like a James Swan horror film or something, you know, and in this movie, it's, it is more kind of like you're, it's a very smart horror film. It's visually stunning. It's a smart story. And Dowd is fantastic in this movie. Um, just, uh, getting to know these characters is pretty, pretty amazing. You know, you know, you got the mother going to grief counseling and a little bit of her story comes out, a little bit more story comes out with every scene. But it gets, it's, it, I, Dan, I'm kind of with you. I don't know if you're feeling this way, but like you wait for that first hour for something to happen. And then like, it's just like, it keeps going and plotting and, and you're just like, when is something going to happen? Yeah. Well, there's that one moment where something does happen and it's like real shocking. Yeah. It's like the one character and you're like, oh, this is where it's going to start picking up. And it really doesn't. And it doesn't like, I mean, it just keeps yeah. going in that like same, like just dread, like trudge things going okay. through. Okay. Scott, I, and I hate saying this and I feel like it's so weird for me to say this. This movie does deserve a second viewing. Um, it's just, I think my, I think reality versus expectations is what kind of like really fucked me up into this one. Like, I think if I watched it again, knowing what kind of movie it is, I would love it a lot more. Because, like, mm-hmm. it really is a smart movie. It is smart. This is smart horror. It's visually stunning. And the story's very smart. And, um, Tony Collette gives, like, an Oscar worthy performance in this. And you've got yeah. different characters playing their roles. You've got, you know, Alex Wolf does a great job in this. Gabriel Byrne plays, like, the guy who's kind of, like, on the outside of all this and just kind of doesn't, like, He's just seeing everything kind of like fall apart and he's kind of like on the outside of this and trying to keep everything together. But he sees like his wife suffering from like what he believes is mental illness and it affecting the whole family. And, you know, by the time he realizes what's going on, it's, you know, things are things are already too far gone. So it's but but even that was a mind fuck there, too, because I at that moment I was with him. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, she's nuts. This this is what he's saying is is right on the money, and um, yeah, so that that could be the case. And then they do a nice little flip. So I can appreciate the whole slowness of it. I, no, I, I I'm, not saying, I'm, no, no, I'm yeah, not saying I'm no no I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong for that. Well, I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm saying I, I can appreciate why you guys are saying what's well, so slow. Yeah, no, no, and, yeah. things and, didn't happen, and yada yada yada. And you're right. Um, I'm going through the Rotten Tomato scores at sixty percent. And people are just pissed because. Are you talking I mean, about for the audience? Because it's for the audience. It's yeah, ninety three. Audience score sixty percent. People are pissed at the trailer. It's a trailer. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, something happens in the 
and and it destroys exactly everything that that trailer told us the movie is going to be in the first 45 minutes to an hour of the film. So now I'm like, okay, what's going to happen now? Because I have no fucking clue what's yeah. going to happen now. And there's a part of me that loves that. I'm like, okay. It's like Thor only has one eye. I, I love that too. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. But maybe they went a little, a little bit too far. I just – I don't want to put it – the, the best horror movies are the ones that I end up thinking about the next day and maybe the, more about it the next day. And I, I think what helped me for this one too is you know, going online and getting some other opinions and, and you know, reading up on some stuff afterwards to help me kind of decompress about what's going on. Um, but overall, I mean I totally appreciate where you guys are coming from and, uh, and everything. I just – I think this movie is one of those movies that – Given the if you give if 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 you give it time, like this this movie over the course of time, I think has a real chance of really standing up and being one of the one of the greats uh, as far as you're overall right. is concerned. You're absolutely right. But like my, I, let me rate it first. I, it's a high taste it for me. It could mm-hmm. be a Tupperware upon a second watch. I have to recover from the fact that they lied to us in the fucking marketing. I wanted yeah. to go in there and be fucking scared out of my goddamn mind. And I wasn't. I, I, it, it's an artsy film with a great story. And it's not what they, it's not what they advertised. I went in there. That's part of it because watching a movie, you have to be emotionally invested in it. If you're watching a romance comedy, there's times where you're laughing. There's times where you're like, oh, my God, that character's sad. I'm sad. And the trailers for this were like, hey, we promise you, you're going to be scared out of your goddamn mind. And I wasn't. If they would have just said, hey, do you want to see an artsy fucking horror film? I would have been like, "Okay, I know what I'm going to get. I know I'm going to get an artsy fucking horror film. But but some of the artsy fucking horror films still don't give you that sense of dread that this film gives and does so well. It's my problems in the marketing. They lied to me. Dude, everything. Fair enough. They fucking lied to me. Like, you can show me creepy shit. Like, you know, like uh, there's a scene with ants in this that is fucking terrifying. But but on the flip side, it's like, dude, that that was – I had to go like with how I felt go in in the moment. Like I I I dude, I was raring to see this movie. I wanted to be fucking scared, man. Mm-hmm. And when I wasn't, I was a little let down. Now, now that I know that, now that I know that that is not this kind of movie. This is not a movie that's going to fucking scare you and keep you up at night scared. Like you're going to be you, you got to keep a night light on cuz you're fucking scared. <laughs> Now that I know that, now that I know that going into the second viewing, I can try to just appreciate it for what it is. A great story. A really well done horror film as far as the story is concerned. But the marketing lied to me, man. And that kind of goes a long way with how I view a movie the first time I watch it. Because, man, when I go in there expecting like one thing and I walk out feeling like, oh, okay, this is – it's a, it's a smart horror film and they weren't really going for like I don't want a cheap jump scare but I I do want to be scared and I didn't really get that here so I don't know man it, it, yeah, but I, it, but I, I I've been seeing uh, a lot of people actually are being like really scared of it which I I think I mean I I agree with you Brian but I see like A24 posted uh, a thing on their Facebook 
it was like the uh, heart rate thing or, or challenge. Yeah, they but course, it. it's it's a twenty four. Like it's a twenty four. Of well, course, yeah. it's a twenty four. <laughs> but they monitored uh, people's heart rates during it. Uh, twenty people during a movie at like at Draft House or something. Sure. And there were people were like going like one hundred and sixty beats per minute or something. Shit, so, like, they could have been like, they could have been getting blowjobs and their heart rate would have <laughs> went up too. All right, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, but, of course, it's a twenty four trying to pump yeah. their own shit. I mean, yeah, but I've I've seen it on like Twitter and Reddit too. Like people were like saying how scary it is, and like I don't. I mean, I I, I don't I don't really see it as as much as they. I'd, I wish I I wish I was as scared as they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's it's. It, I think this is this is one of those like now that I know what it is that it's not what I expected and what they kind of like promised us. That's why it's got a D plus cinema score. This is why yeah. it has a D plus cinema score is because audiences feel betrayed. They feel yeah. betrayed. They do. Mm-hmm. Sounds a lot like Mother from last year. A little it's bit of that. One, oh story. yeah, one hundred percent like Mother. I mean, it's audiences were they feel betrayed. Scott, I'm not trying to say that this is not a great movie because like I feel like I could watch it again, not having the expectations that I did going in, and not being let down. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I could be like, okay, I can appreciate it now because I know what I'm getting and I can appreciate this story because it really is a smart movie. It really is. It's just I feel yeah. like – but but if I if I have to like stack this up next to – if I have to stack it up next to Blair Witch, like Blair Witch did both. It made me think and it kind of scared the shit out of me at certain parts. You know, like upon that first mm-hmm. viewing, you know, part of me, like Blair Witch, like that scene where they're in the tent and you see like the fingers like tapping the tent and shit. Dude, I fucking, I was losing my shit. I was just like, oh my God, this is fucking, what the fuck is on the outside of that tent? You know? And, yeah. No, no, I totally get it. And yeah. I, could t- I, I, you know, it did well this weekend though. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Like $13 million. Huge drop off next and, weekend after people tell their friends like, no, it's just not that scary. <laughs> that's why it's got a, <laughs> that's why it's got a D plus cinema score. But the thing, it doesn't matter. A20, I mean, A24, like, there's still a great studio in my opinion. And this is a smart, oh, yeah. mo- this is a smart movie. It really is. Yeah. And I, and, and I think that you are right, Scott, that this one is going to age better over time when people forget the marketing. People are going to look back on this and it's going to be kind of like, they're going to, they're going to, this is going to pop up in those conversations when you're talking about movies like The Shining. You're also going to bring up like, oh, Heret- you remember Hereditary? That was a, that was a smart horror film too. Like that brought something new and something different to the genre. Yeah. Well, two movies, this, uh, movie reminded me a lot about, of, and kind of like they're both real like slow paced or like uh rosemary's baby yes. and the exorcist yeah yes. like i could see a lot of and like i kind of feel the same way about like when i saw rosemary's baby and the exorcist i was expecting like to be super like terrified with both and like kind of was like eh, whatever but i mean i i think those are considered masterpieces and i i enjoy them for what they are so yeah no, I, I, I'm glad you brought up Rosemary's Baby. I was going to bring that up, but you're right. Um, and, and, you know, if you watch Rosemary's Baby today, again, it's considered a classic. It's great. It's it's not scary. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't find it to be scary. I do find it to be be disturbing, and it's a, it's a masterpiece as far as directing and acting and telling a story uh, of that type. And you could say the same – I mean, uh, The Exorcist is just one of those one-of-a-kind movies, though, where it, it, it's just – so well done and um it you know people were 
get get heart rate monitors on people and, and watching the fucking exorcist because people were <laughs> running out of those theaters screaming they were so fucking terrified so yeah you know i i i can totally appreciate it and um and i you guys your, your opinion are completely valid i just really love good horror and and this was a you know i've sat through dan Dan, you have too i have sat through more than my fair share of shit horror and it was so nice to walk out of a film going and i asked lynn because my wife's into into horror too and i said what do you think she goes that was really great that was one of the best horror movies i've ever seen and from an overall movie perspective i think that she's right and that's that's why I give the rating I give. But I totally see where you guys are coming from because again, the trailer was, you know, uh, I'm thinking, you know, mind fuck of of a movie and you know, scare me to death. Yeah, it was just reality versus it was you know expectation versus reality is is what it came down to me. Like I went in. Anybody ex- can cut a good trailer though, yeah. and I guess it, yeah, I could totally see getting upset at the marketing. But it, I mean, I'm gonna go back to get jake involved i mean we were all super excited for suicide squad they put together a fantastic fucking trailer where's my suicide squad movie yeah but that, it's different there like there they're showing you they're telling you you're going to get a comic book book movie and you got a comic book movie. no they're telling me i'm going to get one. a good comic book movie and i did not get that sir <laughs> it'd be like though if they told you that and then what you really got was like a rom-com would be a better uh, app uh, maybe maybe suicide squad as a rom-com would be a better movie Oh yeah, and maybe Suicide Squad is anything other than its current incarnation would be a better movie. <laughs> maybe you and I should talk about that. <laughs> uh, I did. I want to. I got one more thing, and then we can jump into news. I um, I watched Hotel Artemis today. Oh, I want to see that. And it's uh, set in riot torn near future Los Angeles. Hotel Artemis follows the nurse who runs a secret members-only emergency room for criminals. It's written and directed by Drew Pierce. Uh, he's, uh, he was our writer for Iron Man 3 and also Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Uh, this movie stars uh, Sterling K. Brown, Jodie Foster. So, yeah, here, Tracy Ferguson's booting up her fucking computer right now as soon as I said that name. She's starting to, whatever, form your thoughts on Man Pig Brian and my opinions on this fucking movie. If I hated the movie, it's because I hate women. Or if I loved it, it's to, it's to mask my hate of women, isn't it? Fucking, uh, Tracy. Um, so just, uh, whatever, just do what you're gonna do. Do your classic bullshit. And, uh, let's move right along. It also stars Zachary Quinto, uh, Dave Bautista, Jeff Goldblum, Sophia Patella, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. He plays Paperboy on FX's Atlanta. Uh, Kenneth Choi, uh, he was in Captain America, the first Avenger. He was in Spider-Man Homecoming. He was also in Lost, uh, Last Man on Earth. And then also, uh, it stars Jenny Slate and Charlie Day. So this has got a pretty stacked cast, uh, this film. It's, um, it really kind of it it has a lot of similarities to kind of like the the setup the 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 hotel that we have here um hotel artemis it has a lot of similarities to the continental in john wick it's it's a safe haven for assassins and criminals to kind of like get patched up and heal and kind of like just wait it out until it's safe to leave you know and there's no fighting inside the hotel and you have to be a member to get in. 
and you've got a city on the outside. Like this is this is set sometime in the future, but the city on the outside it's being basically ravaged by these riots where poor people kill police and then the police kill poor people. Um, it's a terrible way to live, and people are criminals are just basically doing what they can to survive and. And a lot of it has to do with just buying water. Water is kind of like a luxury item, I guess. Um, there's a lot of cool futuristic technology in this film. Um, you've got a, you've got the guy, uh, his name's Honolulu and he's played by Brian, uh, Tyree Henry. And then Jodie Foster, she plays the nurse. She basically, this guy gets shot up and she 3D prints him a brand new liver. And it's like, okay, wow, we're like basically that far in the future where they can kind of like create their own organs from a 3D printer. And, uh. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Some of the, yeah, some of the, the future tech in this is really cool. I loved the scenes where the criminals are just kind of like talking and interacting in the hotel. It's almost like, I could see some of these. It felt like we were. That's what I, I loved. That's what I loved about this movie. I'm going to give it a. This movie's a high taste. It first off, it's a high taste. It. I'll get into why it's not a Tupperware here in a moment. But like the scenes of like the criminals talking within the hotel, you could almost like it felt like it was very very much like you were watching a play at certain parts. It was just really cool. Um, Sophia Patella and Sterling K. Brown and Charlie Day when they're interacting and just like arguing and stuff. It was. Really good dialogue and really fun to watch them. The third act is where it kind of falls apart. It feels really rushed in the third act. There's like, there's a villain, I believe, I, I forget, I think his name's like the White Wolf or something. And you build up to this character, you hear about him the whole time, and then there's also these diamonds that are involved in this, these very expensive diamonds, and it all just kind of like, ends with like really like no payoff in the end with the main villain and these diamonds they all just kind of like they're big they set them up to be these big things and then it's just kind of like <sighs> no real payoff with any of that stuff which which kind of sucks and i know we talk about like movies like oh well you know like this movie's a little too long and they could have shortened it i feel like this movie you could have added a little bit more to it I think you could have added maybe 15 to 20 minutes more of this movie to kind of like flesh those things out in the third act to give it more of more oomph, like make it matter. And Jenny Slate's character, she felt underused in certain elements in the story. Like her story connects to the nurse's story on a personal level and but within the actual hotel, it doesn't pay off. So see, she's just there on a personal level to connect with Jodie Foster's character. But like her character could be actually used in the hotel to do something. She's a police officer. It's against the rules to have a police officer in the hotel. It's a safe haven for criminals. She's not a member of the hotel. And the, you know, you've got members that are criminals. They're arms dealers. They're assassins. And there's not a big moment when like a group of these criminals finds out that she's a cop and then her life is in jeopardy, which could have created some really awesome tension between some of these characters and given us some violence that was maybe, you know, kind of that meant something here. Um, and it's it, it was something that I was waiting for. It never really kind of it kind of got addressed, but it didn't. And um, 
it kind of falls apart a little bit in the third act. Overall, I love the concept. It's kind of a rip off of John Wick, but overall, this is a this is a really good movie. I do highly recommend it. It's a it's a high tasted. It's a fun movie. Um, you know, so I I do recommend it. I'll give it a high tasted because there there's some really cool action between Sofia Batella, just kind of like the way the future works and the way the hotel works and the way nurse runs the hotel. She's very strict. She's very strict, uh, stringent. And the relationship that she has with her orderly, Dave Batista is really good. Dave Batista is fantastic in this too. He's funny. Yeah. He's really good in this. And I want to see this guy get like, uh, some bigger media roles in some future films. You know, if they do the gears of war movie, I almost think he's too good for it. He's perfect for it, but he's almost too good for it. He's really good in this movie. And now, oh my god, yeah. did, did, have you guys seen the trailer for the the uh what's the new El Royale film with Chris Hemsworth and John Hamm? Hey, what's it? Yeah, what's uh, Hotel Royale. Oh my god, Hotel El Royale or whatever. Yeah. Uh it's it's That's the, amazing. the new Drew Goddard film coming out. They showed the trailer for this thing before this movie. And that has me so fucking excited. That movie looks fucking amazing. I don't know anything about this movie. It's Jeff new, Bridges is in there too, right? Jeff, Bridges. yes, Jeff Bridges, John Hamm, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Who else is in Hemsworth this? Hemsworth looks good. He looks like his first, you know, other than the race car movie, which yeah. I thought he was all right in. I uh, can't remember the name of it. Rush, Rush. He actually, yeah, no, he actually looks like he's got a real part other than Thor, right? So we might actually get to see Chris Hemsworth's chops in this film. Yeah, it looks it looks really good. I'm trying to Yeah, Bad yep. Times at the El Royale. That's Se- it. Seven strangers, each with a secret to bury, meet at Lake Tahoe's El Royale, a rundown hotel with a dark past. Over the course of one fateful night, Everyone will have a last shot at redemption before everything goes to hell. I believe the hotel is kind of unique um, that it's basically like uh, the hotel is split between state lines. One side is Nevada. Yep. And wh- what's the other state? Uh, um, Nevada and Utah? Nevada, Utah, I, I think. I think it's so. like probably like on what's probably cool about this is like on one side of the hotel, they have a casino, you know, and like on the other or maybe even a brothel for all we know. But, um, yeah, it looks, it, God, it looks very stylistic. It kind of reminded me of like, we're starting to see like Drew Goddard, like be able to show us like what he can do. And it's like, you know, like we've, we've got directors that have like their own style, of course, like, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Tarantino and then like, uh, Robert Rodriguez. And it feels, is it Robert Rodriguez? Am I too drunk? Yeah. yeah I've, I've been drinking. Um, yeah, it, this dude, this looks fucking incredible, Jake. You got to watch it. Yeah. Look good. I just looked it up. Okay. Yeah, yeah I was, I'm actually I'm watching the trailer right now. Nick Offerman's in it. Too. Nick Offerman, dude, this movie looks fucking insane. Bad times at El Royale, and there's also there's a there's a Tupac movie coming out um, with uh, with fucking uh, and it looks really good. It's uh, uh, Forrest Whitaker plays a detective, and then uh, fucking um, Johnny Depp is playing a detective in this fucking thing, and it's about the sure. it's about the Biggie murders and the Tupac murder. I saw that trailer before this movie, and I was like, "Did you see?" Shit. Since we're on trailers, did you see the uh, girl in the spider's web trailer? Is that <clears throat> is it the girl in the spider's web trailer? Is that the one with like the lady and she's got the guy strung up and shit? Yes. Yeah, I saw that. But that, she that got, looks dope as fuck. It does look fucking dope as fuck. Oh, yeah, that I'll, looks really I'll fucking good. The uh, 
link in the chat. But we got some good trailers this weekend. Fuck yeah, we, we did. Yeah. We're going to talk about those trailers in the news section. But first, we're going to take a yeah. break, and then we're going to talk about these new trailers that came out. All right. So, nice. back and it is now time for the pop culture leftovers news all right uh we've got our first uh internationally uh jurassic world has been released we're getting uh mixed reviews for jurassic world fallen kingdom i'm hearing uh people love it or they don't care for it um, I'm also hearing that you can kind of really feel J.A. Boyana's influence in the film with his horror background in this one and certain parts of it. Uh, I, they're saying it's on track. I think it's made 150 million so far. So, and it's doing quite well in the pre-sales, but, um, I don't know, guys. I, I'm not the best person to talk to about Jurassic World. I absolutely love the first one more than a lot of people. You can go back and listen to my episode about it. I loved Jurassic World and I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just gonna probably gush over this next one as well. So I'm really looking forward to Fallen Kingdom. I bought my IMAX 3D ticket, so I'm ready. Nice. I read, um, that this one, ends a lot more like open-ended than the first one like you can really feel the franchise by the end of it well colin trevorrow and and not that that's a bad thing you know colin trevorrow's coming back to direct the the ninth film nine nine, i'm thinking of star wars episode nine he's coming back to direct the next film it'll be the sixth film right yeah i'm thinking of episode nine for some reason (laughs) and he was supposed to direct. he was supposed to direct star wars episode nine um yeah, I can't wait for it. I cannot wait for Jurassic World. Let's talk about the uh, Bumblebee trailer, guys. Bumblebee trailer Ooh. came out this week. A story of uh, a girl and her robot. Um, I want to start off and talk about this because um, I'm. I already talked about it on my Transformers podcast with Daniel Hepner. We do a podcast called uh, Transformers Titans Return. And we're actually talking about the new series that has come. we've done six episodes for uh, Power of the Primes, which is on the Go90 app, and it's a free app. I think Go90 is actually owned by Verizon, and so they have a lot of content on there, and they do have 10-minute episodes of Transformers, um, of a Transformers series. First they had the Combiner Wars, then they had Titans Return, and then they had, now they have Powers of the Prime. And I talked about this, me and Daniel kind of talked about it, um, on that episode, but I want to talk to you guys about what my thoughts are on this Bumblebee trailer. Um, I absolutely love this trailer. I, it, it, I thought it was, oh God, I love this trailer. It's like, it's a story of a girl and a robot. And it's, it's also about us. It's, it, we all remember 
our first car. And even though, like, even if you didn't have the car of your dreams, like, we all had, like, a very special bond with our first car. Like, like, like that meant freedom for us. We got to get in the car and we got to go out and drive and we got to hang out with our friends and, like, there's a special bond between, um, you know, somebody in their first car. And like, this is, I believe her first car and this, this, the trailer felt very Spielbergian. Um, and we got to see like classic, it looks like we're getting classic star scream in this one. And yep. That was awesome. I loved hearing the Bernie Mac voiceover at the beginning. I love the fact that it takes place in 1987. Um, I love the director here, Travis Knight from Leica Studios. He did Kubo and the Two Strings. I feel like this is a guy that can give us a story with some heart. And um, I absolutely loved this trailer. The humor looks good. We don't have Bumblebee, you know, pissing on things like in the first movie. <laughs> um, you know, we had the cassette get, get, getting shot across the room. It just looks funny. I love Haley Steinfeld. Uh, the fact that Bumblebee can't talk, I think also kind of endears you to him. And, um, it just looks like a sweet movie. I was telling Daniel that it kind of reminds me of like, you know, like E.T. It reminds me of like, and I even, I even threw out Starman where it's like, you've got like this alien from another planet that's like, it's a fish out of water story, but like the government is is after them. And we know that Sector 7 from the Transformers films is kind of like after Bumblebee in this one. And it just looks like way more of a personal story uh, in this one than it does with the, with the other Transformers films where it's like end the world scenarios and we've got Cybertron and all these different MacGuffins and, you know, Knights and Primes and, you know, the, <laughs> I loved it. I'm going to give this trailer a Tupperware as far as my excitement level going into December. I think this trailer kind of gave me what I expected and what I wanted. So, um, Scott, what did you think about the Bumblebee trailer? Uh, I thought it was fantastic. You hit on a lot of stuff that I was going to say about it. Um, when I saw Starscream, I'm in. I'm in. Like that's the biggest miss of the entire Bayformers movies. Are there's no Starscream? We've talked about this before. I mean, I I, I love Starscream. Well, I, he, I he, was love... the, he was in the he was in the movies. He just yeah, but the, yeah. The, he wasn't the real fucking Starscream. I mean, that, that yeah. that's such a great. <sighs> yeah. I mean, in all the all the iterations of of Transformers, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the Transformer guy. But you know, he plays that um, that that role of um, the Hamlet esque role of the guy trying to usurp his his leader because he wants to take over. And it's such a great through line in in every Transformers iteration that I've watched and I, I just love him as a character because he's always stabbing people in the back to try to take a to ha- try to have some kind of power grab and yes we had moments of Starscream in the Bayformers universe but there was none none of that there yeah. was none of that so I'm really look- and plus he looked dopey as all fuck so when I saw Starscream I'm in Give me five minutes of Starscream. It'll be worth the price of admission. That being said, I also think that it's going to be what it's going to be the Transformers movie that we all kind of wanted. Um, and that gets me really, really excited, but scares the shit out of me, too. You know what I'm saying? So I'm really excited now. I'm excited. I can't wait to see it. And then in the back of my head, like, don't fuck this up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Don't fuck it up. It's coming That's out. That's what I'm thinking. Really, it only has to compete with, like, there's no tr- uh, Star Wars film coming out this December. Um, this comes out in December, of course. It really only has to compete with Aquaman. So, like, if Aquaman is a total <laughs> failure, like, in the box office, if it's not the next Wonder Woman, I think that this movie could own December. It really could own December as far as, like, um, you know, Transformers fans, people that did like the Bayformers movies, and then kids. Bumblebee. Kids love Bumblebee. And I think that this movie could own December. It could be the biggest hit for Paramount this this December. Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I, I thought this was a really good trailer. I'm not as like to the moon as you guys. I don't think I'm, I'm going to give it a, a solid taste. It. Um, I mean, I I like the idea of the movie more than I really loved this trailer. But like I've said in other trailer reviews, sometimes I think that's a good thing. Like. Sometimes I'm kind of glad when I'm a bit nonplussed by a trailer because it makes me think that they're saving a lot of the really good stuff for the actual movie. But um, but yeah, I mean, it looks good. I, I like the whole idea of like, you know, really scaling down the stuff and not having to be this big, like hopefully not be this big, like world ending threat going on and having it just be about, you know, a girl and, and her car and like trying to protect it from this, these government agents or these military people. I think it could be a really fun movie. Um, but I am not the biggest Haley Steinfeld fan now. I gotta tell you, I, she doesn't turn me away from a movie or necessarily ruin one just yet, but I, I don't know what you've seen that has really won you over on her. Oh man, already. she was fantastic in True Grit. That was her like, uh, uh, debut into films. Um, that True Grit was great, and that was a great remake of a of a John Wayne Western. Um, she blew me away with that performance, and then The Edge of Seventeen was okay. Was was great. I mean, she as an actress, I think like her trajectory is just up for me, and I feel like getting her as like the lead in this to kind of like be our emotional con- connection to Bumblebee. And I feel like she's going to have a bond with Bumblebee. And, and that's what this trailer did for me. The, the, the trailer really showed me that there's going to be a bond between them. And just her trying to protect him and him trying to protect her. And I've always kind of been a sucker for that story. Like I said, I love E.T. I know you're not a big fan of that movie. But this felt like a very Amblin, Spielberg type of a film that we're going to get here. And the uh, one of the producers, Lorenzo Di Bonaventura, he com- and uh, this kind of like really helped solidify it for me. He compared Bumblebee to the Iron Giant in this. Mm. And I was like, okay, I love the Iron Giant. I feel like they're trying to hit all the right kind of like emotional beats as, you know, former host Jay would have said. So, um Dan Hunter, did you watch this? Oh uh, yeah. What'd you think? Yeah, Dan? and uh it looks pretty- look it could be fun. Uh I'm not a Transformers fan, but I've just never seen any of the movies or really had anything about it. Just cuz like I've always heard bad things about the movies, so I I really don't know anything about them, but from what you've said and from what I've seen in the trailer, it looks like it could be a lot of fun. It does look like a, like an ET thing, which which I I love ET, so yeah. yeah. Like it could, could be a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. Yeah, they, they, a little bit of information about John Cena's character came out this week too. Um, John Cena, we th- I thought like I'd been hearing like he was going to be playing the uncle of Haley Steinfeld's character, and um, you know he was like a, a mechanic, and and um, apparently he plays Agent Burns, who is uh, possibly in charge of the mission from Sector Seven to secure Bumblebee. 
So he's kind yeah. of like a, he looked like a bad guy very briefly when you saw him. Yeah, he's 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 dressed in the Sector Seven uh, uniform. So it's very reminiscent of like ET. He's kind of going to be like our guy out there with the with the keys that we see jingling. Like he's that guy <laughs> trying to trying to uh, secure you know Bumblebee. So I I was blown away by this trailer. I feel like. Like, I don't know. There's just like, <laughs> I'm a sucker for these types of fucking movies anyway. And it's not, I'm not saying Transformers movies. Like the Transformers movies, in my opinion, have been pretty downright terrible. And I'm a huge Transformers fan. That's the thing that I don't understand with like some sorts, like some fandom, like just because you're a fan of like, you know, some of these characters, like, you know, people are fans of like Batman and, and Superman and stuff. So they feel like, oh, I have to like these DC movies that are coming out. I feel like when they give you a bad DC movie, like the real fans should be the ones that are actually up in arms about it. And like, I'm a Transformers fan. Like I love G1 Transformers and I love the animated movie. I love like what they've been doing with the series on the go 90 app. Those they've been great. They've been really, really, really good. And the Bayformers movies are pretty damn terrible. So me being a Transformers fan, I'm like, well, you're basically like it's, for me, it's like they're pissing, like like shitting on the Bible or the American flag at that point. It's like I hold these near and dear to my heart, and you're taking the source material and making it shit. So, I what I saw here is, you know, even though Bumblebee doesn't talk, he's he's a VW bug and he's a sweet, endearing character, and I feel like this movie has a lot of heart. I. I'm, I can't wait. I, I have no shame in saying, like, I cannot wait for December. This is one of my most anticipated movies for this year. I really can't wait to see Bumblebee. Looks, looks really good to me. Yeah, you bring up a lot of good points, Brian. I think uh, one of the biggest faults this movie could possibly make is trying to link itself to those terrible Michael Bay Transformers movies. Yeah, like, yeah. they would be best to stay as far away from that as possible. Gain the juice you get by being in that universe don't do prequelitis shit where you actually try to connect the dots to the turd. Yeah, I, do, I yeah, exactly. Like I know they revealed in the last film, I believe the you know Transformers the last night that Bumblebee had been here during like World War II and he's got a past here on Earth and stuff like that. Don't bring that stuff up. Leave it all out. Don't 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 mention it. Just Bumblebee's here. It's 1987. He meets a girl. They form a bond. The government's after him. We've got our, we've got our movie. Like, and, you know, I, yeah, I can't, I, uh, I'm just, I can't. Is this Christmas Day? Is this when that comes out? Uh, I want to say December 19th, but I could be wrong. Okay. That's always such a big time for movies, so. Yeah. It's interesting that they decided to put a Transformers movie out as a Christmas movie. Could be a bold move. Could, could be a big mistake. I think it's a great move. There's an awesome move. They're not competing with Star Wars this year. This is the year to do it. This is why, this is why, this is why Solo needed to come out in December. And I think it's to the benefit of movies like Bumblebee and Aquaman that they don't have to compete with, with a Star Wars film. Like, Star Wars is not gonna own, you know, the Christmas this year. And this is the perfect time for Paramount to make a big, I don't know, a, a big box office splash this December. Yeah. The big Disney December this year is the the Mary Poppins Returns, and that could easily be a big flop too. Uh, Halloween trailer came out. 
So I want to talk about the Halloween trailer. This is a big trailer that came out. Uh, it's uh, This movie is directed by David Gordon Green. This guy has done a lot of television. Uh, he did Red Oaks, uh, Vice Principals with Danny McBride. Vice Principals... Um, I, I, I watched... No, I didn't watch any of Vice Principals on HBO, but Danny McBride... Uh, was in that show. He's also involved in this film. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a writer on the screenplay with Gordon. So David, Go- uh, David Gordon Green will also be directing, um, the new Friday Light, Friday Night Lights movie. I didn't know if you guys knew about that. But no. the, the, di- yeah. the, the director for Halloween is also going to be doing the new Friday Night Lights movie, which started out a book and then it was a movie, then it was a TV series and now it's going to be a movie again. Um, but this Halloween movie, it's, it's another, uh, Blumhouse film. This one stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, Will Patton, Toby Huss, and Victoria Gardner. Danny McBride is not in the cast. He's just on this working as a writer on the screenplay with Gordon. Uh, Nick Castle returns to play Michael Myers. He's the original actor from the 1978 film. And, um, he is back. Um, the film, wasn't said to be a remake nor a reboot, but a recalibration is what they're calling this one of the character of Michael Myers. However, after David Gordon Green and Danny McBride took over the project, these two stated that it would be none of the aforementioned and that the film was going to be a continuation of the original Halloween sequel. So it retcons everything after the first movie, which... First question that I have is like, is that a good idea? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I, th- I think. I mean, I think it's one of the best ways to go about it because there are f- like four different timelines in this franchise. So I think like the best way is to just make it like don't try to like overcomplicate it by like yeah. trying to say oh at this movie or whatever. Just kind of make it real simple. We need a clean slate. Yeah, so, yeah you hold scare on, people Dan. away too. Yeah, but hold on. I mean. So I, I agree with you in concept. I just have – like Halloween 2 is a continuation of the first movie, yeah. right? So that's moments after um, Michael Myers falls from the balcony and, he, and, and you know that movie takes place. So we're going we're gonna to say that that movie never happened. Um, and some pretty amazing things were revealed to be part of the Michael Myers canon in, in Halloween 2. So we, yeah. in Halloween 2, we learned that – Michael Myers is actually the brother of Laurie Stro- Strode, right? So yeah. that, that's why he's after her. That and the and the trailer makes it very clear. Well, that never happened. So yeah, they had the cool how, how do you how do you feel about that? So we're gonna erase canonical parts of this character, um, which I think is really really cool, but really dangerous as well. So yeah. My thing with that is that when John Carpenter made the first one, he didn't – I don't think he really wanted them to be brother and sister. That like – he like was kind of forced to do that in the second one, if, I think. But it's it's going to – I think it's a cool – it will be a cool uh, thing to see. But it I also – it's like confusing though because it's just been like burned into my brain that they're brother and sister. And that's like yeah, the it's, whole thing. It's 40 years of a character. So you're yeah. going to tell me that Dracula – it's OK for him to walk around in the daylight now. I think that's much more known lore, though. I think I think by making this change, it makes it easier for the masses. I think most of the masses have no clue of the brother sister connection. Honestly, really? I mean, it, I don't I know think, if I I would challenge you in on that one, though. I mean, if you understand, if 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 you're a fan of the series at all, 
Yeah, it's, know that. I, yeah, it's yeah but the Maybe. point, the way to make money is to not get just fans of the series to go see it. Well, yeah, this way they could make bushels yeah. of money. Let's be honest. The people are going to go see this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like if you ask 100 Halloween fans, they all 100 know their brother and sister. But if you ask, everyone knows who Michael Myers is, right. regardless of whether or not you're a Halloween fan. But no way does everyone know that Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers are brother and sister. Hmm. Nah, I mean, that's yeah, just the way I feel. I could be wrong. I stepped on you, Dan. Continue your thoughts. Oh, no, that's okay. Well, somebody say something. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the trailer. I thought it was a yeah. very good trailer. I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, I, I liked it a lot. I The Halloween series is pretty hit and miss for me, but the ones that I like, I really do like. And, you know, that's like the first one, the second one. And, you know, the fourth one's not too bad either. And, oh, and it I, felt love like back to I love the kinda, fourth one. Yeah, the fourth one's pretty fun. It yeah. felt like back to kind of that, you know. And I do like seeing Jamie Lee Curtis, like, take on Michael Myers again, like one final hurrah. That that actually gets me quite excited. Uh, I thought the music was really well played. I, Man, yeah. As soon as that Halloween cue hit, I was like, all right, I'm going to go check this out. Yeah. Did you guys yeah. see um, the silver shamrock masks? The kids were wearing the silver shamrock masks while they were oh, trick-or-treating. Were they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I so, that. I oh yeah, that, that's in there. Um, I mean, there's a lot of really great nods in this trailer. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm super stoked for the movie. Um, and, you know, the he gets his overalls from a gas station attendant just like he did in the first movie. That's fantastic. Um, uh, there's uh, just, just a whole lot of really great stuff in this trailer. Um, the documentary about Loomis, right? So they've got a documentary being shown about Loomis, which I think was really, really awesome and nice not to that character who can't come back, which is great. Oh, yeah. The, the, the only question that I've got, and, and, and I love that you brought this up. So what's the chances that this is a one and done and they just finish the work versus – Start a whole new franchise again. It's being touted as the final confrontation between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. It's not being touted as the final chapter. So, so Brian, do we just get this and and then we're done, and maybe we get a reboot reboot of the whole thing, or do you think that they get the final confrontation, and then two years from now we get another Michael Myers movie? It depends on the reception of this movie. Yeah, I think exactly. it depends on how well this does. It really yeah, does. I, I think like they will make that decision. Jason Blum will will sit down with David Gordon Green and say like, "Well, your movie like yeah, we made it for you know you know twelve million dollars, and it's 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 made sixty five million. Let's mm-hmm. let's continue <laughs> the story. You've done a fantastic job. Do you have another story in you? Right. Yeah. It'll just be no Jamie Lee Curtis. It'll yes. just be Mike Myers. Yes. Which will either be good or bad. I think because like. Maybe this is like this is like the only story this guy wants to tell really with this. So if they try to get a sequel out, it might not like kind of like how it happened with like the original thing because like John Carpenter did this one and they wanted him to do a sequel, so he kind of just like pumped it out. Which I really like. All I really like the second one. I think it's really cool. Did you guys know that there was a Halloween Easter egg in Hereditary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Peter, yeah. Uh, the the son, uh, his first scene at school. There's the words "escaping fate." on the chalkboard. Oh. Which the exact same, you know, it's it basically in Halloween, 
Um, that's escaping fate is being discussed in class in that first film. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So I, I thought the trailer was really good. I'm going to give it a high taste of it as well. Like I'm, I'm really hopeful for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, God, it's just like when the, the 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 scene that intrigues me is just fucking uh, the scene with all the inmates out in the out in the yard tied up to yeah. the chains. Like I can't get that out of my head. And Michael Myers back turned to us. I'm just like, oh my god. And then they show him the mask. I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Who thought that that was a good idea? <laughs> I, I know. Somebody thinks it's oh. a good idea. Hey. <laughs> I that's the scene that, that is the scene that I want to see played out cuz like that got me super fucking pumped. Dan, are, do we see Michael without the mask? Do we see his face? Oh, man. I don't know. I hope not. We don't he need to see that, right? That makes it scary. Pasty. Not a lot. I'm sorry, Jake. I mean, Jake, you see him without the mask in the first one. Not well in the original. Not not really well lit. You know what I'm saying? So I yeah. totally yeah. Gosh, so good. Yeah. yeah, I'm super excited for this. Yeah, I I think I didn't read. I had Tupperware this trailer. I'm super like I can't be more excited for a movie. I don't think. Like these are like the Halloween franchise is kind of like my Star Wars. It's like my favorite movie. So I'm like really pumped. Is this coming? Even, out? even if it's is this and co- even if it's like not. I mean, if it's like not that good, it's like not like we've had bad Halloween movies before. Like it's it'll. I still enjoy the ones in the series, even though they're bad. Some of them, so it'll still be. I'll still really enjoy it. Probably is this uh, is this coming out in October? I didn't see the date. Yes, okay. yeah, October eighteenth, I think. Good, that makes sense. It's yeah. forty years of, of Halloween too. Yeah. This is the fortieth year. Um, nice. Yeah, uh, every year, you know, we we haunt the yard, and even before, well, I, I knew this movie was coming out, but. Um, Lynn and I talked about it because it's four year of, of of Halloween. We're gonna we're gonna Michael Myers theme our our house for uh, for the trick or for the thousands of little bastards that come seeking free candy. You're gonna have to <laughs> you're gonna have to run the gauntlet of Michael Myers, you little fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm one of my favorite years trick or treating. Somebody set up a jack o' lantern and they put like a two way kind of like a, like a walkie-talkie in there and they were talking oh. to the jack-o-lantern and I uh-huh. I remember just me and my friends just having a blast talking to the guy in the in the jack-o-lantern it was a good time uh, oh that's funny he probably got a huge kick out of it too I'm sure I just you know it's uh I just want this I want this to be a great Halloween movie cuz like yeah, I mean, I, there are some of them are great, some of them are just terrible in my opinion. So mm-hmm. it's you know, like like Jake was saying, the first two I really I loved, I loved the fourth one, really loved that film. Um, and then you know, like they they build the stuff. What's it, what's crazy is like like they they start building the stuff, and then they it feels like they kind of like reboot or reimagine, and then like everything from the other previous movie like. They don't follow up on. Like I felt in the fourth one, we were starting to figure out some things about Michael Myers, and I was like, "Oh, this is really some interesting shit." Like this is interesting stuff, mm-hmm. and like the next movie had nothing to do with that. I'm just like, "Why take a step? Yeah. Why take a step back?" Like yeah, after kind of after four, they kind of yeah. lose like lose their thing. I really liked H two O. Oh, I hated it. Oh, the reality <laughs> TV one. I can't stand it either. No, no, no. That's, oh, that's uh, the other one. H two O is with Jamie Lee Curtis. That was her return. Yeah, like the private school. I I like that one. 
Oh, I couldn't stand that one. Was that was that LL Cool J in that one too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I, that one was terrible. <laughs> I saw four in a ghetto theater. I was on a date. We went to the ghetto theater, and I did not know that. Well, let's just say that my audience was talking to the characters on the screen during the movie. It was quite entertaining. Don't go in the house. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't dead. He ain't dead. Oh my god! It was just—it was really funny. Uh, so I—I uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Let's move on to the next story. Um, Todd McFarlane. This week, he talked to ComicBook.com and confirmed that the Spawn film will not be an origin story. It's not going to be an origin story, Jake. <clears throat> he said. I can't do it. I can't do it. I've seen too many movies that spend way too much time for the setup. And then he went on to explain, and he used Wolverine as an example. He said, why do you think Wolverine was so popular? Because we didn't know who he was for so long, for a long, long time. And that's what made him cool. And you can argue that he became a little less cool once you actually gave the origin away, right? So I sort of liked him when he was the like a mystery. So, is this good news? What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, the thing about Wolverine is that it's like you don't really need the story. Like, it's not that complicated. You're not dealing with a guy that died and got fucked on a contract with Satan that now has, you know, supernatural powers. Like, I, you don't, you don't really have to count on anyone being confused with a character like Wolverine, right? He just shows up and he's fucking smoking a cigar and he kicks ass. Yeah, but so you I, gotta imagine, come on, think about, think about when you were a kid and we didn't know shit about Wolverine. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I had the conversations with my friends about like, where did this guy come from? He's got the dog tags that say Logan. Like, who is he? Who's this guy? What's his past? He, he can't remember anything. I can't tell you how many times I always wondered about Wolverine. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, Brian. But the big difference is here is even if the movie neglects to tell us the inform, it's not like it's mystery information. Like, yes, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think that Todd's wanting to go into this though without, without having. Yeah, you're. It's it's kind of a different thing that he's kind of setting up here. I think he's trying to liken it to Wolverine, but like, yeah, if you want those stories, you can fucking just read of them read them in the comics yeah if he or if he wants it to be more like wolverine he needs to completely reboot it and yeah. not have it be al simmons yeah so we do have questions we don't know all the details we can't just ask our comic book nerd friend to tell us the stuff then why the fuck is he getting us. jamie fox to play this part and when he's saying that he's going to be a dialogue free character in interviews back in january but then in another interview that i'm reading he's saying that the only guy that can pull off these certain performances in his head when he was writing this fucking movie was jamie fox yeah it makes no fuck having jamie fox in a dialogue free movie to me is just about as dumb as having Ryan Reynolds be a dialogue-free Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, it's very weird. Because if he's just going to be Spawn the whole time, then do you even... You could just have fucking anybody do that role. What, Jamie Foxx's mannerisms are exactly the mannerisms I imagined in this full fucking bodysuit? He said... Get the fuck out of here he with said that. When he wrote the script, he had Jamie Foxx in mind, and that he felt like Jamie Foxx was the only guy that could pull off this performance. But then again, in in interviews back in January, he said Spawn will not say a fucking word. And now he's telling us it's not going to be an origin story. Well, if you're going to show us Al Simmons 
It sure as fuck is going to be an origin story. I, 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 but we don't know that now. I, I, it, it, everything's wonky and weird. Like, I don't even know if this is going to be a fucking coherent film. Like, I, yeah. I think he's just blending his terminology a bit. I think at the end of the day, spots of an origin story will be in this movie. I, and I can't speak for fucking P.T. Barnum. I mean Todd McFarlane, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, I kind of feel like spots of the origin story will be dotted in here. I like how you likened him to a carnival barker. That was <laughs> <laughs> a sucker born every minute. See, I, that's I, always the kind of the sensation I've gotten from Todd McFarlane, though. Honestly, like okay, like I love Todd, and like me, if, me too. If he was here right now, I would probably like kiss his ass but like if we were on the same level as like peers i'd be like todd what the fuck are you doing (laughs) (laughs) one minute you tell us it's thought about jimmy fox every second the next it's a non-speaking role like what the what the fuck todd todd have you been what are you are you on ambien what's going on buddy (laughs) (laughs) is he making most of these decisions on his own I, you've got to think to yourself that that I, I know Jason Blum's involved. This is Blumhouse. You got to think that they have to have with him not being a director. Like he's going to have you know second unit directors that have you know been involved in some other Blumhouse projects, kind of like helping him along in this. Because like it, it's 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 one thing to write a comic book. It's another thing to write a screenplay and direct a movie. It's it's a completely Correct. different animal. Man, I don't know if Todd's ego will be able to allow him. Hopefully, he's going to talk to his buddies and get some help. But, I mean, this guy fucking started other companies without any experience in them. I mean, his yeah. ego may have him believing he can fucking direct yeah. a movie without any help, too. Jake, I hope he hits it out of the ballpark. And I hope we have a great director on our hands here. Because you never know. Like, if anybody would have told me, like, you know, 15 years ago that uh, Ben Affleck would be, like, a fantastic director, I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then they showed <laughs> me Argo. I'd be like, this is amazing. This is fucking amazing. I can't believe this came from Ben Affleck. And um, get, get out of the bat suit and direct some more movies like uh, same thing like Jordan Peele, John Krasinski, you know, some of these guys that we don't know that they that they have like this crazy vision from behind the camera. Like Todd has to prove that to me. And I think yeah. it's like right now it's a safe bet because Blumhouse isn't really concerned like this movie is going to make it it's going to make its money back. Like Blumhouse, I feel like they're doing their first comic book movie and this is kind of make it or break it for Blumhouse. Like we might not ever see them like attempt another comic book movie slash. If this works, Jake, there are so many kind of, there's there so many horror mini series comic books that are out there. So many. There's yeah. so, like Colin Bunn is doing horror comic books. Um, there's a comic book that I, a horror comic book that I love called Colder. There's a bunch of them that are out there. And I feel like if this one kind of like takes off, it could open up the floodgates for a bunch of like comic book to film adaptations that are in the horror genre. I'm just fascinated by the idea that McFarlane's directing this. I can't stop thinking about it. it it's so crazy. Like, my yeah. best, I like he cares about my advice, but my best advice is to get a fucking hell of a good cinematographer, Todd. Yeah. Because that's what you need. That'll take a lot of the pressure off, and you can just concentrate on what you're good at, which is the story and the characters, and have someone else worry about the framing of it all. It's one of those and things, I think, like, 
can't you see it'll be a good movie can't you see like this jake like being like one of those projects where like blumhouse is like you guys have spent how much time and money on this scene and you're only this far into the movie it just feels like or maybe I, I don't know this though. Like maybe Todd is going to be just like an efficient, amazing director. Like we, I don't know. It's it's just so weird. We, we, it is weird. Like you listed all those people that were like were surprised, but man, even the even that list, man. The one thing all those people have that Todd doesn't have is they've at least been in a movie or a TV yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking weird, man. <laughs> it's fucking weird. It'll be, it'll be interesting. And maybe it's a like a, a fucking poltergeist, like. Toby Hooper situation where Todd's just a face and like actually some competent director is making this the whole time. Spielberg, exactly. <laughs> yes, Spielberg spawn. We'll find out. You'll find out years later that Spielberg was doing this movie. Yeah, because uh, McFarlane's going to knock it out of the park, but yet he'll never make another movie. That's good. God damn it! I hope it succeeds because I love you, Todd. You're fucking amazing. And, uh, I hope it's a fantastic, I really do hope it's fucking good. We need a good Spawn movie. And I want this to, I want this to set off other great things from Blumhouse, like, especially in the comic book genre. Cause like, uh, the comic book horror genre. There's some great horror comic books out there, and I'd like to see a lot of them adapted. Um. You know what? If Todd knocks this out of the park, I say you put him on the crow. Oh God! You know who I want to see? We talked about we talked about Lee Winnell, Lee Winnell from uh, the director from Upgrade. He'd be the guy to do it. Like if you want if you want to see if you want to see a crow movie that might be worth anything, Lee Winnell from uh, Upgrade might be the guy to do it. That's 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 the only guy I could see directing it. But if I was him and they offered it to him, I'd say yes. Yeah, that's a big profile move for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Deadline is reporting that Doug Lyman could give us a uh, Cannonball Run reboot. Did you guys hear about this? Mm, no, that could be fun with a good cast. Uh, we are hearing that the uh, Edge of Tomorrow director Doug Lyman is in early talks to take over the directing reins of Warner Brothers' reboot, The Cannonball Run, the 1980s action comedy franchise made popular by star Burt Reynolds and director Hal Needham. Cannonball Run and 2 were directed by Needham and feature an all-star uh, ensembles with 80 stars like uh, Reynolds, Farrah Fawcett, Roger Moore, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., and Dom DeLuise. They played roles in the reenactment of an illegal cross-country race where the participants were not above playing dirty tricks on one another. I love the original Cannonball Run movie. And, um, yeah, Doug uh, Lyman. This movie could make huge. The more I think about it, this movie could be big business. Like, look at how much money Fast and the Furious makes. And if you, like, triple the star power yeah. and have awesome yeah. car sequences, this is a recipe for money. Well, let me let me, let me throw this out there. Jake, um, I want to get everybody's thoughts on this. But, like, Jake, like, what if they cast, like, in, in Burt Reynolds' role, what if they cast Robert Downey Jr.? Oh, yeah, that, that's huge. That'd be huge. Okay. And what about, what about I love it. Dom DeLuise, you know? R.I.P. Dom DeLuise. I loved him. I thought he was great. Mm. Such a such a funny guy. Very like the perfect word for Dom DeLuise is jovial. <laughs> like he's just he was just a, just a fun guy. But Mel Rodriguez from The Last Man on Earth. Um, he was also in the new Overboard movie. I don't know if anybody on the podcast is familiar with Mel Rodriguez. He's done some other stuff, but like I think that Mel Rodriguez would be the perfect. Um, guy to fill in those shoes, but um, Scott, what do you think? Doug Lyman, Cannibal Run. Yeah, if done right, it'd, it'd be good. I mean, my my gut reaction was, uh, I, I I don't want it because 
you know, that movie's got a special place for me. And uh, but now that Jake was bringing it up, I, I think I think it could work. I mean, you just we've got a lot of comedic uh, star power. If they could throw them all together and have them do goofy stuff, I, I, it has the potential of being a really good movie. It also has the potential of being a, a really hot mess. Yes. Um, so we'd have to be really really careful about that. Yeah. But um, no, I'm I'm for it. We've got to learn from past mistakes in some of these reboots. We've got to learn from the past mistakes of Dukes and Hazard. We've got to learn from the past mistakes of Starsky and Hutch. I mean, we, we've we got to learn from those mistakes. Hey, Hunter, Dan Hunter, have, have you ever watched Cannonball Run? Yeah. No, I've never heard of it, actually. I just looked it up. It looks pretty funny, though. Yeah. It's really, it's really good. Yeah, yeah I think wh- if... Uh, yeah, it looks like a good movie to remake. Like, it looks like we could, like, up, like get, like, some modern, like funny people in there because there's ton there's a ton of like really good like comedic actors we could put in there so it looks it's, yeah it's like a cr- it's a cr- potential cross-country do. race pulling pranks on each other like if you make the jokes good if you make the dialogue good if you make the pranks fun you can make a really good movie here so it doesn't have to be beat for beat yeah. for the original film but if you give it some some of its own you know flair and originality and and um you know this this could be it could be good, and it's Doug Lyman. If they told me like Mick G was going to be directing this, I'd say, <laughs> <laughs> I'd say fuck you. But I mean, you're saying that you know it's Doug Lyman, so I'm like, okay, this guy might give us something worth it. Well, I mean, I guess it really comes down to casting too. You know, I mean, you know, they tell me you know they got Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. You know, I, yeah, I'm kind of in, but if. Yeah. If, you know, if we start getting names like, I don't know, they, oh, uh, fucking, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think. I, I don't want to, <laughs> Who are you going to shit on? <laughs> I was going to, I was going to say Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, it, it's, it, I know we've got our, you know, uh, Sons of Anarchy fans out there, but I feel like, you know, who the, nobody's sitting around saying, man, I really want a King Arthur story with Charlie Hunnam. Like, nobody's fucking saying that, and yet we got it. <laughs> and so nobody's wanting to see a cannonball run with Charlie Hunnam. Like, you know, Charlie Hunnam has his place, okay? It's not in a cannonball. You, you want somebody with some fucking charm and charisma. You want somebody to do justice. You want fucking Robert Downey Jr. in that role. You don't. Yeah, you want to blow this thing up with yes. star power. To me, yes. that's the only way you work. Get fucking Denzel and that motherfucker. Yes. Fucking blow blow that <laughs> shit up. Yes. You want uh, <laughs> Donald awesome. Donald Glover. You want Donald Glover in this fucking movie, right? I mean, his stock oh, yeah, is that would be amazing. His stock is so fucking high right now. Speaking of Donald Glover, let's move on to our next story here. Warner Brothers wants to reboot Willy Wonka with an origin story of the character with Paul King, the director of Paddington taking on the project with Simon Rich uh, from FXX's TV series Man Seeking Woman. Um, that show, I don't know, he's writing. They want him to write. Have, did anybody watch Man Seeking Woman? That was, uh, it starred Jay Baruchel and Eric Andre. Did you guys, any of you watch it? No, no, I did not see no, it. No, I did not. This show is, Dan, did you ever see it? No. It's fucking brilliant. It went three seasons and it was so smart and so good. Like, um, Jay Baruchel's girlfriend dumps him and like the whole world that this takes place in, it takes things literally. It's like a, 
It's like if Drax's world came to life. Like he, when he starts to date someone new, and if he just happen, if he happens to say something like, "Oh, sh- oh, her, sh- you know, she's such a troll," and then like when you finally meet the girl that he's dating, she's a literal fucking troll creature, like in the mythical <laughs> sense of the word. Like everything is taken literally in this show. Um, man seeking woman. It is, it was a genius show and it, it lasted three seasons. And so they're talking about like doing a Willy Wonka kind of origin story. Paul King, the director of Paddington, Paddington one and two kind of blew up Jake. And then like yeah. Simon Rich, I don't know what to think about this because this is fucked up. Like Gene Wilder's performance, I feel like it's untouchable. And I feel like Tim Burton, the Tim Burton, Johnny Depp film kind of like proved that. But like here's the thing. They're throwing out names like Paul King, the director of Paddington, like this very whimsical fucking movie. And then Simon Rich, this guy who's like so fucking creative and gave us the show Man Seeking Woman. Like if you watch this, like it is just brilliant. Like it's it's just it's it's a bizarre fucking movie uh, show to watch. And according to Collider, there's three names on the short list that Warner Brothers is looking at as far as the role of Willy Wonka. Number one, Ezra Miller. Number two, Donald Glover. And then number three, Ryan Gosling. Mm, very interesting. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, To be honest with you, I think I fucking hate this idea. I, I Like the whole fun of the whole Willy Wonka movie is just kind of all of a sudden being thrust into the like complete wackiness of the character and his world. I, I mean, to harken back to the Wolverine conversation, when you start gutting this out and explaining it, I, I feel like that takes away a lot of the magic. And it's honestly a story I don't really need. Um, mm-hmm. Can I eat crow and be wrong? And it ends up being a fun, good movie potentially. But I mean, on paper, I, I want all three of those guys to do something else and not waste their time on this. Uh, great point, man. That's really good. Um, yeah, Scott, what do you think, man? I'm with Jake. I, I it's it's a story that I don't want, and it's a story that I don't think we need. I, the thing that I love about Willy Wonka is he is eclectic and he's a mystery, and I, I I don't I don't need any more of that. I already have two Willy Wonka movies. I I really don't need another one. Mm. I really would love to see something new. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, Dan, what are you thinking, man? Are you are you a Willy Wonka guy? Have you seen the Gene Wilder uh, Gene Wilder mm-hmm. film? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that one. And yeah, I, I don't. I honestly, I'd rather just see like that same story again. Like, if I don't really want to see like a prequel or anything. Like, if they're gonna do this, just I think tell this. Like, not, I don't even know if I want this either. But like, just tell the story, like the same one. Because I do like the idea of Donald Glover as uh, Willy Wonka, but. Other than that, like, I don't know. I don't really think we need this. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of the things. Like, it, the article that I read from Collider makes it sound like Ryan Gosling would be the shoe-in here. It's Warner Brothers, and the studio has coveted mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling for years. They've worked on him with Blade Runner 2049, Crazy Stupid Love, The Nice Guys, uh, Gangster Squad. They, they even picked up his um, art house directorial debut, Lost River, just to be in business with him. So it feels like hmm. the short list gets a little bit shorter when you think about Warner Brothers history with Ryan Gosling. And it's not like, I mean, look at the performance of Ryan Gosling and the nice guys. It, I mean, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of that movie, but it did show that Ryan Gosling has more range. Like, like if you watch drive, 
to the nice guys, like that's crazy range for Ryan Gosling. Um, Don, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Ryan Gosling is a very a great, like he's a good yeah, actor. Like really, he, he definitely can handle it. I just, like I said, I just don't want to see this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It's one of those things. Like, I feel like, I feel like just like, um, kind of like, uh, you've got movies that are untouchable in my opinion. Okay. Uh, Citizen Kane, um, Casablanca, um, Gone with the Wind. I would even say they've, they've tried. Wizard of Oz needs to be untouchable. And I think we need to throw in Willy Wonka. I mean, you know. Yeah, I agree. I'm with Dan too. I, I think this is a bigger fallacy than just, remaking the movie and not that i want that either but you're like literally stripping away the magic by telling this prequel story oh yeah like how he meets the oompa loompas and how he sets up the factory and all this stuff yeah yeah ronald Dahl wrote a great second book i don't know if many people know it but it's um willy wonka and the great glass elevator and i've never understood why we can't evolve to the next book with this story like why we always just have to remake the first movie like that's a fun book Hmm. Yeah, go for so. it with the story. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's what they should be working. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I loved what you said earlier, Jake. It's like you see the potential with like the the team that they're putting together here. Paul King, Simon Rich, um, one of these actors. Just have them involved in a completely different project where their talents will be better served. Yeah, exactly. And nothing against the group that they've assembled at all, but it just seems like the most needless thing that Hollywood could be doing right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I think Donald Glover could kill in this role too. Like after watching like, you know, season two of Atlanta and like the eccentric character that he plays in that season, if you guys have been watching that show, if some of our listeners have been watching that show, like I think that he would be able to kill the character, but it's, it's one of those things where I would hope that Donald Glover would say, kind of just say, nope. Gene Wilder did it and, and let's just leave it at that. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'll be interested to hear more on this story and if it's going to happen. But, I mean, I, I hope this does not get greenlit. Or if it does, that other people that suck are wasted on it. <laughs> not these, comp, you know, talented people. Yeah. Fucking, uh, I, it, we were talking about Ryan Gosling, and I, I mentioned Drive. And I, I forgot to mention this earlier, but... Um, Another thing that I liked about Hotel Artemis, yeah, here here I am like two fucking hours later telling you another thing. <laughs> Cliff Martinez did the soundtrack for it. And if if you've ever watched Drive and you like the the soundtrack in that Ryan Gosling film, that's all that whole soundtrack is Cliff Martinez. And Cliff Martinez does the soundtrack in Hotel Artemis, and it's an amazing soundtrack. And um Cliff Martinez Everybody's the the first um, the first Matthew McConaughey Lincoln car commercial. (laughs) The music in that commercial is Cliff Martinez. Oh, that's funny. I love Cliff Martinez. I think he's God damn it. I anytime he's involved in a movie, like the movie just gets that much better when he's doing the music for it. So. Yeah, I'm getting ready to Google him and see what his lists are. Oh, you'll love him, Jake. I think you would love him. I think you would love Cliff Martinez. He is, god damn it, he's so good. Like, I watched Drive. <laughs> it's so weird. I watched Drive and I was like, I was like, oh my god, who did the music? And I, Cliff Martinez, and I went down this Cliff Martinez rabbit hole. And then <laughs> that goddamn, goddamn Lincoln car commercial came on. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, this commercial is ridiculous. 
But who did the fucking music for that? I like it. And I found out it was Cliff Martinez. And so when I'm watching the credits roll for uh, Hotel Artemis, it said Cliff Martinez. And I was like, oh, my God, that's why I love the soundtrack. Yeah, everybody. You did Game Night before uh No Hotel shit. Artemis. God yeah. damn it. Cliff Martinez, everybody. Either follow him on Twitter or something. I don't know. Did the music for Far Cry Four? I'm gonna. We're gonna get. We're gonna get a. We're gonna get an iTunes review. Yeah, uh, the host sucked Cliff Martinez's cock for twenty minutes. <laughs> 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 hey, uh, Sh- Scott, how are you doing on time, man? Uh, I can hang in there for a little bit longer. All right, all right, all right. Here we go, uh, Scott. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna. Uh, I got a couple. I got two more news stories here. I'm gonna give you the choice here of which one. All you right. Want. Yeah, or you can stick around for both. It's up to you. But which one do you want to do first? I got I got the uh, Game of Thrones prequel series that's been ordered, or I got the uh, Stranger Things books. We got Stranger Things books coming out. Um, give me a Stranger Things books for one hundred. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you got to call me Alex, man. When you do that, Alex, one hundred yeah. for Alex. You All right. What? Here's your answer. Eleven's mother. Eleven's mother. <laughs> Deadline. Deadline. Who is? I can't fucking remember. I'm too fucking old and tired. Uh, um, what was it? Uh, who is? Who is? Oh my god! I love the the SNL fucking. Uh, it was Sean Connery and uh, Burt the Burt Reynolds. Yes, the, the Norm. Oh, McDonald's. Norm is yes. Burt. Yes, <laughs> and it was a. Uh, it was uh, just a- Connery was always giving shit to Drebeck about his mother and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Insinuating oh, yeah, those sketches are legendary. <laughs> Can you read it, Trebek? Huh? And I lo- I loved it because it wasn't it wasn't it was Will Ferrell just playing the straight man. Like he wasn't like jokey and like I'm wacky fucking uh you know, I'm wacky Will Ferrell. It was like he was playing the straight man and you and you had uh what's his name? You had uh, Norm MacDonald being all wild with like seventies Burt Reynolds. And then, uh, fuck, what's the other guy's name? I can't think of his name, Jake. Oh, Connery. Um, Sean Connery. Yeah, who played Sean Connery? Sean Connery was Will Ferrell, right? No, uh, Trebek was uh, Will Ferrell, Chief. Oh, God, who was Sean it's Connery? The new, it's, oh. the new ho- it's the new uh, voice. It's the new uh, intro guy that they got. Parnell, Chris Parnell. Oh, Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond. Daryl fucking Hammond. Thank you, Jake. <laughs> yeah, fuck. We were playing our own shitty version of Jeopardy right there. Who is Daryl Hammond? <laughs> I know, jeez. <laughs> yeah, the, the way um, they'd always, he'd always read the uh, categories in some perverse way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good shit. Dan Hunter, you're a millennial. You need to get on this shit. You have no idea what we're talking about right now, do you? <laughs> I really don't. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It's just, it, no, it's not his fault. Like, everybody gives millennials shit. It's just like... You were just born during a shitty time. But you know what? You got your youth. You got your youth. You know, just just be young and ignorant. Enjoy it. <laughs> it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, Brian, you've got all this pop culture, like, trivia and, like, knowledge. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die sooner than you. So that's... <laughs> uh-huh. You've got that going for you, Dan. You've got that going for you. You could be like, yeah, but I'm going to outlive you, you old piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about your stupid Saturday Night Live sketch. 
or your fucking Transformers <laughs> Generation 1. But I do know that I'll be fucking listening to your goddamn eulogy, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your youth, Mr. Hunter. I love it. <laughs> anyway, I had a story that I wanted to go over. <laughs> At least we have Scott beat, Brian. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Thanks, oh, thanks guys. <laughs> we love Scott, you're one of my favorite people. You're one of my favorite fucking people on this planet. Okay? All right. But I am. Yeah, gonna, I got a couple spreadsheets there uh, that may prove otherwise. But there you go. But I am gonna outlive you. All right. So, <laughs> there, no. <laughs> all right. I'll take that challenge. Oh. Oh man. Fuck puppy dogs. Uh, deadline. Yeah. Just. Just. What, what do they say? Wet behind the ears. Anyway. Deadline is reporting that uh, Penguin Random House uh, Publishing is joining up with Netflix, and we're going to be getting Stranger Things books. Uh, the first two titles set for release this fall will be behind-the-scenes companion books and a hardcover gift book for young readers. Uh, those two books will f- be followed next spring by a Stranger Things prequel novel written by author Gwenda Bond about Eleven's mother, and the MK Ultra program. Additional titles for both adults and young readers will arrive later in 2019. This fall's companions, uh, companion book will be titled Stranger Things World Turned Upside Down, the official behind the scenes companion. Um, wow, that's a long fucking title. Um, the as yet untitled gift book will offer advice, wisdom, and warnings from the Stranger Things world, says the publisher. So, uh, yeah, uh, this, uh, publisher is cashing in on Stranger Things. And does, I, are you guys interested in this? I mean, like, it, it, it's gonna, it's gonna talk about Eleven's mother and the MK Ultra program. I, for one, to be quite honest with you, um, this kind of like if I can get my hands on this or something, I it might be an interesting read. I I don't know. I, I don't feel like it, it. I don't feel like it has to. Like I would. I, I hope that I would not have to read this to enhance Stranger Things see, season three. I don't want it to, and I don't want it to, to detract from season three. Like I don't want to read this and like love it and say like, oh well, they didn't get into that in season three, and they should have because blah blah blah. I just, it'd be nice to just have like, it'd be just a nice companion story that's kind of like unrelated to the events of season three that doesn't detract from the actual story going on in the show. Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much there with you, kind of. I, I'm very fascinated as to how much involvement the Duffer brothers will actually have. Will they read this and get the thumbs up or thumbs down? Are main story ideas being given by them? Yeah. Like, because if that's not the case, like it's it'll be one of those situations where here's this prequel book that in season three the Duffer Brothers have already contradicted and yeah. Made pointless. Yeah, yeah. Are we gonna, go ahead, go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, are we going to have another example of the extended universe? Right, so we get a Stranger Things extended universe, but it's not canon. It was just nice stories you read back in the day. Yeah, I don't know. I, it, it, yeah, it's it's interesting because like I. I, I, I would love to read more Stranger Things stories. I think there are some great stories that can be told in this world. I just don't want to like read this story, go into the actual season three and then be let down by like them not living or, or it directly tying into it and then detracting from what he, from what I read. 
Yeah. I think this reeks of impatience and money grubbing a little bit too because like by mm. the nature of things yeah. stranger things can't go on forever right yes. like the kids are going to grow old it, it's not like what six seasons max with the same cast and then it's over can oh, you God. wait yeah. fu- can you wait fucking four more years and then when you can't show me more of the kids on tv at least i can read about them the way they were in the novels like yeah. do we have to do this right fucking now why can't i just go to target buy the stranger things lunchbox the the t-shirt and the stranger <laughs> things monopoly game and call it a goddamn day i do i have to do you have to introduce more stories now just finish the fucking series right yeah that's kind of the way i feel about it especially like in this scenario like i'm saying where you obviously can't go forever so just hold your fucking horses. We're going to want more stories with these kids yeah. at a time when we're, we can't physically have them anymore. Yeah. Save them for then. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my God. Dustin's going to get fucking ugly, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They need to wrap this shit up. <laughs> no, like, like, like Dustin, like cute kid missing front tooth. Uh, the front two teeth are gone. Like a cute little kid, right? Like this kid, like once his fucking like once his voice goes deeper and his balls drop, he's gonna be fucking ugly, right? Uh, you never fucking know. Look at like Neville from the Harry Potter movies. Oh my god, what a! Oh my god, holy shit! You're absolutely right, Jake. I never even thought about that. <laughs> you know, I mean, he looked just terrible too in holy Harry Potter. Holy fuck! One. Yeah, he's like, he's like the hottest cast member now. It could be uh, it could be the wolf hard kid that gets uh, he might get wolfed hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I feel terrible for laughing that hard at that. Oh, I, I never even thought about that, man. Dustin might be a fucking Dustin might be a stud by the end of this fucking thing for all we know. You know yeah, what Dustin's I mean? Dustin's the fucking ugly duckling in the group. He'll be oh he'll gosh. be the only swan by the end. I of it. never would have imagined that Dustin would be the panty dropper in the series, but like he's <laughs> he's competing with Steve for tail. Like these guys are you know what I mean? Like it's crazy. It's crazy. It's nuts, Jake. You you blew my goddamn mind here. I never thought. I never thought in a million years you could be right. He could be the Neville Longbottom. That kid. That kid uh, just turned into a. Uh, that kid just turned into like one of these. Uh, he's just like a good-looking model type. You know, Calvin Klein kid, right? I mean, yeah. Even by the end of the Harry Potter movies, he, he already kind of blew the character by the way he looked. Yeah. Fucking. Oh my god. Blowing my goddamn mind. Dustin, Jesus Christ, kid. You could, I don't know, Ugly Duckling might be happening. <laughs> ugly, I was, I thought he'd hit puberty and just turn into a mutant. Just a, <laughs> <laughs> just a, just look like a goddamn mutant. And you're saying, like, he, half full he, might, the guy. he might hit puberty and turn into, like, fucking Patrick Swayze. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of boys, though, when they do hit puberty, puberty, they that's what happens. They just kind of grow spurt, and you know, I was short and pudgy and and cute and round when I was, you know, eleven, and now I'm fourteen, and then pow, he's playing basketball, oh, God, and all yeah. the ladies can't keep their hands off him. Testosterone just coursing through their body. Just, yeah, just. I, I mean, I've seen it happen. My cousin was that way, Ed, and he was just a roly poly kid. And I saw him last summer. I'm like, holy shit, what the hell happened to you? And you know, uh, the kid from uh, St- puberty, boom. The kid from Stand by Me, uh, Jerry O'Connell. Oh, that's another good point. Yeah, like uh, he's like, hey, I'm the chubby kid. I'm the chubby kid. Now I'm fucking Rebecca Romaine, right? Didn't that happen? <laughs> Was he? Was yeah. he? The, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, remember that fucking fat kid on the tracks? Yeah, he's got his dick in Rebecca Romaine. 
And he was the he was the uh, evil cam uh, webcam girl guy in uh, Piranha. Remember? I do remember. <laughs> do you Wet remember T-shirt contest? <laughs> Guys, do you remember the Do you remember the superhero kid show that he was on? Uh, my secret identity. Oh my god, I loved that show when I was a kid. Did they ever end that show? Did we get a, we didn't get a proper ending. For the that ending show. for it that show kind of it ends with his dick and Rebecca Romaine. <laughs> well, I got to rewatch that then. Yeah, shockingly, that's how Joe's apartment ends too. Oh, Joe's apartment! That was the that was the first MTV movie. <laughs> yeah, they do it right in the bed of cockroaches. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> Scott, how you doing on time there, Chief? Let's finish out the news, and then I'm gonna then I'm gonna need to like crawl my way to bed. All right, buddy. All right, all right. HBO. Hey, are you a Game of Thrones guy? I love Game of Thrones. Nice. So we're going to talk about HBO has officially ordered a Game of Thrones prequel series. Uh, HBO released an official synopsis for the series. Quote, taking place thousands of years before the events of Game of Thrones, the series chronicles the world's descent from the golden age of heroes into its darkest hour. And the only thing is for sure from the horrifying secrets of Westeros' history to the true origin of the White Walkers, the mysteries of the East to the Stark of legend. It's not the story we think we know. That tagline there, it's not the story we think we know. So, um... I don't Is know about the story that we even sort of kind of want. Well, well, hold on. Hold I'm not on. sure. Hold on. <laughs> what I like about this is the fact that it actually takes place thousands of years before everything we do know. So, like, you can say, like, well, you know, we know what happens in the future. Like, you know, by the time this is completed, we we will know what happens, you know, in season eight of Game of Thrones. We'll see, you know, the characters like who survives, the demise of certain characters, we'll see what happens in this world. Um but if this happens thousands of years before, like if they're going to make this a character story, if like we're introduced to all new characters, we are not going to know who lives and who dies in this world if it's taking place thousands of years before these events. So that's what I I think that's what it kind of has going for it. Yeah, that part's smart. I wish they wouldn't advertise things like find out the origins of the White Walkers. Like, I feel like, again, they're being a little bit greedy and pulling the gun too early. Like, let me be a little bit more skeptical about what we're getting ready to see in this final season of Game of Thrones. Because I kind of thought maybe we'd get that there. Because, like, the main show hasn't been against giving us flashbacks all over the fucking place either this last season. Didn't they give us kind of like a little bit of the story of the White Walkers with inside the – I'm trying to remember. like With the children and all that stuff? Well, inside the cave. Like, weren't there, yeah. yeah, like, there were, you know, like, uh, cave drawings and stuff like that. Like, if that's what I'm getting into this, if that's what they're going to give us in this new show, like, I don't care to see, like, all that played out. Like, I, I just want to, I want to see new characters in this world and, like, whatever they're going to have to, like, encounter, I want to see, like, how they have to deal with it. It'd be cool to see, like, an Age of Dragons, too, because, like, one of the things going on in, like, the current show, right, is, like, dragons are basically legend where the mm-hmm. first episode starts and i feel like if we go back a thousand years there's just dragons flying all over the fucking place right yeah 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 i want to talk i want to talk about that and how that like fits into the budget of this thing too jake because all right that's, but, that's but, interesting but let me talk about um 
the showrunner. Jane Goldman is going to serve as the showrunner for the series. Um, she's been a producer on two Mark Miller films, Kick-Ass and Kingsman, The Secret Service. Uh, she was also a writer for Stardust. Uh, she's worked on films with adapted scripts for the supernatural horror thriller The Woman in Black and young adult fantasy adventure Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Um, so we have Jane Goldman. Uh, she's going to be our showrunner for the series. Not too familiar with her and like her, um, a lot of her work there. I know she worked on the Kick-Ass and Kingsman films. Um, Stardust I thought was okay. I liked it more than most people. I'd probably give it a, lo- uh, a taste it, excuse me. It's not amazing, but it's not terrible in my opinion. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think that she is kind of like, She's gonna bring something different from like, from what I'm seeing here, like your kick-ass Kingsman, you know, Miss Peregrine's Home from Peculiar Children, like this is not like, you know, what, this is, I would not like say like, oh yeah, like you do those movies instantly, we're gonna put you on Game of Thrones. So. Yeah, it does seem like a little bit of a, like an interesting pick. Yes. Like this could go really great or this could be like a train wreck. Um, hopefully she loves the world and can really kind of like flesh this out for us. Martin's heavily involved too though, right? I don't know. I didn't know. Oh, I thought anything. I read that he was like basically co-homing it with, um, Jane. Okay. I hadn't read that story, um, in, because everything that I I read it off of the HBO website. Did you get that from the HBO website? Because I didn't see. It. No, I, I'm looking into it. Okay, because like I, I everything that I read was like the source was HBO itself. Dan, are you are you a Game of Thrones guy? Uh, no, I'm not. I plan on watching it eventually, but yeah, yeah it's definitely something guys. I would highly recommend, man. Because like I know you're into horror and stuff like that. I know mm-hmm. you're into other stuff too, but like. I'd definitely say, like, with the White Walker element, like, it does add a little bit of kind of, like, that horror element to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just I just need to, like, find, like, a time to do it all. See, Jake, here's the thing. Let me... Uh, with... When Game of Thrones first started, like, it had a modest budget, but the budget really didn't blow up until the show was actually proven, okay? So, like... Yeah, and the story kind of lent itself to that, too. Now... With this first season of this show and like Game of Thrones kind of being like the monster it is on HBO, you got to think that they're going to be throwing a shit ton of money into this from the get go, right? I and I oh yeah, one sentence the, the golden age of heroes into yeah. its darkest hour. That sentence alone says lots of money. Yeah, but doesn't that sound like this could also be to its detriment too? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, like, kind of what made it special in the yes. first place was them doing like what they had to do with what they had. Yes, exactly. I feel like they have. To, I feel like they have to work a little bit harder when you got that. I don't know, Scott. Yeah, it is interesting. What are you thinking about this, man? Well, I mean, it, listen. So long as we get a conclusion to Game of Thrones and everybody's happy, and we get something that comes out and they give us new characters and. Um, I like Jake's idea, have it in the Age of Dragons, and I would go so far as to say that it maybe even some more magical beasts that um, that we could probably have something that could, uh, you know, at, at least I don't know, put it be be. I, I think I think you can create something that would captivate the audience for for a little while. Um, what's going to drive 
of course their their success for uh for a longer period of time is to make sure they've got a compelling story, which is what Game of Thrones is really all about, right? So that yeah. you've got great characters and a, and a really amazing story. That's that's why I continue to go back to Game of Thrones. Yeah. So <clears throat> let's make sure we're solid on that, that I've got the characters and I've got the right story and I can throw this other shit around it. Um, otherwise, I think you've got a very short-lived cash grab. See the thing, I I know like HBO is taking this very very seriously. They're still they're putting a lot of money into this now, and it's not even come out yet, as far as I know. And I could be wrong, but what I've read and what I've heard is that they've had like you know they were thinking about uh you know they weren't going to green light green light all of them, but they had five different showrunners working on five different possible series. Apparently, it looks like they like Jane Goldman's the best. Whatever pitch she had for this series, they liked it the best so far. Like, and, and I'm not saying that the other series can't be greenlit. I don't think they're going to greenlit all five of them. But you know, we could find out that another HBO Game of Thrones series is greenlit. You know, and, and we yeah. could ha- we could have two two Game of Thrones ser- uh, series going on at the same time. That's not out of the question. We've seen. Walking Dead has Fear the Walking Dead playing like, you know, like, uh, you know, so basically like whatever this series, you know, let's say it's a 10 episode order and then it ends and then like, you know, four to five months later, they, they run the other, you know, a couple of years later, they start up the new series. And now, now, now we've got two Game of Thrones shows coming on on HBO. Um, yeah, I could see that very highly possible, Brian. I mean, because I think this show leads itself to being kind of the open-ended show that can go on for a bunch of seasons. Yes. And the thousand years kind of gives it that. And it still leaves the door open to do the like the Robert Rebellion prequel yes. and that kind of stuff yes. like that I think people are really wanting to see. Well, you can look up – I mean, there's stories out there. You can look up who the other people are that are working on HBO Game of Thrones projects right now. It just happens that Jane Goldman was the first one that they kind of said, yep. We like what she's got. Let's do this. So she's- right, I got a little bit more information here on that, too. Yeah, please. Uh, J- this is from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, Jane Goldman, who's penned Kingsman, X-Men, First Class, and Kick-Ass, wrote the pilot episode for the prequel from a story by both her and George R. R. Martin that they worked on together. Here's everything else we know. There's one more thing I found interesting. Uh, she'll serve as the showrunner, but... Game of Thrones producer Vince Girardi, as well as Damages and Bloodline co-creator Daniel Zellman, will also be involved with the season, with oh, the series. Shit. Nice, nice. So that's a pretty good, some pretty good list of people there. I Absolutely. mean, it's definitely not a bunch of schlocks. Yeah, and this, if it's if it's ordered to series, if they order this series to like, if they order it soon to series, we could get this as soon as 2020. Is what I'm hearing. But we're not going to get it. We're not going to get it. Like, if they order it to series now, we could get this in 2020, a year. HBO president of programming, Casey Bloys, basically confirmed that HBO is not going to launch a Game of Thrones spinoff until at least one year after the original series finishes its run with season eight. So if they if they order it to series now, we could get Game of Thrones colon whatever you know whatever the fuck by 2020. 
And I think that they, yeah. I think they'll want to get the ball rolling on it. I think, I think that they're, they don't want to give it too much time to kind of like, you know, sit around for people not to get excited. And so, and I don't think this is the last of the Game of Thrones series either. I think that, I think there might be, we might live in a world where we have two Game of Thrones series being shown on HBO, you know, within the same year. Like one could end and then like months later we've got another series going. It just depends on like what these, what's being presented to HBO because they have five different people working on five different series right now from what I can remember. It's so crazy. Three different series from a book series that the writer still hasn't finished yet. Yeah. And he's not wow. even working on, he's like working on other things right now. Yeah. And so yeah, sci-fi is doing like one of his fucking books. Oh, really? Like yeah. one of his really old books? Yeah. It's like sci-fi. I, 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 I'd have to look up what the book series is. I think it's sci-fi, but yeah, I think sci-fi is bringing one of his other books to like TV. Yeah. I bet his old pre game of Thrones books are like things that people are looking into to try to just throw his name on it and sure. put it on TV. That's exactly what, cause you know, you know what that first fucking trailer is going to say for that, that show from the, oh, yeah. from the from writer. The of, yeah, exactly. From, from the, the writer, creator, from the creator of game of Thrones. <laughs> so George R. R. Martin's night flyers. Night. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's it. That's night. It's night flyers. Is it going to sci-fi? Uh, I'm, I'm looking right now. Yeah. Sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. A group of eight scientists on a spaceship called the night flyer. The crew is on an expedition, hoping to discover whether they can make contact with alien life, but the plan goes awry when terrifying and violent events start to occur. It isn't that always the way. Well, here's the thing. It's like, okay, so, um, let's cancel the expanse, which people apparently love like Jeff Bezos, like, the CEO of Amazon loved it so much that he fucking brought it back to Amazon. And like, dude, like online, have you like listened to some of the expanse fans and like their reaction to this show and how much they love it? I, 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 somebody asked the question online, like, what should I watch first? Should I watch? Oh, I forget what the choices were. It was like, should I watch the expanse? Or, yeah, it was, should I watch the expanse or Westworld first? Literally, like, I'm not kidding you, 75 f- fucking percent of these people were saying, watch The Expanse, watch The Expanse, watch The Expanse. I'm like, what the fuck? I got to watch this fucking show. <laughs> yeah, over Westworld, watch The Over Expanse. Westworld. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this show, it's, it's, it's got to be incredible. And I, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, like, yeah, I, I don't know what sci-fi's doing. I have no clue what they're doing over there. It's, they made some good moves. Happy was happy was cool. People like that. You know, they're doing this uh, Deadly Class show. It's just based on a recommend, Remender comic, which is great. But who knows if that's going to translate well. So, I don't know. It's weird. I feel like sci-fi, I don't know. Sci-fi is weird. Mm, I just watched the trailer for Night Flyers. It actually looks pretty cool. Really? There's a trailer? Yeah. I didn't even know. The trailer I just watched called it a Netflix exclusive. Scott, we got to send you to bed, old man. Well, 
either that or in 30 minutes I'm going to revert back to a pumpkin. So it's your choice. <laughs> oh man, Pumpkin Scott, man. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, Pumpkin Scott is basically it's it's a classic jack o' lantern. The only difference is is that it's uh it, it's it's smoking a cigar and it's got a spreadsheet. That's like that's it. There's no other Pretty difference. <laughs> There's no other difference. Uh, some inside jokes there, people. There but yeah, All Scott, good. I'm gonna let you get to bed, man. I know you got it. You got it. You're flying out. You're flying out tomorrow. We want. I want. Yeah, to I'm heading to Los yeah. Angeles, so. Uh That'll be fun. I was telling Jake earlier, me and all the hamsters and ducks and pigeons and anything else that people are taken with because they need their emotional support. It's going to be on my airplane for 12 fucking hours tomorrow. Oh, nice. It's going to be great. Nice. Can't wait. Nice. <laughs> it's going to be like a little, little bit of wildlife kingdom going on in the old, the old plane there. Like, Have you flown recently? This is not a joke. I mean, it's not a joke. I haven't, I haven't flown. It's been a couple of years since I've flown. So uh, we got to get you down here, put you in the hot tub, uh, and you can fly with the piggies and the goats and all those other things that are on these fucking jets now. <laughs> what are you flying? Green Acres? What the fuck? Are you flying? <laughs> like what? What? The? No, this is a this is, is a thing. South, is it Southwest? I know. No, a- no, I'm flying Delta. Okay, uh, uh, and I'm being I'm being somewhat facetious, but uh, more and more people are bringing. Um, Oh, dogs and cats. They've got and the uh, other animals with them as emotional support because you can't go anywhere in this world of ours without some emotional support animal. And now, um, emotional support animals have kind of gotten out of, out of control. And uh, on a podcast that I host, um, we've been talking <laughs> a lot about that. But uh, yeah. Yeah, right, you know, right. I'm gonna need my emotional support gerbil. What about uh, can you can you get an emotional support snake? Here's my yes. here's my emotional support cobra. People have emotional support insects, Brian. <laughs> can I bring my emotional insects. support fucking cigarette pack on the plane with me? <laughs> no, not anymore. But when I was a youngin, when I was a youngling, um, you could smoke on airplanes. Oh God, dude! Oh, yeah. I uh, I remember flying on a plane as a child that still had the ashtrays. Yes. I went oh, to my a th- mom lit up like a like a Christmas tree, man. I went to a theater. I remember going to. I remember the theaters that had ashtrays. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I remember. I remember smoking in Hardee's. Remember that, <laughs> oh, Jake? My God. Did you ever do that, Jake? Oh, all the time. All the time. Yeah, smoking Hardee's. We had a family video. It's a video store out here. You used to be able to smoke in those. I used to smoke in the old family videos. <laughs> I used to. I used to smoke while I worked. <laughs> In the grocery store. I ran into one of my teachers in family video, and uh, I'm smoking in family video. And Mr. Bordelotti, he was there. And I'd been out of, I'd been out of high school for a couple of years. He's like, yeah, you're not supposed to be smoking in here. And I, I said, and I loved Mr. Bordelotti. He was fucking amazing. But I pointed out to him, I was like, see that ashtray right there, Mr. Bordelotti? That says I can smoke in here. <laughs> I think he got fired. <laughs> I, it was, I, I think he got fired for giving out answers to quizzes or something to a student. I don't know. I don't know. I don't need, I don't mean to besmirch your name, Mr. Bordelotti. You're a good guy. I enjoyed, I enjoyed your classes. I enjoyed him as a teacher. He's a good guy. Anyway, we gotta get, Scott, we gotta get you to bed. Jesus Christ, this is like C2E2 all over again with Sleepy Time uh-huh. Scott. 
<laughs> I'm gonna be ready next year. I'm gonna be ready next year. We're gonna be. Uh... What are you gonna do? Sleep all day? <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sleep in for sure. For one, and uh, we're gonna get some. We're gonna get some Red Bulls and Jaeger going, baby. That's what we're, that's how we're gonna survive the night, or at I least like till eleven thirty. And then I like I'll it. Have to oh go God, to bed. your heart's gonna explode. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Then you win, right, Brian? You really you said you would outlive me. There you go. My heart explodes. Oh, Boom! I told you. I told Judy. I told you. I get, I told you I'd outlive him. There he is, dead on the floor, just like Spider Man. There it is. I, I, I imagine. I imagine Scott. I imagine you when you go to bed, like you know, putting on like the exfoliating mask, the. uh the little the little nighttime mask that you put on too, so like none of the light comes in, and uh, you've got what do you got? You got you got you, some kind of like Angela Lansbury bullshit playing in the background, like just to to put you asleep. What what you do? Uh, Murder she wrote. Yeah, you got Murder she wrote playing in the background. <laughs> no, I, I take a. I don't have any of that bullshit. I, I take some um, racist infused Ambien, and I'm out. So there we good. Yeah. Oh, wow. 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 Controversial mm-hmm. statements by Scott Shooty. Woo. I love me Ambien. Ambien's, Ambien's getting a bad rap out of, out of this, man. I've been taking Ambien for about a year now. Yeah. It's great. Uh, yeah, it hasn't made me a racist. Well, okay. There's no racism in my Ambien. Ambien does some fucked up shit, though. I'm not saying it makes you a racist, but Ambien does some fucked up shit. Like, my mom was sleepwalking and doing some weird shit on Ambien, man. Uh, my friend, uh, my friend James Page works for. Uh, he's on the he's on the uh, leftover army uh, group, and I got him in there. He works for Coca Cola. He goes and he fills up the vending machines, and he goes and cleans out the the dispensers and all that kind of shit. He can tell you stories that'll make you never want to use them again. But he's like, "Oh God, I'm so tired. I'm I'm so tired. I can't even sleep." So I, I said, "Here, have an Ambien." I gave him an Ambien. This will put you right to sleep. He 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 slept walk and made his and made a fucking sandwich. <laughs> his wife gets up and goes, What are you doing? Yep. He's like, I'm making a sandwich, man. He's yep. making a sandwich and cleaning the dishes at two thirty in the morning. Yep. Had no idea what the fuck he was doing. My mom did the same my <laughs> my mom would kill me if she knew I was telling people this, but my mom would take ambient and like wake up during the middle of the night and she would start she would take like a she had a knife and she would cut like celery and carrots and all this shit like my dad would like go into like the kitchen and my mom is like and she's fucking like uh i don't know man she's fucking like guy fieri over there cutting shit it's like it's fucking weird so my mom had to get off that stuff man it's, it's bad news yeah I, I, it works for me. I usually take about half of it. I don't it. know. But there's no, uh. No, uh, the, I've talked yeah, to you, Scott. I mean. There is no, there's no Angela Lansbury going on. I'm just, telling you that right now. Just, if there was, then it, we would have to discuss that on your other podcast where you talk about those other things. So yeah. Other, what, other podcasts where I talk about other things. Well, you know, when people talk about these strange, you know, their strange fetishes and whatnot. I mean, you know, when I reveal my Angela Lansbury fetish and things like that. Yeah. I haven't started a fetish podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm trying to be funny. I need cast. to go to bed. Never mind. I'm no longer funny. When Brian can't get that I'm being, that I'm trying to be funny, then I think we've gone on too long. So no, I, was, I, was trying to, I was trying to think, like, if I had another podcast, I better record an episode because I'm letting down my audience. 
It's on the Rebecca Daling Podcast Network. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna let Scott go to bed and uh, find his humor again, and then we will be, we will be, we will be right back. Good right. luck, Scott. Check check the spreadsheets. <laughs> Greetings, leftover army. Pop culture leftovers is the people's podcast. They're always looking for new writers and YouTube reviewers to join the team because they themselves aren't talented enough to write them. In all honesty, they're not even sure Frank can read, but their listeners can. So send your reviews to popcultureleftovers at gmail.com, and if the leftovers like it, they'll contact you, and you could see your article featured on popcultureleftovers.com. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Leftover Army. You should follow the leftovers on Instagram at instagram.com slash popcultureleftovers. And on Tumblr at popcultureleftovers2.tumblr.com. If you get a few shots of vodka in you, it's almost as sexy as my voice. That's gangster. All right. Hey, we are back. All right. Scott going to bed early. You know, Scott reminds me of the, uh, of a guy when, uh, when you were growing up and you had sleepovers with your friends, like the first guy that passed out and you draw a dick on his face when he's sleeping. I agree. I agree. If he was close, if he was closer, I would bring my sharpie right over. <laughs> Literally, like right now, Scott's got like a like a hairy dick on his face. So, uh, you think Linda? You think Linda does that after he passes out? <laughs> I think it's a regular occurrence. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'll be in again. Lynn, Lynn has a sharpie at the ready right now. <laughs> Scott's like, Scott, Scott shows up at fucking the airport with a dick on his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the funny man. thing is, it matches with his passport. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Why do I always get stopped by security? Why do I always have to go through these checks? <laughs> it's like, uh, the attention to detail. He's got like a mole on it, too. It's like, uh, now, does anybody have a mole on their scrotum? Like, is that a thing? Has that ever happened? Do people have moles on their scrotums? I, I don't. I mean, it's skin. Oh, God. Ugh. Ew. Yeah, I might have a little one, I think. What? <laughs> a little mole? I don't know. I love the way Dad said that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it was like the most low-key thing he said the whole podcast. <laughs> I, I need to do some research on moles on scrotes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Be careful Googling that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, fun, fun afternoon. <laughs> Dan's making a whole afternoon out of it. Listen to you. <laughs> make some lemonade and bite some food. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I can't make episode three hundred. <laughs> guys, I went I, stuff going on. I went down a I went down a mole rabbit hole, guys. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to miss it. Scott actually is gonna miss his flight tomorrow. Looking up this shit. <laughs> Yeah, do do him a favor and don't publish this until after his flight starts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, Brian, I missed my flight. Fuck. I was just looking at. I was looking at down mold. the scrotum hole rabbit hole yet again. 
Uh, my my browser history is insane. Um, yeah, the uh, let's jump into some uh, Marvel news. Marvel news. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse trailer was released. What'd you think? Fuck, I did not see that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Dan. Dan, what did you think? Did you watch it? I Yes, I love that. I can't wait. Man, it looks fantastic. It really does. It really does. I was kind of blown away that they gave us the reveal of Spider-Gwen at the the end of that trailer. Yeah. Mm, Sells tickets, huh? It sells tickets, and I also feel like it opens up the doors for other Spider-Men to be introduced. Not only Peter Parker, which is voiced by New Girl's Jake Johnson, and he sounds great. I did not know that until I watched the trailer. I was like, who the fuck is voicing Peter Parker? And it's Jake Johnson from New Girl. And uh, he was in uh, Jurassic World. I'm trying to think of anything else that he was in that people might remember him from. He was in that cop movie, right? Let's be cops. Let's be cops with uh, Damon Wayans <laughs> Jr. Yeah, dude, I, I love this trailer. Like the animation looks fluid and fun. Um, the uh, Miles Morales just looks like a, he, it just looks like it's going to be a great movie. It, it really does. Um, I, I can't. I, I Tupperware the fuck out of this trailer. This looks like Phil Lord and Chris Miller are, are the guys behind this and. This just looks like it, it's going to be a great movie. Comes out at the end of this year. I think it's another December release. So, yeah, man, a lot of cool stuff going on in this trailer. How they're like cutting from the fluid animation to like really quick flashes of like comic book pages and stuff. That's yeah. a really neat, unique trick. Yeah, this look, it looks really good. And so, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to this uh, Spider-Man into the is it, is it into the Spider Verse? Is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. yeah. So, yeah. I, I, Christmas 2018. Christmas 2018. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Cloak and Dagger came out on Freeform. And, uh, me and Jake, we kind of, th- we, we, we didn't like give our opinions on it yet. Uh, but we talked about it in text. They dropped two episodes on us. Yeah, I actually, my DVR messed up because it was full and I didn't realize it. So I went to the Hulu and watched it and then didn't realize there was two episodes and yeah. just, X'd out and went on to do my next thing and then was talking to a coworker and they were like, so what'd you think? And they started describing shit I'd never fucking seen. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dan, did you... I was like, oh. Did you watch Cloak and Dagger? No, I didn't. Ah, yeah, I should have I told you. That's my fault. That's that's my I'm not going to blame you. That's my fault. Okay. I should have said. I should have told you that we were watching. I told you we were watching Impulse and you didn't watch that either. So it's like, what's the fucking point? <laughs> Well, maybe I would have watched this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Cloak and Dagger. Uh, it's on free form, but you can also watch it on Hulu, which is pretty cool. So if you have a Hulu subscription, check it out there. Uh, Jake, what would you think about Cloak and Dagger on free form? Uh, you know what? Going into this, I had like little to zero interest in, in this project. I mean, I 
mean, not that I wish ill, Ill will upon it, but I don't know. It just, they've never been my favorite characters and it was just, you know, ABC family now freeform superhero show. I just didn't really have high expectations, but was actually really pleasantly surprised. Um, I only watched the first hour, but I'm going to give it a high taste it. I thought it was really good. I was a little bit taken aback by kind of how adult it was for the mm. station that it's aired on. And I thought the drama hit me really well, man. Like the, the first 15 minutes of it really kind of suckered me in. And I really fell in love with both main characters and kind of the situation they were put in. I was pleasantly surprised. I, I will definitely be watching more of this. Yeah. And I can't believe that. Yeah, it's a departure from the comics. It really is. It's a departure from the comics. They they, they took some liberties here. I kind of understand because the comics, I don't know. It's weird, man. It's weird. Like in the comic, okay, they did change. They changed the, when the characters first meet in the comics, it was actually Cloak that stole Dagger's purse, not Dagger that stole Cloak's wallet. That's kind of a small change, but that's that's one of the changes. But in the original source material, back from the comics from 1982 when they first premiered, they get their superpowers. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong here, but they got their superpowers from, like, I think it was it was drugs. I know it was drugs, but I'm thinking, like, they actually made it like a – like heroin. Like, they, they were given this experimental heroin – I could be yeah. wrong here, but it was a drug. I know it was a drug. It was an experimental drug, like an addictive drug, like heroin. Yeah, because Cloak was all fucked up from it in the comic. I remember that too. Yes. And so like – and this, of course, like these stories came out when it was like, you know, the big thing was like the war on drugs, like the the whole Nancy Reagan, you know, thing. And that was really big, you know, back then and – so, like Marvel Comics, they had these writers do this story about these characters that get their power from drugs. And, like, so Dagger had the power to create these white daggers that she could use to, like, fight people. But she could also use her powers to heal people. And she would actually heal people from addiction, like drug addiction. She could do that. And then, like, Cloak, he could absorb villains or criminals into this like darkness that he like puts off. But on the flip side, like back to the drug addiction, like he had to touch dagger. They had to like have physical contact in order for him to like satiate his hunger of this darkness, this darkness feeding that he had. So they had to touch like they took the drugs out of this. But they still had to like touch each other in this to activate their powers. Yeah, that was interesting, and it's it's a, it's an odd decision to do it the way they did it, since they they kind of didn't shy away from drug use in the show, so that that doesn't seem to be the issue. Yeah. So it it, it is weird, like they already have kind of made Dagger an addict in the show. So it wouldn't be too far fetched for them kind of be to be a little bit more faithful, but that didn't really bother me. Me either. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like that's where that's where this version differentiates from the original comics version. Other and as far as flipping the role reversal on who steals the purse or who steals the wallet, I mm-hmm. think that's a really smart choice. I think that's kind of one of those things that looks a little bit kind of dated with history and, yeah. and 70s Marvel when you yeah. have, you know, 
the African American character is the thief character, right? And I, I think it's a good reversal for the modern take of it. Yeah, yeah, and I, if, and it's, oh man, and just the way like when they can touch people, she can see like the good in them, and then like he can see kind of like the evil side, but it. She needs to see the good and like he needs he and when he saw like the 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 dark depressing side of like his mother's thoughts he, sorry my cat's being a dick um but when he saw like the dark depressing thoughts that his mother was having he needed that in that moment yeah i th- i thought the scene um with him and his mom was a really powerful scene and was kind of really blown away by that like the mom was just concerned you know yeah I like, and you could tell he was a good dude in that scene yeah. too. I thought that scene really said a lot about him as a character. Yeah, you basically a cloak. They, you know, it sets up that like from his childhood that uh, he had an older brother who kind of was like, in you know, they're good kids, but they got he, he got involved with like the wrong crowd, and you know, um, they wanted him to pull off kind of like a crime, and he didn't really want to do it. But the younger brother. Um, what was his name? Tyrone? Yes. Tyrone, this kid is pretty fearless. And you could see him kind of, he very fearless, like to where like he pulled, he, like he was the one who broke into that car and told stole this stereo system. And it leads him down this path of like them getting chased by the police after, after, after his theft. And it ends up with his brother dying, being shot and killed because of an explosion that goes off and the police react and shoot his brother and kill his brother. Tyrone dives into the water where his brother is falling and dying. And then kind of like an explosion goes off on like a, is it, is it an oil rig? What is that? Yeah. It's, it's like a rocks on foundation, right? Yeah. At that point. And so, you know, and then, and then dagger ends up in the water as well. And they, after a, uh, her father's driving in an accident that happens on like a bridge and she ends up in the water and they both get hit by like this energy wave from, yeah, from this exploding rig or corporation or whatever the fuck out in the, out in the water there. And they, that's where they get their powers. That's what I didn't understand is like, what was this? They're going to, I'm sure they're going to get into that, but like what was being developed there that kind of like gave them these abilities yeah, that's definitely part of the mystery. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right. With like scenes where like they're ransacking her father's house for all the information that he had. Yeah. It's obviously going to be tied back to something that Dagger's father was working on and yeah. into. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I enjoyed it as well. I'm going to give it a high taste it too. It's definitely something I'm going to stick with and I'm looking forward to. I, uh, yeah, I, I feel like honestly what's fucked up right now is I'm way more into and I know this is not popular I'm way more into the runaways on Hulu and this new cloak and dagger from freeform than I am anything Netflix is doing Hmm. you know I haven't watched runaways yet but just going on cloak and dagger I mean it seems like a fresh exciting show where Netflix feels like it's this wheel that just keeps spinning around to the same point over and over again yeah 
Yeah. So I guess I have to agree with you because I'm I pretty much checked out of all the Netflix Marvel stuff, and this was kind of one of those. It's always a nice happy surprise when you watch something to talk about it on the show, and you're just like, well. I'll watch it so we can talk about it. And then it ends up being one of those things where it's like, oh, I guess I'm going to have a series recording on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Netflix and Marvel. I got this story from CBR, Comic Book Resources, and it's about who controls the Netflix Marvel shows. Basically, as far as Disney, you know, getting their streaming service, will the show stay with Netflix or will they move to the Disney streaming service? And then during a Reddit AMA, Ask Me Anything, Marvel head of television Jeff Loeb fielded a couple of questions about what's in store for the series on the streaming service, asked by one user whether the popular dramas are intended to continue indefinitely. Loeb replied, that's really up to Netflix. We love telling those stories. Another asked how many seasons were planned for each show. Loeb responded, that's a Netflix question. We'll take whatever they want. So when it gets that Netflix original stamp on a Marvel series, it sounds like it's staying at Netflix. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, too. I mean, Marvel really can't do anything with it right this second as is anyway. Like, if they're, if they're going to tonally keep those characters kind of in the same vein, it sounds like they kind of have to stay on Netflix. Dan, do you watch the Netflix Marvel stuff? Uh, yeah, not like not I'm not like caught up, but I, I yeah I watch it. Are you a big fan? You like any of the series? You, you yeah yeah I think my favorite is probably Jessica Jones. Okay, yeah, that's a good choice. I really enjoy the Jessica Jones stuff too. Jake, my question is like, part of me just wishes that they would Marvel would say. This isn't MCU canon. It's not anymore. Like, let them just do their own thing. And then I think that that could kind of like open it up to where like in the MCU, they could introduce a daredevil into the MCU, like their own daredevil that doesn't have to be Charlie Cox or, or just say like Netflix can have like their own series here. And then like the Disney streaming service, if they want to use some of these characters for the new Disney streaming, like in an, Maybe just like an animated Daredevil thing would be really cool. Like imagine like a like an animated Daredevil series like drawn by Chris Samney or something. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And I can see where you're coming from, especially with like kind of the Mark Wade like yeah. renaissance of the Daredevil stories. Like that's not the kind of stuff we're getting in the Netflix show if that's what you're interested in. Yeah. As far as Daredevil's concerned, but I don't know. I, I can I can wait for it. I I, I can't see the Charlie Cox thing going on incredibly long, like maybe five, ten more years max, and that even seems like I'm being really generous. So yeah. I think Marvel will have stuff to do with Daredevil in due time and an empty space for it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. Like it's, I, I don't think I see that those Netflix, like Punisher and all these characters, moving over to the Disney streaming services. It seems like that Netflix original stamp has a lot of weight and that these iterations of this character of these characters are going to stick around for Netflix. So, yeah, I do a hundred percent agree with you though. Like at this point, like we know from Fahey that we're not including these characters in movies and everything. Yeah. Why are we even bothering connecting them to the movies anymore? Drop it. Just fucking drop it. 
Yeah. It, oh, Battle of New York. Oh, it's all connected. Just give it up. Give it up. Who cares? And, like, I don't need you to drop Thor references or Hulk references anymore. It doesn't get me excited. And Unless I, they're showing up, don't bother. Exactly. Like, I'm over it. I'm over it. And it, it's not the sell of the show. It's almost an insult to the character that you think that unless you name drop the Battle of New York and the Incredible Hulk, we're not going to give a fuck about uh, the Daredevil. Honestly, show. like the movies have been avoiding it so much that it would feel weird to even see like any of these characters show up in any of the films. Yeah, I agree. I, I was while you were talking, I was trying to think of who the closest character in the MCU to any of these people are. And man, I was really struggling. Like it's like a Hawkeye or it's like um, a Falcon, maybe. But even those characters, like they're nowhere near as like gritty. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird thing. Kevin Feige, he addressed when we could see Fox characters in the MCU movies. Fandom Wire reported, should the Disney-Fox merger come to pass, Marvel Studios would own film rights to the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. The latter has fans salivating, as many would like to see the Merry Mutants are integrated into this world of gods, aliens, and magic. However, they shouldn't count their kitchen uh, chickens before they hatch. Yeah, kitchens. Uh, long-term Marvel Studios producer Kevin Feige said the following during the produced by press conference earlier today, quote, I'm just sitting waiting for a phone call to say yay or nay, but I, but obviously it would be nice to have access to that entire library. So stop asking, stop even like coming up with these scenarios, I guess. I think we need to stop this, like of these scenarios of like, um, the X-Men might show up in a post-credit scene in said film. Or until until Feige gets, like, a phone call, they can't film that post-credit scene. Like, it can't happen. Like, they yeah, can't do yeah. it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, it, it's crazy. Like, with the Spider-Man thing, they had plenty of time. They hadn't even started filming Civil War, but Avengers 4 has been in the can for a long time now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, Avengers 4 comes out in 2019. They can't, like, this merger can't even, it it won't even go through until, like, probably early. I'm trying to think here. Um, This merger probably won't, if it happens, it probably won't happen until, like, very late 2019 at the earliest. And so you wouldn't be able to see any of this stuff happen until, like, they wouldn't be able to develop anything until 2020 with anything new coming out until 2021. Yeah, and you know me with the post-credit scenes. Like, I give me the X-Men movie, put them in a movie. Like, showing me someone with an X-Belt buckle after eight minutes of credits doesn't really give me a fucking boner. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Like, I... I, I I don't care if we do get like a, a reveal of like something in a post credit scene. That would get me hyped, just like knowing like, oh my god, the deal has gone through. Like, but we're gonna hear about the deal going through. <laughs> I was getting ready to say, I'm not, you're not that naive. <laughs> yeah, but just to, just to see it on screen would be like amazing. Like, like what are we gonna see on screen first? Like, what are they planning for? Like, the deal could go through, but like, 
what are we going to see first from Marvel? Like, what are they going to tease first? Because going into the theater for Avengers, I had no idea that at the end of the movie, Thanos is going to give us like this, like we're going to get Thanos in the film. I had no idea. None. Yeah. And so here's the thing. Marvel gets the rights of Fox. We hear about that in the news. But then we go to the theater and like, what do they do? Like, do they give us a shot of the Baxter building or do they give us a shot of adamantium claws? Like, where are they going first? Like, that would be the thing that I would want to know. You know? Yeah. I, I'm with you there. That gives it a little bit more of an excitement level. Like, which property will they focus on? Yes. In this group of properties. That, yes. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. So. You know, Jake, I'm sorry, man. I know you hate them, but post-credit scenes are going away, dude. They're not <laughs> oh, going. I know, I know. I just, it's just such a cheap way to introduce this shit to me. It kind of undersells everything. <laughs> I love it. It's, for me, it's, it's an event. It's an event. It's part of, it's part of the culture, like, that they're, that, 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 that they're, that they're introducing here. It's like, it's part of it. It's like, Oh my God. Like, that's the excitement. Like, oh my God. What are they going to give us this time? Like, I want to know. I want to know. Like, and they could, it could be a fucking dud. It could be, we could go into a fucking movie and then we get the post credit scene and it's fucking, uh, it's, it's Robert Downey Jr. talking. No, it's uh, Bruce Banner talking to a, uh, no, yeah, it was Robert Downey Jr. talking to Bruce Banner. Like in, yeah. in a psych in Iron Man 3 when it was that psychiatric scene or whatever the fuck. I was just like, ah, that's lame. <laughs> Even Avengers, who gives a fuck? Oh, look, they're all eating shawarma. Oh, that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> I fucking um, loved it. I cracked the fuck up. My whole theater cracked the fuck up. It was fun. <laughs> it was a fun scene. And it, 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 it was one of those things that was like a, a reminder of like, you're not getting this in the DC films. Like, you're not getting fun moments like this in the DC films where, like, in the movie, you know, Robert Downey Jr. says, hey, what do you guys want to do after this? You you guys want to go to that new shawarma place? Like, the fact that they actually threw that in at the end of the movie was kind of brilliant. Like, that was a Deadpool joke before we got a Deadpool movie. Yeah, and that's one of the – the humor ones, honestly, I like a little bit better than the spoil the next movie reveal ones. Mm. So I know I'm getting Brie Larson. I know I'm getting Captain Marvel. You show me a fucking pager. You show me that fucking <laughs> like you know like uh, Samuel Jackson like threw out the signal out there. I was talking yeah. L- Luther Shaver. Me and him were talking today, and um, in a, in a, in a yeah, Facebook message, and he, we're talking. And he's like, "Man, I'm excited for Captain Marvel." And I'm like, "Yeah, I am too, man." I was like, "I was like, think about this." I said. And, and, you know, he's talking about, like, maybe we get a secret invasion. And I was like, holy shit, dude. That, that's got, we got to get that. We got to get – we got James Gunn, like, doing, like, this cosmic side of the universe. Like, they got to do secret invasion, you know? Like, they got – like, that, that's where it goes after this. Like, we've got- Oh, 100%, 100%. And then it's like – and then the podcast is trying to figure out which Avengers haven't even been Avengers mm-hmm. the entire – Cinematic universe. Yes, that's exactly what he was saying. And so I'm thinking, yeah. like, I'm thinking, like, dude, what, what if we got a post credit scene of like Captain Marvel up in space doing what she does? You know, she's fighting, she's fighting fucking scrolls, explosions going off, and all of a sudden her pager goes off, and it's fucking, you know, it's Nick Fury's signal that he sent her. People go nuts. Like I would, I would go nuts. I would be like, oh my yeah. god, I'm getting to see. First off, like, I haven't even gotten the origin film for the character yet, but I'm seeing, like, full-blown Captain Marvel, 
like getting getting the message from Nick Fury and Captain Marvel's doing what she's doing out in space. Like that's going to get me pumped for the movie. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of that either. I, I, <laughs> wow, I just, shocker. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't want it already spelled out to me that Captain Marvel is going to be that important in Avengers Four. Like I feel like it'd be way more impactful to have that revealed in the Captain Marvel movie. Like, yes, I know we're smart and that we can probably jump to the conclusion that she will bring, like, be a big part in Avengers 4, but to to waste that at the, like, after a bunch of credits just, ah, it just seems like a dud move to me. Nah, I love it. I think it, I think it keeps the audience salivating for the next movie, and it, 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 it creates discussion. It really does. Like, yeah, because there was nothing to talk about at the, infin- at the end of Infinity War that you wanted to see another movie for <laughs> no it, it, honestly like the movie could have and I, I understand what you're saying i understand what you're saying as far as like you know like uh why do they have to put why do they have to put it as a mid-credit scene or a post-credit scene and all this stuff why can't it be just involved why can't it just be part of the movie part of it part of it for me is the anticipation i actually like the anticipation sitting around and waiting for it like i like that like what are they going to give us it's 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 part of the fun for me. It's part of the event. Like you know, it's like it's like going to it's like going to a fancy dinner, and like uh, you know, getting like uh, getting like the appetizer, then getting the main course, and like oh, what are they going to bring out for dessert? What's the dessert tray? What's the, what's the dessert cart going to look like? It's it's you know what, Brian? I am always too full for dessert. Not me, man. Fucking, I don't care. I don't care. It, it, cheesecake. That's a perfect. That's a perfect metaphor. Fucking. Some people aren't. Some people are. Uh, man, no. Like sometimes, like sometimes, like I didn't fill up on bread, man. I didn't fill up on that bullshit bread. You're the motherfucker that goes to fucking Olive Garden and you filled up on the garlic bread like a dumbass. Like you just. Yeah, I don't you, know what part no. of Infinity War was bullshit bread though. No, you did. No, I'm saying. I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I'm saying like you. No, hold on. Here, here's you. You, you get the bread and then you're like, I'm gonna uh, get the tour. Of Italy. That was your Infinity War, and then you're too you're too full for fucking dessert at the end of the night. Like I didn't I didn't fill up on the bread, and I I, I enjoyed the tour of Italy, and and uh, I, my stomach's not bloated from like all the bread that I had at the beginning, and I'm ready for dessert. I don't know. It's just for me. It's just part of it. It's part of it. It's just, <laughs> it's part of the whole experience of going to a Marvel movie is sitting around and waiting for the next post credit scene. It's like I, I, I can't ima- I can't imagine being that person that's upset at a post credit scene when like I feel like they're so fun and like that's part of the experience of waiting around for it. Why the fuck do we talk? How do we get on this shit every goddamn fucking week with these goddamn post credit scenes? Like it, I should just stop us from doing this and be like, yeah, Jake, Jake hates him, Brian likes him. Like that's it. I know. We'll talk about it next Marvel movie. Like I'm, you, <laughs> not I, like, until or before. Right. I'm never gonna convince you to like them and you're never going to convince me to hate them like what's the we're going in circles no no yeah you're you're, you're absolutely right jesus it's, christ it's definitely listening, personal preference listening to me and you talk about post-credit scene is the equivalent of watching a nascar race <laughs> we're just going around, <laughs> just going around. Oh, i was thinking pcl post-credit leftovers oh my gosh let's talk about dc news Am I, uh, like, oh, I'll, God, can we go back to talking about post-credits? we got to talk about DC news this week. we got a big one. We got here, Here's the bumper. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. 
Variety is reporting that Jared Leto is getting his own Joker movie. No, oh, Jesus. At least it won't have a post-credit scene. All right, drop it. Just drop it. Like, like, <laughs> like seriously. <laughs> like, I know, I know. You're chopping it. Yeah, hey, post-credit jokes. <laughs> I, the Jared Leto Joker thing, I don't know even what to think about this. It's like, I guess the argument is, was Jared Leto Joker bad in Suicide Squad because of Jared Loker or, or Jared Leto or because of the screenplay? Yeah. You know? Like, if it was only because of the screenplay, then eh, maybe this might work. But it, you'll, you'll be hard to convince me that that was the case. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't see, like, the look's not changing. Oh, God. Yeah, did he, did he get the, the tattoo removed? Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> do some cover-up, yeah. 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 <laughs> he gets some makeup on his face, possibly, right? Oh, Jesus. I can't think of a comic book movie I want to see less than oh, this movie. Man. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's a, if there's yeah. a, if there's a poll uh, out there, like, like what other movie do you stack up on the, uh, the movie that you want to see less? Like, so. I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Plot details are currently unknown, but the studio's idea is to expand on the world created by Suicide Squad and tie into future installments of that property. That sounds terrible. Um, yeah, I'd rather see Suicide Squad two than this Joker. They're movie. still making. They're still making the uh, Joker origin film with Todd Phillips, the director. Todd Phillips, the uh, Hangover director, uh, and it's going to be produced by Martin Scorsese. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is going to be in the role. That's still happening. It's going to be a different banner, though. Uh, so basically, there's two separate cinematic universes. We've got the DCEU, which is going to be Jared Leto. Jed Leto's going to lead up our Joker film here in the DCEU. And then there's another banner called the New Origins Banner, which is going to be the uh, Scorsese-Joaquin Phoenix film. Um, Man, if I was Scorsese and Phoenix, I would be trying to squash this. I think this is a detriment to their project. Yeah, but Jared Leto was in there first, and they've got to work. Like, they they, they, they uh, you know, they, they committed to Jared Leto first, and the DCEU seems like it's, like, its own entity. And... The character's got to show up again. That lose you? I lose you. Oh, no, I'm here. All right. And I lost you again. No, I'm here. I'm here. I, the DCEU, <laughs> though, it's like the fish that won't stop flopping, right? Can't they just fucking kill it? Yeah, I know. I, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> when you said fish flopping, I'm thinking of Aquaman right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty, that's not what I meant, but I like it. I'm just thinking of Jason Momoa having like an epileptic seizure on the, <laughs> on a boat and me hitting him with a bat. <laughs> I I love this metaphor. Sorry. Just put Aquaman out of his misery and start over the DCEU. You know, it's like I like 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 I'm like the the cast is insane for Aquaman. You know, you got a good director. You got James Wan. You got Patrick Wilson. You got Willem Dafoe. You got, uh, you know, what's her name? What is it? Tom? Nicole Kidman. You know, everybody. Oh, yeah. Trailers coming soon. And, um, you know, when, when they debuted footage at CinemaCon, people were like blown away. They were like, oh my God, Aquaman looks amazing. And Aquaman could be, who knows? Who knows about Aquaman? But everything about this fucking Joker movie, like, I don't know, man. I, I have a bad 
taste in my mouth about Leto Joker. A very bad taste in my mouth about this Leto Joker. Mm-hmm. I can't even argue this. Like, I do not want to see more of this character ever. Dan, what are you thinking? Leto Joker? Yeah, uh, I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable thinking about it, honestly. Like, like the whole movie, I don't know. A whole, yeah, yeah a whole yeah. movie. You're, t- you're telling me we're going to get two hours of this shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Part yeah, of me I, I don't even know. But, like, a, like I, I don't know. It's just <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, okay, what's it going to be about? I mean, they, 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 at one time they were planning at least like two or three Harley Quinn projects. Jeez. Like, like we're we're down to one. We know we're getting like a Harley Quinn movie, but we, we all, we're also getting like possibly a Birds of Prey film, and then like there were other things in the works. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Harley Quinn shows up in the Joker solo film either. Like, and what's terrible? Oh, 100%. What's terrible about this? What I read is. This came straight from Variety. They say plot details are currently unknown, but the studio's idea is to expand on the world created by Suicide Squad and tie into future installments of that property. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a, it'd be almost a little bit more tolerable if the Joker solo solo movie was meant to like kind of expand the Batverse and the DCEU as a whole, not be a like stepping stone to another fucking Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, it would be great if they said, um, plot details are currently unknown, but the studio's idea is to basically um, kind of remove itself from the shitstorm that was created by Suicide Squad and make this a full departure from the Suicide Squad and any future installments of that property that hopefully will be buried by Warner Brothers. Like, and they're, but they're, 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 they're confidently saying it's going to expand upon the world created by Suicide Squad and tie into future installments of that property. You're right, Jake. Like, why isn't it installed? Why isn't Matt Reeves kind of like involved in this as a consultant and saying like, hey, you know, I'm going to do this with my Batman movie. I, you know, like, Maybe maybe we can do something like a Batman Joker film in the future. We don't want to do it right now, but we want to lead into that. Maybe this will lead into a future Batman installment. But like, no, 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 no. We got to have this tie into that piece of shit that nobody liked. Yeah, and if it's not a prequel, if it's like taking place post Suicide Squad to bridge the gap to Suicide Squad Two, like I hate that iteration of the Joker. It's mm-hmm. going to be more of that kind of crime boss like shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or oh, a tattoo artist, or whatever. I don't know. Was was he was he giving himself tattoos? Like, what was that? What, did he? Uh, like, I want I want to see like the Joker like going in to get those tattoos and telling like the, <laughs> the tattoo guy what he wants. You know what I mean? Can <laughs> I just say ah uh, like sixty times? Yeah, dude. Like. <laughs> On my on my left bicep here, I wanted to say ha 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 a bunch, and then you know like on my on my forehead, I wanted to say damage because man, I'm fucked up, dude. Yeah, and you know how people have those like finger mustaches? You think we could like do that with my mouth? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, got, we got fucking like hipster Instagram Joker. Like what the fuck? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I like, just don't care. And it's like, how are you going to put the number one Batman villain in such a fucking state of limbo like this? Like, put... There's like 80 other Batman villains that you can use to bridge the gap between Suicide Squad 1 and 2. Why are we tying the Joker up in all this nonsense? Yeah. Yeah, it's just weird, yeah. You'd think they'd be more wanting to, like, pump out Batman movies than they are. Well, I mean, yeah. they had to throw Batman into the Suicide Squad movie, which was kind of, like, anticlimactic. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting a Matt Reeves film. So we'll see what yeah. we'll see what Matt Reeves does there. But yeah, it's one of those things where <laughs> it's so weird. We're not getting any DC movies this year until the end of December. Yeah, that is bizarre. So it's I mean, you know, if it's good, it's good though, then the weight doesn't matter. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm definitely more excited for Aquaman than I am for any of this this any of the eight Harley Quinn movies or Joker movies. Yeah. Oh God. I dude, I've got to see the first trailer for the Todd Phillips, Scorsese, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker. I've got, Oh my God. If this happens, I got to see this fucking trailer. Yeah. Well, that's going to be just like any other comic book movie reveal, right? We're going to see some kind of like magazine website post of what Phoenix's look, look is going to be probably before we see a trailer. And that's going to be huge. Yeah. This new banner that they got, like, how are they going to market that? This, um, new origins banner? Like, is it, you know, like Star Wars has like a Star Wars story, you know, solo a Star Wars story, like a Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I, like, is it gonna say Joker, the new origin? And like, are yeah, they go- I think that's super confusing. Because right? like, they should, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. No, you, no, it, you're fine. It's it's one of those things where like this is not, it's not part of the DCEU. Like this is a separate like Elseworld story. So and that's what I was gonna say. And why not just be more on the nose and be more honest with your audience than that? It almost feels like by calling it New Origins that their plan is whichever thing makes more money is what we're going to squeeze into actual (laughs) continuity. They should have been doing this from the get go, man. It really like they are not, they, they are clearly not ready for an expanded universe. We're like, they have a shared world with all these characters. They should have just been doing all along what they've always done. That's worked for them. Just individual movies. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They were already by movie two Mm -hmm. biting off more than they could chew. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the Patty Jenkins Wonder Woman movie works perfectly as a standalone. Perfectly. Yeah, I, that proved that they fucked up on movie two, honestly. Yes. Yeah. Like 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 Man of Steel should have stayed just a Superman. Like we should have never as excited as I was when they announced it at San Diego Comic Con in two thousand thirteen that we were gonna get Batman v Superman. I was fucking or two thousand fourteen or whatever the fuck it was, like I was just elated, like, oh my god. It should have just been like they should have just announced Man of Steel two. I mean, yeah. yeah, I agree. They wasted fucking the highest selling Superman comic of all time for the uh, last fifteen minutes of BBS. Yeah, they did. They <laughs> did. They did. They did. And they threw a little. They threw some injustice in there as well. They gave us a little bit of injustice in there. They gave us a little bit of the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. And fuck Snyder, like, I mean, as much as I hate Snyder, even he had me excited at the, like, Comic-Con announcement. Like, 
he, he talked about having lunch with Frank Miller and how much of an homage to Dark Knight it was going to be. And at that time, we really didn't know it was oh, going to be. We'll throw Doomsday in. We'll throw Injustice in. They like, had time. They had the yeah. one of the actors from like Batman v Superman come out there and start reading from the Dark Knight, reading lines yeah, he, from the Dark Knight. Even Jaded Jake was like, "All right, if I know. this is what Snyder's going to do. Then, then this this could be pretty fucking cool." I remember, man. I remember you were like, "Okay, yeah, this is this is pretty cool." And then like. You know, I don't know. And then it got worse. And then it got worse. Yeah. By trailer two, I was out. <laughs> by trailer two, I was upset. I was pissed off. We're getting doomsday. And then by, and then by Justice League, I was just like, this is bullshit. This is, this is just. I know a lot of people said they shouldn't have shown us doomsday in the trailer, but it's almost like a trigger warning. Like, I don't know how I would have reacted had I seen doomsday for the first time as a secret in that movie. Well, they shouldn't probably have, yeah. That, that, out that's the thing. Dead. They shouldn't have Doomsday in the movie at all. And like, if anything, like Superman should have just fucking given the Kryptonian, like the crypt, uh, the Kryptonite spear to Wonder Woman, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. And even the Wonder Woman stuff, like as much as that was the best and most exciting part of BVS, how much more exciting would it have been if they could have held their horses and shown us that Wonder Woman movie first? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like. It's the movie's called Batman v Superman. At least it was. <laughs> and then they like the asterisks. Wonder Woman's the biggest star in the movie. <laughs> they call it the Dawn of Justice. Come on, Dawn of Justice. Get the, get the mm. fuck out of here. All right, I'm we're bitching about things from like three years ago. <laughs> let's just we're gonna, we're, let's wrap this up. No Star Wars news this week. Fuck it. I mean, there was a little bit of shit coming out. That's it. But I'm not going to get into it. But Dan, I want to thank you for being on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was awesome to finally get on. Yeah, yeah, thank you. After listening since episode one, I can finally say I've been on it. Exactly. There you go, man. (laughs) Dan's been, yeah, you're OG, dude. Yeah. That was unreal. Yeah, it was cool. I was talking to Dan at C2E2, and Dan's telling me about, like, he's been with us since episode one. And it just, like, you know, just hearing that just kind of, like, blows me away. Like, yeah, shit. it is nuts. Dan is definitely one of the people I think of when I think of like our our first listeners. He's one of like the three four people that instantly comes to mind. Oh yeah, if there was like yeah. pop culture leftovers, leftover army trading cards, like Dan, you would be like a rare card. <laughs> you know, like a, you, a chase card. You would be like yeah, you'd be like limited run. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> like people would be like oh my god, you know like you'd have a ton of people that would be like yeah, dude, I got a Luther Shaver. You know like oh my god, I got a yeah, I've got you know I've got like three Rebecca Dalings because she shows up on every fucking podcast. But like dude, like she's on she's on other people's cards sometimes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then there's like the there's like a weird kind of like Eric Wade misprint card. <laughs> <laughs> we're like i don't know it's just a weird misprint card like the some of the letters are upside down and shit but like very rare very rarely do you find a dan hunter it's a very rare card and like you know it's like it's like when you walk into the comic book shop and you're looking in like the glass case and you're like holy shit dude they got a fucking dan hunter and it's like, you know, it's like one of those like $300 cards. And it's like, it's like, right, right next to the holofoil Wolverine. Yeah. It's like people will talk about like, dude, I've got like an insane pop culture leftovers army deck, but I don't have a Dan Hunter. 
And so, right. like, in order to get, like, unless you got that, like, when it originally came out, first run, if you were not lucky enough to get it, like, you're paying a hefty price to complete your deck for a Dan Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> those second run Dan Hunters are worth like half a cent. No oh, one wants they, that. They shit. Nobody wants those. And then, then you got people like like making fake ones, like counterfeiting fucking <laughs> Dan Hunter cards. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh man, getting it CGI graded or however they do it for yeah, trading cards, yeah, right? Yeah, CGC or whatever the fuck, man. Dude, yeah, thanks, Dan. I'm glad you took the yeah, time. Yeah. On. It was great to have you on. I tried to make this as horror centric as I could. You know what I mean? Like with the the Halloween and the Hereditary oh, yeah. and the Stranger Things. Yeah, it was, so. yeah, it lined up pretty well, so it worked out. Absolutely. When uh, Halloween uh, when Halloween drops in the theaters, maybe we can have you come back. Yeah, that would be awesome. Awesome. That. Awesome, guys. Hey, we will see you back next week for episode 237. And until then. Yes. Incredibles 2. Yeah, Incredibles 2. Looks good. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah. Just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. It's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it take? Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean, erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and with a shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftover. And you're the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers.